Geeks! 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 <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Geeks, the world's number one entertainment podcast recorded live in these rooms. I'm your host and joining me for episode 118, the movies of 2019 are the following people. The man who killed Don Quixote, Adam Driver, Katie Watson. Hello. The dead don't die, Adam Driver, Shannon Hollander. This will end badly. The report, Adam Driver, Alison Holland. Hello. And returning, as he rarely does, the marriage story, Adam Driver, Thomas McCann. I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> if you're new to us, hello, welcome. Please head on out to wearegeeks.com or we are geeks on all of your Blackberries, all of your Apple things, everything where you can find us, rate us, subscribe to us. It helps us out whole damn bunch because we do all this for free we don't do banner ads we don't do patrons but the love of adam driver we're not going to try and sell you any blood orange ipa mostly because tom probably drank it all i'm already yeah, drinking that's it true. tom there's none the, there's none left in the world yeah in the hour and 45 minutes it's taken us to get this fucking show running in which time <laughs> we've lost one of the members r.i.p adrian yeah, should we have a moment of silence? We joke about it each year. We lose someone every time we do our yearly podcast, but normally through me fighting them to the death over their opinions on the movie. This time, <laughs> we didn't even have to get into the movies. Adrian died of during natural the causes. making of. Yeah. Well, PC, the robots took PC him. PC causes. Yeah. 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 So, he joins Nate out there in the, the other world. In the ether. Yeah. Really, the message is, yeah, but if this, if this podcast, if you take anything from this podcast of all the movies of 2019... It's by Mac, not PC. Yeah. yeah. That's really the message 100%. we're trying to tell you. 100%. Let me tell you, this new Mac, it took a second to begin with, but now it is great. <laughs> Your sexy blurry background. Yeah, yes. Shannon's really so loving this like, focus focus portrait on mode. You. Well, it's only because I don't know how to change it. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are frequenters of us or not, please do remember every Friday we have a horror show that goes up. At the moment, we are going through all the slasher movies that I've decided are worth our attention in the 80s with Katie Watson and Shannon, who is pouring herself a drink right now yes, because of the thought of it. Yeah, she is. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know the beautiful Irish tones of Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was that my cue to say something? <laughs> no, I was just going to introduce you because a lot of people might not know you're on sporadically, but you and I started a version of this podcast many years ago called Movie Murmurs. Yeah. We went Precursor. through all of the Fast and Furious films. That was a glorious time. Yeah. Back when there were only four, I think, at that point. Wow. Yeah, which seemed excessive back then. Didn't we go see, like, was it the fifth one or the fourth one we just saw in the cinema? So we decided to cram the, the three. I, I'd never seen them before, and I watched, I think, all three in a morning. Yeah. <laughs> Which sadly, moviemurmurs.com just went offline, so those have been lost to time. Now. Uh, I think I, I still have a copy of it, though, so I'll, I'll hunt that out. So don't fear, people. It's fine. <laughs> it's going to be okay. So yeah, Tom, thank you very much for coming back, man, to chat some movies. Again, we were meant to have three guys, three, three ladies. That was kind of a hope, but no. Just it's okay. Us. I hold just James's us opinions with me because he's in the same room with me playing video games. Cool. I'll uh, cue him. There you and go. Adrian, hopefully... Although he's given a lot today that didn't go well. Oh, no, he just texted me. Uh, he's given me all of his nominations. So I'm going to be able to, if I remember, <laughs> and I probably won't, read out we'll Adrian's nominations you. as Does we Adrian go. Does Adrian just it's... say like Hobbs and Shaw, Hobbs and Shaw, Hobbs and Shaw? Right. For like everything? I mean, at least 50% okay. is Hobbs okay. and Shaw. Mm -hmm. 
If you are new to us and you didn't listen to our 2018 movies podcast, then you made a good life decision. <laughs> there were 11 or 12 of us on it. We normally do it in the same room. It's a drunken fucking mess. It starts off pretty fun. I re-listened to it to like take notes for this one. By the end, the fun. will to live has gone. <laughs> yep, yep. By the end, uh, so we- I get louder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, less coherent. And you know what? The same thing is probably going to happen here. <laughs> probably, yeah. But at least recorded at a, in a, a nicer quality today. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do a version of that a little bit more controlled. So, apologize. It'll be easier to listen to, but less fun. That is guaranteed. All right. What? So, guys, we're going to go through every month of 2019. If Some of your favorite movies, if you're listening to this, you're like, what about this movie? Well, tough shit. Get your own podcast is what we always say. And, yeah, really just do that. Obviously, not that hard. Do you always say that? Yeah, whenever. Like, if Fuck someone's you, got a get problem, your just get your own podcast. <laughs> If you want to say that, go say it somewhere. Or you, you should can email us. You can email us <laughs> fuck at fuckyouatwearegeeks.com. That is true. That's our hate mail yes. section. Do people utilize this fuck you email at all? Because I really think they should. There's a lot of things to say fuck you about. I agree. People haven't been, but I will admit we had a problem with the emails coming through. Um, so now so they're just pouring in. <laughs> so if you, if you sent in a fuck you email and you didn't get a response, please resend. Do it again. Resend. <laughs> Plus, I'm still waiting for my mean messages on Twitter. Like, no one has been mean to me on Twitter yet. I'm, like, just sad about it. Oh, I so want you it. haven't been seeing my tweets then? I haven't. We know. <laughs> Send them in. I'm ready. We do know at least Justin Law is listening. So, uh, Hi, the guy is pretty, it's pretty Hi, rude, Justin. Season of the Witch so sucks, Justin. Wow. <laughs> at me. Yeah. Get at me, bro. That's right. Run. That's right. Katie is now actively trying to start a Twitter fight. I have fight. been stirring shit for like the last year and nothing. <laughs> okay. 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 And, she's, and we've all been drinking for the last hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> While we get this fucking podcast on the road. All right. So this is what's going to happen. We're going to go through all the films. That, again, we try to be as comprehensive as possible. There's a lot of movies in the world, so calm the fuck down. But we're going to do the best that we can. Everyone gets to nominate two films. And this is something that's changing from last year's rules. You're going to get to nominate two films that will go straight into the best of the year list. That'll be now not 12 Although, if Adrian's done them, we'll count Adrian's. But 10 or 12 films, and there'll be our official We Are Geeks films of the year. Now, if someone's going to overlap, Shannon, you might say, what if somebody else wants your your prestigious choice? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, whoever gets there first gets that one. It doesn't matter. We're not claiming it. It's going to end up on that list. You might want to take that as a great advantage to let you know slip in a strange little movie that meant something to you, but that no one else gives a shit about. Mm -hmm, uh, because they will be locked in you can't go against those ones which is different from last year and that caused a lot of heartache last year as we fought it out so that makes that easier however we also have our categories and i'm going to go through those in a second you'll get to nominate one film or person depending on what's necessary for the category for each of those categories all of us have already lit the list. Hopefully, we've all pre-selected what we wanted. When we get to the movie, when we arrive there, you will select and say, I want to nominate this person or film. Everybody, however, to complicate things, also has two veto cards and two signature select cards. You can use these at any point you want to. Now, most of them might be used to counteract each other. This is where it gets fun. So, if someone's just like, you know what? I want to fucking ensure that Dwayne DeRock Johnson in Hobbs and Shaw gets through, nominated, they're going to use a signature select card, one of their two mm. for the entire podcast. That's going to mean, yep, he's now in for the nominations for who's actually going to get that award at the end of our show. However, if someone else is like, fuck you, 
is Dwayne The Rock Johnson going to get in for Hobbs and Shaw? He should get in for one of the other Jumanji. movies. Jumanji. 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 Yeah, Jumanji there you too. go. Jumanji. Jumanji then they get to use their veto card against you. What that then is going to mean, they've counteracted you. We've got a stalemate and it will go to the rest of us hosts to then vote Ooh. and see if it, which way that but goes. But there's an you uneven number of the rest of us. That's probably Let's, for the best. Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, no. That could be for the best. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I mean, yeah, but that means you can't. Well, this is all we'll Adrian's see. fault. Look, it's a I'm blaming the Adrian. Right? It is Adrian's fault. Yeah, it no, is I'm Adrian's blaming fault. PCs. No, blaming Adrian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can always just call him up and get his he decision bought. on the on the spot. Right. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. Or I can just <laughs> I can happen. James is right here, and I can just be like James. What is your you're the tiebreaker? You yeah, no. You know what? I'll tell you what. If we do get to a point where there's and, and it, not just a stalemate from a veto and a signature select, but also a veto, uh, sorry, also a stalemate from the vote amongst the rest of the hosts, then yeah, we'll go to James for the deciding vote. On what things. if it's Shannon's though? And then he's got, he's, you know. No, I will not tell him what is my vote and anything. <laughs> he will have no context. No, no speaking and let's with be your real. eyes. I will yeah, have, but he, I, he will have no context. I will at no point show him my boobs in order to sway the vote. Because, duh. <laughs> so, uh, let's be honest. James. If you go, if you go to him for to sway the vote on a cat's nomination, he's going to know it came from you. So, uh, <laughs> that is true. But also, but also, his movie knowledge this year. He has a lot. He's seen a lot, and they are mainly things that were accessible on a plane because he has to travel a lot for work. <laughs> So he has seen a lot of movies and he will have his own opinions should we need him for a tiebreaker. So James Haggy, I need you to be heads up. I will give you his head now up. His head is now up. Uh, He is making eye contact with me and uh, (laughs) he is contemplating whether or not he wants to participate. And what he doesn't realize is he doesn't have a choice. Shannon, can you (laughs) you ask James really quick if he cried on the airplane while watching Toy Story 4 at any point? James. (laughs) Did you cry on the airplane while watching Toy Story 4 at any point? He yes. said, oh, absolutely. It's so fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to sit here and cry. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think based on that, we can all concur that he we is an tie excellent tiebreaker. So, you know. And just to be clear, when we do the votes, if you haven't seen the film, it doesn't matter. Like We're not yeah. interested in a learned opinion. That's not how these rules work. Right. You have to fucking vote either way. Well, it, based on that, there are some films and I'm like, yes, this film should be included in things. I have not seen it, but I know enough about it to understand that it should be included, if that makes sense. That is yep. that is the beauty of the shit show yes. that it are our awards every year. <laughs> Welcome to the shit show. They literally mean nothing. Again, one year, the best video game of the year was one by a game that only one out of the five of us have played due to the fucking stupid math construct that we're created with our rules it. <laughs> it completely <laughs> fucked us <laughs> some stupid but this is what happens game all the that time. wanted you know all of these awards right if there are two heavy hitters people vote for them it cancels them out and then that's whenever the sleeper gets in so i feel like yep. it's a fair system in that it's way like a hung parliament right exactly very exciting we promise no politics throughout this <laughs> podcast yes all right so those are the rules. Is it worth pointing out that I've forgotten all of those rules? And yeah, we'll just learn fine. them as we Again, go along? Yeah, we'll learn it's it's like show. Okay, let's just it's like a board sure. game. Just figure it out cool. as you play. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I've done two things on my list. I've introduced people. I've explained the rules. I feel pretty good about that. Well Good done. work, Al. Good work. Thank you. 
Thank you. We're now going to go through the entire year. That'll be most of the podcast. Now, at the end, if you're thinking that sounds boring, you're probably right. <laughs> but towards the end, we will then get into the arguments of who wins all that stuff or they present the lists. If anybody wants to at the end, and there's certainly an obligation for this, but people can say it's the end of the decade after all. They can do their own personal top of the decade. Ooh. And then at the very, very, very tail end of this show, we're going to present a brand new song from me and Tom are in a band called Ghostlight. And we have now yes. coming out on Valentine's Woo. Day. Are you yeah. going to sing it live? Yeah, we're doing it live. Do it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can I, you can sing bass, can't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. After of another couple of beers, I'll just do, do the whole it. thing like a cappella. It'll be fine. <laughs> that's how you sing uh, bass. Yeah, yeah and that'll <laughs> be the very first time that we'll play it anyway, even before the single is out. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> we'll get there when we get yeah. there. Yeah. But you... You have to make it to the end. This is your reward if you make Fast it to the end, people. is not yeah. an option. You will think you deserve a reward by the end of this, but instead, more punishment. Did just you, in a different form. When is that form. full album coming out? Are you still planning on doing that Valentine's, Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day. That's what oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it will be Valentine's I got very excited about Tom doing acapella singing bass. It'll be available to pre-order probably by the time this podcast goes up. Ooh, exciting. Go pre-order. All right, now... I've- very quick caveat that is important we stipulate this every single year this list is made up by u.s release dates only so if there's a film that you saw at a festival fuck off we don't include it i appreciate it if you include it on your podcast that's not how we do things we want stuff that the public could access and yes most of us are based in the u.s that's the list that we're going with that does mean uk there's a lot of films that come at the end of a year in the u.s and then in uk to come at the beginning of the next year that means we're not counting those on a lot of uk lists are still for 2019 they've got the favorite they've got if bill street could talk they've got mm-hmm. eighth grade and border they all came out in the u.s the year prior to that in 2018 so we're not counting any of those films oh and i'm going to briefly touch on the biggest flops of the year because i'm always interested in that yes. at the very end of this, of this podcast. Mm-hmm. all right guys let's travel back with me if you will yes. to january 2019 back when we all had hope did we Uh, i don't know that i did i I have more hope i did now than i did then i do you have more hope now yes yeah yeah you know what you're clearly not watching the news right (laughs) i'm a year older so i have less hope which is the same every year as another year goes past the hope diminishes in direct inverse proportion at what age does your hope go away tom when I'm dead. Oh, I didn't know if you were <laughs> like a gradual slide. At 65. Like, doesn't it'll matter. It'll just keep going down and down and down. No until the last year. Zero hope. And then there'll be nothing left. Yeah, exactly. I think I have so. one more year of hope left, and it's going to come okay. down to November. No politics. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> <All right. laughs> ja- Shannon's death is not politics. Uh, all right, January. We did, it was a pretty thin beginning of the year. We did have a horror film, Escape Room. Which I out. saw. Good How job. the fuck did you see Escape Room? Only because I had an audition for Escape Room 2. Oh. So I needed to oh, yeah. like watch through Escape Room. Did you like it? Uh, I mean, it's fun. It's like it's very light horror with like some gory elements to it because they are trying to escape the escape room. <laughs> but like <laughs> This is true. You know, it was I skimmed through this movie like I just was trying to get a feel for it and things like that. So the things that I thought were really going to scare me, I completely i skipped over (laughs) (laughs) but it's fun i can see why they're trying to make another one it's like cheap and easy you know so al have you said what the categories are yet oh shit thank you man oh good reminder we started this podcast so many times i forgot to finish it (laughs) (laughs) yeah the category is going to be people can nominate for best male actor best female actor best horror film best comic book movie best animated movie 
best score and then we've got most under and most over appreciated yeah because this is on my short list for best horror mm. of okay. the year it's not like I don't I don't know if I want to use one of those like card things that you mentioned but like it's well no you can I, just I, nominate I, it but no, you can only nominate one film so. well so I'm not I'm not nominating it but I just want to give a shout out because I actually really liked Escape Room I thought it was really mm-hmm. good it's fun. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Well, it's like, is it cross between like, what, Cube? Yeah, it was it's very cute. It's, it's like Cube, essentially. And I like those kind of high concept, you know, horror movies where you get a bunch of, you know, admittedly stereotypical characters in a space and weird shit starts happening and you just have to watch them deal with it. Yeah. Like, I'm a sucker for those sorts of things. I think definitely. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed Escape Room. First time I tried to watch it, I, I actually didn't. I go through that first scene and I was like, eh, I'm good. And I turned it off. But then we came back to it later and I was like, yeah, actually, that was that was fun enough. But I think the difference is why I like Cube is because it's so fucking contained with their low budget, you know? Like, mm. if I could put better actors into Cube, then I would really, really like How it. But I like you. that it's just. <laughs> but I like that it's just a very simple, you know, you, there isn't CGI really for the majority of that movie, and it's just such such a simple setup. Whereas Escape Room, it's all like loads of CGI and, yeah. and lots of sort of show pieces and stuff like that. But I thought it was fun. It was also funny that they had definite hell, Hellraiser notes. For the puzzle they mm-hmm. had to solve as well. But no pinhead, right which was disappointing. I appreciated that. I'm pretty sure it's a PJ-13 horror movie. So that makes it good yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon appropriate. Well, clearly not because you still have to It is a them. Shannon appropriate horror film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We had the return of M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, who came back with Glass, which was then revealed to be the sequel to Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And obviously Split as well, and part of that whole universe that he was trying to build. Uh, I was super hyped for this because... Yeah, you were. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, and obviously it goes without saying, there are going to be minor spoilers throughout this podcast. We're going to try not to spoil any big plot points and things, but Glass, it's obviously the, how they advertise this film. You have to know what it is, really. Yeah, I was really excited about this because of the end of Split. The end of the Split really, really got me out because I'm a huge Unbreakable fan. This film, I don't think it was as terrible as everyone said, but there were definitely terrible things about this movie. But there were things I liked in it as well. But it was a real mixed bag. And yeah. It was kind of fun. I came out just now. I just feel very meh about it. I would agree. What's his face was really good as an actor, the lead in it. I can't remember his name. James. Which one? McAvoy. There it is. James McAvoy. Oh, yeah. McAvoy. yeah. He was fantastic. James McAvoy all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. Tom, no feelings in this one? Well, my feelings involve a massive spoiler. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, well, put it this was way. Was it positive I mean, or negative? It's about a year old. Are we avoiding spoilers? I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity. Like, I was excited about the idea of bringing all those characters together. And I, I liked what it was trying to do in terms of the climax. And it kind of plays with conventions of a superhero movie, which is kind of what he did initially with Unbreakable anyway. But I just don't think it really worked. I thought the climax was a bit of a sort of dumb yeah, squid. So it was okay. Then we had the standoff at Sparrow Creek. This is a film that was really overlooked by people. And for a long time, for the majority of this year, actually, this was my top film of the year. I fucking love this film. I kind of pitch it to people as this is a very somber, modern Reservoir Dogs, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the quippy sort of fun dialogue like Reservoir Dogs. It's a lot more serious. But it's really fucking cool. It plays out like a drama Mm -hmm. about, yeah, a bunch of militia guys who are sort of hiding out mm-hmm. in their warehouse uh, when an event has happened looking for a mole really like trying to, to figure about. out who's a mole yeah. in their operation yeah yeah but it's really cool yeah i i love this film so much so that i'm going to use some strategery because <laughs> i feel like some of my other nominations are going to be chosen so i would like to nominate this film oh. for best film 
Wow. Best films. This is one of your two. Well, listen, to be fair, I feel like my other nominations are going to be covered. I love it if we all just presume that and we've all gone for weird little <laughs> films. Uh-huh. And this one is is not one of my like absolute top two of the year. However, it is in my top five, and I think it deserves to be on that list. And so I'm presuming that some of the other ones I are, that are my top two are already get, get chosen. So I am we'll being strategic and putting this on the list. That makes me very happy. Are we meant to be, like, as you call it out, say, okay, this is one of my nominations, or are we waiting until we go through the entire year to then... No, no, no. So I'm saying as we arrive at the films, you say what your nomination is. Okay. Again, you get yeah. one nomination for each category. Yeah. I, Other than I best did. film where you get to. Yeah. And they're locked in. So that is now secured on our best films of the year, which makes me very happy indeed. So I love this film. I thought the way that they played with tension and, like... It is such a great example of a film that, I mean, I don't know the budget they had, but just looking from how it was filmed, probably did not require an, a, a huge amount of money. There's no star lead in it, really. And it is fan-fucking-tastic. Highly recommend. Loved it. This is one that you showed us at the at your film festival, Al, and I'm very glad that you did. I'm glad people liked it. I felt like um, I needed it with subtitles because I couldn't make out what they were saying. I um, had the that same I had exact have problem. So like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it was like it was like a bunch of guys whispering in dark rooms yeah. for yeah. an hour and a half. So yeah. you know, I, I kind of missed some. But I mean, you, know, you know, I did enjoy it. But, yeah. I don't disagree with that criticism of it, but the tension that they were building was so spot on that I love it for that. And the story that they were telling, I was so interested in. Yeah, like in terms of a of a who done it, which is essentially what it is mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. sense, isn't it? Like I didn't really have any idea, like who right. who was do- who was who yeah. was doing what, yeah. and yeah, who was trustworthy and that. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. cool. All right, let me into February. We are going to like whip through some of these when we have less to say, obviously. But February we had Velvet Buzzsaw, which went straight to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Didn't see it, but shout out to Pat Quinlan, who's in it and dies in it. It was. <laughs> is it really? It was <laughs> okay. I noticed him. I did watch it. It was. I don't know. It was just like fine. Some people love it. Yeah. I just thought it like in the way that Standoff at Sparrow Creek has a very obvious theme and like what they're trying to say, but they subvert that and actually try and tell a story that incorporates the theme. Whereas Velvet Buzzsaw to me was like, this is our theme. And that's all that we're able to say. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was just too on the nose for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just too in the horror genre for me to actually watch of my own accord. I was just like honestly <laughs> bored by the end. If only Jake Gyllenhaal was surviving in this film for me. Like, but did you see Patrick Quinlan? I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't. This was definitely yeah. one of the ones I watched, and then I like immediately was had forgotten it. Yeah, I think he's like changing a light bulb or something, and then oh. he dies. Nice. <laughs> then we also had piercing yeah, yeah. Uh, which was not a film we showed at our little uh, festival this is a way little fucked up kind of audition style movie from the director who's now actually gone on to do the new grudge remake which sadly has not done well but i really like this movie i don't love love it i know some people go crazy for it but i think it's a really interesting cool tightly woven like it definitely shows me impressive stuff from the director and yeah it's got mia wasikowska in it who's one of my favorites she's fantastic as always it's a cool little thriller hitchcock kind of thing but very weird and surreal I'm tempted to nominate this for underappreciated section because I don't think a lot of people will have actually seen this, but I thought it was a phenomenal storytelling film. Plus, I like kind of yeah. like psycho romance is one of my favorite subgenres. Sub-genre, I can't talk. 
but it was definitely that. So it was speaking my language. Yeah. It's a twist fucking love so story. Good. We had the Lego Movie 2, the second part, which I didn't actually see this yet. And no. I love the Lego Movie. Yeah. I, I really love the Lego Movie. Nope. Yeah. Me no weird. Yeah. I think they just oversaturated with the Ninjango and with, you know, the Lego Batman. It's like a Lego felt Batman. Lego Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I completely agree. I loved the Lego movie, but for some reason, Lego movie too, I was like, ah, just not into seeing it. I think it like, was that just was like, like, it was so good that it's almost, you're going to be let yes. down by a second one. Yes. That's and there was I something feel. that was magical about it, kind of in the same way. That Spider-Man into the into the Spider Verse or mm-hmm. was the year before, where it was like <clears throat> it was never meant to be as big as it was, right? Right. The, mm. the original Lego Movie, and now it feels like corporate capitalizing on <laughs> this product, yeah. and I just I'm not into it. Yeah. We'll get to corporate capitalizing on yeah. the Lego Movie in our flops list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy Death Day to You also came out, which I fucking forgot they came out this year. I really enjoyed Happy Death Day 1. I thought it was a good, fun movie, despite yeah. its flaws. This one really disappointed me, personally. Yeah. I didn't like the time travel stuff in it. They tried to change genres in here while still shoving in the slasher film, and the slasher stuff just didn't work at all. It was like, you got to pick which house you're living in. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I just was very underwhelmed by it, personally. Yeah. I didn't see it, unfortunately. And you've just put a bit of spoiler in there, so pretty much really <laughs> No, that's that's like the cut. Again, we're not spoiling anything that's not in, you know, the teaser trailers yeah. and stuff. It's all it's all about that. It's all about time. Yeah, you know, I have, I've had this sitting on my laptop to watch for like months now and I just haven't gotten around to it. And we had Alita Battle Angel, which came out in February. Fucking hell. Okay. Oh. Our first, I guess, big blockbuster of the year. Yeah. James Cameron. Well, yeah, James Cameron produced. He was going to make. He bought this back in the nineties. Yeah. He was going to make it for ages, and eventually passed it over to Robert Rodriguez, who I have a very love and hate affair with. To be I honest, think like, we all do. <laughs> yeah, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm actually like an old school fan of the manga and the anime for this. So I used to watch the anime constantly when I was like twelve years old. So it was kind of you know I got a bit of a thrill out of seeing it with a big budget on the screen, and he does adhere to some elements of the story really well. And I think there's some cool. I think the design of certain things in it is really cool. You know, there's a lot of like great stuff to do with the world, but the actual film was very just like, yeah, all right, trying to do like set up another big Hunger Games like franchise, and I don't really care. Yeah, we had How to Train Your Dragon three, the Hidden World, which loads of people love. I went to see this with Haruka, who is one of our co-hosts, and she loves How to Drain Your Dragon <laughs> so much and she hated this movie. She oh, was really? really pissed with how they Aww. ended it. Whereas I know most people like this is the perfect way to end a trilogy and they're using this as the example for like Star Wars. Of, like this is how you fucking end wow. a trilogy. Yeah. I didn't even realize there was a second one. I didn't realize this was uh, the third of a trilogy. It's yeah, totally passed it me by. Much like the Lego movies, I kind of dropped off the train a little bit and wasn't aware it pulled into the final destination, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed the first How to Train Your Dragon. This one was like, it felt like a straight to DVD thing for me personally. Even Um, the trailers, they just immediately, you know, it's like they bring in whatever the fuck, Lumineers or whomever and do the score. And it's just like, everything just feels so processed. And the first, it's kind of like what we were saying about the Lego movie for me is that I watched the first one and I love it. And I know that it's not going to get better. Like, it's just not so... I never watched the second one, and then even the trailer for this made me disgusted. So I was like, no, I'm good. 
I know we're not doing spoilers, but it's a twist at the end that he doesn't actually manage to get his dragon trained. That's the same movie. He's still peeing on the carpet. He just gives up. It's like, damn it, toothless. He learns, Tom, that all along the dragon was training him. (laughs) And he grows a beard. Um, It's very important. But I feel like it would be 100% appropriate if they were like, oh, it's a dragon. You can't train it, asshole. It's a wild creature. Fucking crazy, dude. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Arctic also came out with a good old Mads. who's that? Mads Mikkelsen in that. We showed this at a little festival in LA too. I really like this movie, and what I like about it is that it's not trying to be clever. It's not trying to be cool. It's just doing a classic uh, it's survival very cool. story. What are you talking about? But I mean, it's just no. But it's not trying to be fashionable or modern. It's just like I'm just going to tell an old fashioned survival story and do it really well. And I think they do that, and I really appreciate a film that's just yeah. You not didn't trying appreciate to like... my cool equals cold comment pun. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Is this the one with uh, what's his face? Mads. Yeah, Mads. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. We're stuck in the snow. Lots of snow. So much snow. Spoilers. Yep. Stuck in the Arctic has snow. My favorite part about this movie is just like the small moments where he's been walking for miles and he'll still stop at the top of the mountain to look around and just see how beautiful it is. Yeah. It does. I mean, they do some really impressive stuff with attention in this movie, I think. Like, it's, yeah. I don't think it's quite as good, but it's with that sort of like Robert Redford's All is Lost, you know, where he's yeah, on that boat. It's that, that kind so of just a simple, all is lost is amazing. simple, tense movie. Also came out in February, Donnie Brook, mm-hmm. which is a film that, yeah, some of us championed out of Fantastic Fest in 2018. I mean, it kind of got ignored. And then sadly, it had like name changes and stuff in different territories. It's called. Yeah. Uh, under the belt and it's sold as like a fighting movie in the uk no. with a fucking awful cover <laughs> breaks my heart because this is a great movie yeah, well it's a very good movie i don't think it's quite great but it's great things in it and it's very sincerely directed and acted and i don't and know I it's, it's kind of unusual of right. this film as well this is a great example of where the score is really affecting the story i felt like like watching this in theaters i was affected by the music even more so than what was happening on the screen sometimes. And Margaret Qualley is fucking incredible. This is where I fell in love with her. (laughs) Yeah, no, same. I'd never seen it before, and I came out of it and then went toward you guys, like, you have to fucking go see this movie. It's so good. And I was so impressed with her that I went and wrote an entire script for her before I Googled her and found out, oh, she's the daughter of Annie McDowell, and she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she's famous. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. But this was the first time I'd ever seen her. I haven't seen the 100 or anything. Yeah, she's fucking amazing in this. Yeah, I still she, think it's the best thing she's done. Yeah, this is where I um, like I said, fell in love with her, and now I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> That's a little too a much. Lot. Nope, nope. <laughs> I mean, Margaret, you out you, there, did girl? You write a script Hit for me her, up. <laughs> like, I just want to be friends, guys. Let's like, let's calm it down. <laughs> and yeah, a movie that that has definitely disappeared. And it's definitely, I'm trying to just, oh, hang on, let me look at my list, what I've got here. It definitely was in my contention for most underappreciated. So here's the thing, I was going to give most underappreciated standoff at Sparrow Creek, but Shannon got in there and actually put it in our fucking best movies, yes. so I don't need to do that now. Because yes. it's been appreciated right well, here. But I, so standoff at Sparrow Creek is in my most underappreciated, like just in general, for sure, but I mm-hmm. think it is also a best movie, so I will be no, clear I, I on that. So I'm tempted. Oh, I'm gonna have to think about this. I mean, again, we can come back if we haven't used one of our nominations. I just recommend we do it as we go along. It makes it easier for me. Mm-hmm. But we can come back, and if you haven't used one, you can then choose. Yeah, but Strategery. is a film. It was out in Fantastic Fest as well in 2018. This is a fucking. This is like a, a drama film about 
a sort of very uh well it's about a i guess a gangster family that are on holiday yeah. and the wife in it and i think it's one of the best commentaries on feminism that i've seen in a long time to be honest because it makes it very complicated mm-hmm. and it doesn't idolize her in any way she's not a perfect person in any way she's certainly not a very smart person and i think it makes for an incredibly interesting movie the way they deal with all of that it's not an easy watch though it is a tricky one it is also really pretty Mm -hmm. how it's shot it's it is very beautifully shot and i and that is also a commentary then within the film as well, is how pretty they make this life seem, mm-hmm. right? And that was one of the things that I really appreciated and took away from seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, then we're into March. We had our first Marvel movie of the year with yeah. Captain Marvel. Starring Shannon Hollander. Yes, I cannot tell you <laughs> how many people, how many people have been like, Shannon, you should have been Captain Marvel. Brie Larson, <laughs> coming for you, bitch. <laughs> Would you have been able to unclench your fists for yes! every single scene? And my fucking jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Sean and I were literally discussing yesterday that, like, we were talking about photography, and I was saying, anytime I'm in front of a camera, I don't know what to do with my mouth. And he was saying, I'm always impressed with actors who can stand on screen with their hands by their side and make it look natural. Yeah, we were discussing different people of like who can have their hands relaxed and look natural and who can have their mouths relaxed and look natural. So those are two very relative things to Captain Marvel. They are. And she spends this whole (laughs) movie with her fist clenched and her jaw clenched. And it's like, girl, where is your training? That's how you look strong, Shannon. Uh, well, but and that's exactly it. And she's like, "Oh, I'm playing a badass, so this is what I have to do to play a badass." And I hate it so much. I did really enjoy. I did enjoy this film in terms of like fun superhero movie ness. Right? She, who I love in so many other things, was the worst part of it for me and it really does it pains me to say that because i do love her in so much of her work and i think that this is just an example of marvel capitalizing on an actress that just won an oscar right and so then let's make her a superhero and maybe she's not 100 percent right for that role Mm -hmm. and maybe she didn't have the time to really get into what that is because Captain Marvel is such a huge figure for a Marvel movie for women in superheroes because we don't have that many and I just I don't know I was disappointed by that yeah I thought Samuel Jackson was really good though I think he more than made mm-hmm. up for her you know if she was anyway wooden he I thought he was great even with like the de-aging and stuff I yeah, thought he yeah. was the, easily the highlight of the film. Oh, yeah. We don't have a best effects award, but if we did, I would give it to this. Yes. And it's something that I hate. Like, I hate how mm-hmm. this is all of this technology and where it's going. But I can live with the de-aging and the aging effects just about what I can't live is, with is resurrecting dead people. But we don't need to talk about that. But, yeah, like, the his, the, the effects on him was spectacular. Like, it's immaculate and far, yeah. well, far it, better than a film we're going to get to at the end. His performance was so good yes. that I didn't really notice it because he was so sort of compelling mm-hmm. yeah. as that version of the character. My problem with Captain Marvel, and I, like, it feels like it's at least two years ago since I saw that movie. It feels like yeah. forever. I, I thought it was okay, but I remember back then in March, it was like, at that point, we were like full steam towards Endgame. I was like, 
Captain Marvel was almost like, let's just get to the end credits. Like, let's mm. just get this over with. It was like, of all the Marvel movies, it was the one for me that was the most placeholdery. It was like, let's yeah. just get through this so mm-hmm. we can get to the big event, you know? Mm. Which is a weird sort of issue that Marvel have created for themselves in the sense that like, they're not really standalone movies anymore. It's like, it's a stepping stone to get to yeah. the next big one, you know? Which I think is partly why now we have a bit of a reset, but we'll see what that goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, no, I agree with all. I thought it was fine. Like it was absolutely fine. I thought, yeah, I I have problems. I like you, Jan, and I really like Brie Larson, but I don't like her in this role. Yeah. And I did have problems with some of the messaging at the end that I thought was very short-sighted. Yeah. Feminism is how I do choose to call it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was fine. It was a movie. Yeah, it did I what it needed think, to do. Yeah, it, it did what it needed to do. I think I just wanted more from it because this is the Marvel's first female franchise film. No, right? oh, absolutely. So then I'm holding it to a higher standard because I wanted it to be a higher standard. And I completely agree. It felt like a placeholder. Let's just get to end game. Yeah, it also felt I was really excited about the fact that it was set in the 90s and they made a real big deal about mm-hmm. how it was like fully 90s and it was blockbuster video and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm struggling to think of any other film that was so specifically going back to that time period. Like we've had loads of ones that are going back to the 80s. But mm-hmm. this was like, I was really looking forward to this because that's more my era. Yeah. And yeah. I was kind of a bit disappointed. Like it was all the music yeah. choices were so obvious. It was a bit kind of like, you know, my first 90s yeah. retro movie, you know, mm-hmm. that was a bit well, kind of uninspired and this in that is sense. My biggest disappointment of this film is that at, they play just a girl by no doubt at, mm. during a fight scene and they do not choreograph that fight scene to be on beat with the music. And it is such a moment <laughs> to have like such a cool fucking like it could have been so fucking cool but it felt like oh let's put in just a girl because she's a girl as opposed to no we choreographed (laughs) and planned this with this song in mind because like that is the perfect song for that moment right but you aren't Mm. utilizing it as well as it could be utilized right and it doesn't need to be as full out as like you know queen and Shaun of the dead but like show me you put some thought into it. Like I'm thinking of even like Thor Ragnarok, how they use the music in that film where Mm. it is very clear. We've chose this specifically Mm. and Mm -hmm. here is why. Let me show you. Oh, annoyed. All right. (laughs) Let's move on. Have some more coffee. We also had one of the most overlooked blockbusters. It was meant to be a big movie. It was from the director of Rise or Dawn, whichever Planet of the Apes it was, was Captive State, which is this kind of, very it's trying to like do this sci-fi world in a very gritty sort of almost district nine kind of feel uh, in the city we did show this at a little festival as well because i do think more people should have seen it but i don't I, I don't love it i do think it gets a little bit lost in its own mechanisms but it's got a cool flavor i do think more people should have checked it out at the cinema i'm, I'm sad it bombed as hard as it did because it's interesting sci-fi i definitely got yeah. lost mentally in what this was trying to tell me while we were watching it so i kind of checked out emotionally <laughs> I was like, I so. and it felt a bit like a TV show. Yeah, it kind of just felt like almost overplayed it to the point that it was boring. But this was like, I had one of the best posters of the year, like the, the advertising cool leading up to this. Was, yeah, which I think maybe damaged it because it was kind of too cool and people didn't understand what it was. Yeah. It was just more the visual of it. All right. We had a big old horror film mm-hmm. called Us, which came out in March. Of course, the follow up from Get Out, sophomore effort from Jordan Peele. I split quite a lot of opinions mm-hmm. this movie when it first mm-hmm. came out. I enjoyed it. I will say this is one of my best actress nominees for Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, yeah. It was, sure. on, it was on my short list well, as well, actually. Mm-hmm. 
And this film is also a best horror film nominee for me because, you know, horror films. This is one that I watched. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, when we're saying these words, it just means it's one that you considered, but it's not one that you're actually... It's on the short list, but it's not the one. Yeah, it's kind of... I'm pretty much the same. I would... uh, Lupita Nyong'o is 100% in contention for my best actress. And honestly, it is between two and I have not decided if it is her or someone else and I'm reserving that decision until we get to the very end but I need for people to know <laughs> she's fucking great in this film what she does with her voice yeah, and agree. how she plays those two characters because yeah. yeah. the twist of this movie entirely comes down to her performance and she does such a good job like and she I'll hasn't know. gotten any like proper awards nominations no, for this has she, she has not which is crazy like I mean I know they overlook horror movies anyway but like yeah I agree with everything like the, the way she essentially plays two different characters mm-hmm. in this film and it kind of holds the movie together like yeah. if that if her performance doesn't work the whole thing doesn't work yeah uh, yep. yeah I thought she was amazing I yeah. didn't even really like this movie that like I thought it was okay I was disappointed coming out of Get Out and I thought the whole premise of this by the end had sort of just completely fallen apart. Like there's too there's too many glaring kind of plot holes yeah. that mm-hmm. sit satisfying satisfactorily with me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's also on my sort of shortlist for best horror. But I think that's maybe more to do with the a dearth of really good horror last year. But that, that's a different that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just they set up a lot of like a really big world in this movie without really following up on explaining how it works with like the underground yeah. tunnel system and in some parts mm-hmm. of the movie they hint that it seems like your doppelganger is always right below you but if it's a tunnel system like what if you're you know traveling to a different part of like how does all of this work and then yeah. i also just coming off of get out i think i had set a really high bar for jordan peele yeah and it's yeah it's exactly the same yeah with get mm-hmm. out it's a much more straightforward story and i think there's a lot of Easter eggs planted and get out that if you dig for them, there's a lot of history that he's hinting at with different artwork or different references that he has in the movie. And you end get out understanding what the commentary is, what he's trying to say with all of it. But with this, I felt like there were a lot of Easter eggs, but I left still not really understanding what it was about or what he was trying to Mm -hmm. say. It was like, I needed to do more research to even understand the basics of why he made this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also, I, I mean, for me, it's based in this like hippy dippy idea of your shadow self, right? Which is like not a mainstream thing. Yeah, like well, that's he's very a he's a Twilight age. Zone lover, and that, exactly that, this mm. here is like a Twilight Zone episode. Yes, but I agreed with what Ali said, and that I feel like with Get Out, he had a very crystallized idea of what he wanted to say. And he followed through with that. And in this one, I think he was given more freedom because of the, how much traction he got with get out. And then therefore he kind of went in six different directions, but never fully finished any of them. So yeah. mm-hmm. I do yeah, agree I, that I think it's very typical. Yeah. Sorry, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, I just think it's very typical for like a successful filmmaker who then gets this up for more yeah. Yeah. movie. And they're rushed to put it out too quickly. And yeah, I just think uh, with Get Out, here's what I'll say. Like with Get Out, it does it. it he has a yeah, much simpler idea. He's dealing with one thing. He executes incredibly well. For me, he fucks it in the last you know, minute. But from yeah. what I've read, he didn't want yeah. that anyway, but whatever. But then with us, he's dealing with about four or five different things. And it either needed more time or it needed someone to challenge him and say, no, you need to throw out some of these ideas. But he's in a position where he has like all the power and all the pressure to like just get going with it. But I will say, because I, I love 
certain bits of us and i really don't like other bits and i do love her performance i think it's testament to how good her performance yeah. is i actually i'm one of very few people i don't like her at the beginning when she's like being the good version mm. i didn't actually think she was very good yeah. I, uh, the first time i saw it but as it goes through i really thought she was phenomenal yeah i would i want him to make more films like this that's the thing i like this less than get out but i'm much more interested in films like this that are completely fucking bizarre and yeah. crazy mm-hmm. and seeing directors because clearly he's a very skilled man and I would just love to see him continue to be as brave as he is, I guess, in this film. Because when it does land for me, I think it's going to land much harder mm-hmm. than a Get Out. This also yeah, did I, make me very wasn't. concerned about being murdered by giant scissors. So, <laughs> Were you not already concerned about that? Yeah, that's a pretty... No, you know what? That was not yeah. on my, like, oh, I'm afraid of that as a murder weapon list. But now I am. Now it's Have on you seen list. Inside? The French film Inside? <laughs> oh, no. no. Okay, right, okay. No, Tom, listen. No. We don't know each other very well. Uh, well. I do not <laughs> like horror movies. Okay, well, don't, don't ever <laughs> watch that movie. I will not. No, I'll wait till she's pregnant and then we'll show <laughs> I it I actually got freaked out the other night because I came home from being abroad to go and see Al and outside of our house was just like a pair of scissors randomly no. like right outside no. of our front door nope. dropped on the ground oh and I was like, nope. oh my God, no. my shadow's oh. coming. So it's definitely nope. like something that has resonated whether it's for the yeah. right reasons or not. Yeah, it, it has a flavor yeah. to it, which is, which is great. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that he like... Mainstream horror. It's always good to see horror movies get mainstream. And the fact that he has such a message behind his films is also really great. But I also just love the fact that he's really good at doing old school horror stuff like the attack in the, the other couples, the other mm-hmm. family's mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And when they own the when the first family show up at the house initially, like proper like that, that was genuinely scary, really violent. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that he's doing those sort of the fundamentals really well. Which that was enough for me to kind of enjoy the movie, if, despite the, the, the flaws and the rest of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if that wasn't your cup of tea, we also had Dumbo. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of horror. Scary for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it. Me either. I didn't. Listen, I loved the original so much as a child that it was like, I'm not. That's how I feel about all of these. The only one I plan on ever seeing is Mulan. And that's only because yeah. they actually have their own story or interpretation of that the story. The Mulan trailer looks great. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it. because it's yeah. not beat for beat the same fucking movie I've already seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it just me, though, or did this Dumbo one not get the same promotion that the rest of them did? Like, it just seemed to come and go. I was barely aware that it came out. Yeah. I think they were trying to bury it because it's a March release. Weird. Yeah. All the things. It got some positive reviews, though. Like, it did <laughs> okay. But it didn't yeah, financially do as well, I don't yeah. think. Mm. I don't know. All right, we've got Ash's Purest White. Is it Chinese, I think? It's a film that's actually on a lot of people's end-of-year lists. I didn't get to see that one, though, which frustrated me. I've only got a handful that I wanted to see to consider for my end-of-year list, and I didn't get to them all. But maybe by the time I put them up on Instagram and Twitter, I will have done it. But that's one, yeah, I know a lot of people love. Then we have a film that is definitely in my uh, top films of the year, which is Transit. This movie... Fuck, where is it from? Is this one of your two, y'all? No, I just mean it's on my personal list of my top ten of the year. Uh, it's a Germany and France collaboration. Mm. It's based on a uh, novel that was set during the Second World War, I believe, but then they've sort of brought it into modern life, but without paying any real attention to it being modern life. Mm. Like, they've been very much... Like, it is definitely set now, but they're not leaning into technology in any way and stuff like that. They're very purposely trying to make it feel timeless. Mm. It's a really fucking good movie. It's one that I feel... You, the, it sounds weird, but if you go into it, because it's definitely an existentialist film in the same way as like like reading Albert Camus, like The Outsider or something like that. You need to know what you're going into when you go into it. 
essentially. Otherwise, it could just seem quite bleak and quite ponderous. But by the time you get to, uh, I don't know, man, like, I, fucking, I watched this with my mom and we were both really, well, to be honest, we we're both laughing a lot at the end, but because there's quite a lot of miserable things that happen. But then when we really, the end, <laughs> we were laughing a well, lot. It, it's really I don't want to spoil it about you and it. your mom. <laughs> no, but like existentialism, if you look at it from a, a different perspective, is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's a flip of the coin. It's a really, really good movie. It doesn't quite get onto any of the things i'm going to nominate it's not like quite but it's very high on my list in my top five actually for the year so i do recommend it we had a film called dragged across concrete that i know tom is a big fan of so i'm gonna let him take this one away of course he's eating (laughs) (laughs) see now this is where your rules kind of come into play out because there's a very obvious film that i want to have on my best of the year and it's a big film but like, what if? So I'm tempted to go for a smaller film like this. But then, what if nobody picks the big film? We'll get to you the get end, and if you still have a nomination, also. I know, but I have yeah, two similar. Two. Okay. Um. Well, then, I okay. Maybe I'll put this officially as my most underappreciated movie. Mm. Yeah. I think What's that's the fair. premise of this one? I haven't heard anything about this one. I love the title. Oh, though. Katie, you're gonna like who this is made by. Well, so yeah, so it's made by, and I was, I can't remember the guy's name. I always forget it, and I didn't want to look it up on the it's internet because I'm S. worried Craig that my. Zala. Okay, I thought my I didn't want to S risk who? the internet crashing there. S. Craig Zala. This is his third film. He's a he's a novelist as well. So he did Bone Tomahawk. Oh, and, uh, bro- well, bro- why didn't you just lead with that? Block. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, how did so, I not like, see this? I love those first two movies, and I, I was really excited about this, and I finally saw it a couple of months ago. And uh, the, he's like three for three now for me. Like I God absolutely love it. this guy, and I love his films. And this is the one that a lot of people I think saw the trailer to, and they sort of snubbed the nose of that because it's Mel Gibson and Vince yeah. Vaughn, like sitting uh, in a car in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like Mel Gibson is really good in it. Like, I mean, he's a total prick in real life, but like, and he kind of plays a bit of a prick in this movie, so maybe it's good casting. But like, I almost had him on my short list for best actors. Like, I like, I think he's excellent, and everybody's excellent. In it. The script is amazing. It's like a proper novel. Like, you follow the main characters and the, and the main narrative, and then it'll suddenly cut. Like, like when you're reading a book and the next chapter starts and you're with this brand new character, you're like, who the hell is this person? You're thrown into the middle of their day and then you, suddenly they'll become part of this broader narrative. Like it has elements of that which happen, which is really cool. And I don't, you don't see that an awful lot in films. Mm-hmm. It's really old school type of movie. It's really long, but three hours. It's really quiet. It's really slow. It's very methodical. You get a lot of time to just spend in these scenes with these characters. And you have these, you know, it's got this real grittiness and violence and builds to this brilliant climax, very serious. But just, I don't know. It's just very satisfying, old school, proper filmmaking. You know, I like want to uh, nominate it for something, and I've never even seen it. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's also it's also exist. like nearly three hours long, isn't it? It's yeah, like yeah. The Bone That's Tomahawk one of the yeah. I didn't was like see it really time. long as well, and I just lapped it up. It was so good. Yeah, it's like I I, I knew this was going to be long. I literally turned my phone off and put it in the other room and sat down. I, like, I don't want to be distracted. I just like completely got sucked into this film for three hours and just absolutely loved it. It's 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 amazing. Shannon, what are you? What is this miming that's happening? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> this is grossing me out. I out. can't even hear it. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, James and I were trying to have a discreet conversation. <laughs> <laughs> You want to share it with the world? Uh, no, it's just, listen, no. You want to share it with Justin Law or not? Justin, my boyfriend is just looking over to me every now and then going, hey, now? Do you want to suck my dick now? That's what's happening. 
because that's what he does anytime I am trying to do Shannon's anything Shannon's trying to else. steal his god dang virginity, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, you know, it's really, it's a, I'm glad the world knows that now. Or Justin knows <laughs> all that. All right, now. all right, all right. Next up, we have the beach bum with old Matthew McConaughey. Old robot legs himself. Yeah. No uh, one will know that reference. <laughs> Justin will. This whole show is just for Justin, by yeah, the way. We tailored this entire That's the only audience only member we him. cater to. Justin, we yeah. love and appreciate you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you are a listener you that is not Justin that is listening, just let us know and we'll do personal shout outs like this to you as well. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can send you in, what, inappropriate three? messages. It's like Al's mom. Justin and my mom. No, she maybe? gave up. She gave up ages ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> ages ago. My mom and, listens and every Alex's now and then. wife's was it her, her grandmother? Her was it who was it? Kate. Her oh, aunt I think it was used her to aunt. listen. Our aunt used to listen. Which Alex only revealed to us asking after him and Nate have been talking about having two guys jerk off onto their faces. Great. <laughs> oh God. Oh, great. Thanks. Yep. Things used to get really fun with that one. What episode, what episode when, uh, was, that? was on here? <laughs> The, the band one. Yeah, Beach Bum, I know it came out and, and when it's a Harmony Korean film. I know some yeah. people really stand up for this. Some people stand up for every film. I haven't seen it though, so I can't judge, but mostly this was panned. Yeah. There's another film that's about four hours long. This is, oh, fuck, is this from China as well? It's called an elephant. It might be from Thailand actually. It's never Elephant Sitting Still, which looks really cool, but I haven't had time to watch it because it's four hours Not long. Not to be confused um, with Dumbo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came out, yeah. Was this counter programming? <laughs> To do- that's <laughs> an elephant versus mom. the elephant who cannot fly. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, an elephant seeing still versus an elephant that arguably does inappropriately too much. Yeah, including getting drunk. And then at the also in March to wrap up and we'll move on. We had Starfish, Woo-hoo! which is yes! our film, and you can support that by going on to Hulu or iTunes or Amazon or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck, or just pirate it. Mm-hmm. April. I feel like we can't. I can't really nominate it for best like film because no. you know it's your film but like let's yeah. just be there it's in my top 10 of the year guys it is in my top 10 james go. is nodding in agreeance because he watched it and loves it i feel like because it is your you film Al, we can't he's just saying whatever you need what'd you say tell him i'm not, I'm not gonna suck his cock so. <laughs> 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 i would actually like Excellent. to mark this down as favorite horror for me Ooh, yes. Yes. You cannot because you produced it. Our our opinion. I'm allowed yeah. to have my opinion. Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. <laughs> Is Ali allowed on. to feel <laughs> X? We're moving on. April. <laughs> DC returns. Did you just tell to, me I can't to... feel that way? I have to change my answer. She can Wow. D- Look at you telling Allie how to feel. It is 2020. Wow, you're really making up for the extra I did, man but I was, in the room. I was speaking to you as a producer and not a woman. So No, I'm not I'm not saying are you mansplaining me? I'm asking, do I need another answer because I'm not prepared if I do? Oh yeah, you okay. do. You're not allowed to <laughs> vote She's your own allowed film. to vote. No. Handing back well, the award. you shouldn't have even mentioned it because you have like three people yeah. on this that are all affiliated with the yeah. film. I have to mention it. It's the only chance we get to promote yeah, it. That's right. <laughs> And I'd like to nominate myself for best. <laughs> best, best I was waiting for it. <laughs> There's only one nomination. If we had it, that would accept, which would be best animal actor, and then we oh, could yeah. have nominated oh. Bellini. Bellini, which uh, one? Oh. There's two. Oh, now you're gonna make, oh, you're gonna make Shannon cry. The whiskey got to her. She's gonna cry now. 
guys. For people who don't know, Shannon took over for looking after both of the tortoises tur- slash turtles, depending on your belief system. Uh, they are tortoises. Film. <laughs> and now they have moved on to a better place. They're not dead. Oh, they're not dead. They're like not place. dead. Freezing. They're, they're having the a great sets. time. They're living in a large green pasture. They are having a better life than I could provide for them in my small Still apartment. Still sounds like a parent <laughs> trying to tell their kid that their dog lives on a farm now and they're happier. <laughs> I mean, that is a little bit of what has happened, but, but they're really. alive. I get updates. Let's be fair. They're not with Shannon. They're in a better place. <laughs> they are. I listened to like three reviews of our film fairly recently on podcasts and all three of them like normally you have one person who really hated it and one person who's really like, you know, standing up for it and that's why they're discussing it. And whenever they come down to, but like I need more reasons for why you like this, and I'm like, but the turtle. <laughs> that's always their like deciding always. reason. Oh, great. I would like to nominate <laughs> Yukon Cornelius for best actors. Yeah, or actor because we don't know their sex. Because they don't show their sex until they're at least five. So, so both, basically. <laughs> Wise. They're both. They're going to sweep uh, both categories. Gender fluid. Gender 100%. fluid. They are the gender fluid best actor, actress, only winner. Yeah. Great. Done. Close that category. We made this right. April. Moving DC on. returned <laughs> with a film called Shazam! Exclamation mark. <laughs> uh, actually, Katie, Ali, and me saw this in Colorado. I liked we? it. I have a very specific memory of this film, of us all exiting it. I was going to I thought we all hated it when we left. Yeah. <laughs> we were all drained of life. I should rephrase. I like this actor. I think he's very, like, uh, yes. gregarious. I like him And I really lot. like him, especially in Marvel- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He's yes. really yes. wonderful. He's great. Also, shout out to Jason Alexander, who we were talking about before, also in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Not looking so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not a little all. different. But yeah, I, I thought yeah, he I was really Yeah, I specifically remember still coming out and being like, we we were all like, I don't know why, but I was really bored. Yeah, by yeah. it was definitely boring, but I thought he was good. Yep. I completely agree with that. Love that actor. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a bit silly, but like, I mean, at that point, you were expecting any DC movie to be utter shite, and it wasn't. Therefore, I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I think I had the opposite. I think that was my problem because people had really hyped this one up and previews were great. And I know some people really, really love it and they see it. And I was just ready. I was just like, I need a DC film that does something different. And it looked like it was. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, it didn't gel for me at all. It seemed really. Um, I think he was good. Whatever. And like his main like sidekick kid was really good as well. And their kind of double act sort of was the sort of save the movie. There were things I liked in it. Yeah. It wasn't like it was terrible. I was just like, yeah, I'm just kind of bored. Yeah. And it happened. And I let it happen to me. <laughs> Another movie, well, a movie that I did really not like that month was a horror remake called Pet Cemetery. Yeah, uh, also very bad. Um, which Boring. I just thought was. Didn't see it. Horror movie. Not great. We did also have a film from Claire Denise, her new one, High Life, with Robert Pattinson. Crazy art house surrealism with some sexiness stuff going on, yeah, some nurturing going on. A lot of people really love it. A lot of people really hate Juliet it. Binoche. I'm not in, in either camp. Still got it. Yeah. Yeah, Julian Binoche. I'm not in either camp. I think there's some very interesting stuff here. Like nearly all of Claire Denise's films for me don't quite work. I'm not really interested in her. She's fascinated with this scientific biological stuff, which the way she approaches it doesn't interest me at all. Mm-hmm. But I like her other stuff she does. Her, uh, uh, I had the same problems with Trouble Every Day, where I really love a lot of that movie until it gets to the science stuff. I find moments of it beautiful. But only because oh, okay. it's in space. Well, yeah, like but her, also, Im- like, her space they're... imagery is beautiful, but it's like, yeah. But I think even the stuff that she was doing inside the the ship and things, there is beauty in those moments, right? Sure. 
However, I don't know why the moments are happening ever. <laughs> and so then I find it difficult to follow. And I will just say, I'm pretty sure James fell asleep 15 minutes into this movie. And I wasn't mad at him. I was like, that's a, I feel like that's accurate for you. <laughs> yeah. Because you're just like, what am I supposed to... I, there was nothing for me to latch on to it, right? The most interesting thing in terms of the actual stories, I was like, oh, Andre 3000 is in this movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why is that yeah, happening I do, think it, I do think it's probably the most pretentious movie of the year for better yes. or worse why yeah. is that not a category yeah <laughs> honestly that could be a category did you see this tom oh i didn't see it no no as much as i like robert patterson i didn't see it unfortunately mm. yeah yeah no i will say he's great and like he's just continually proving himself as one of the best actors of our generation mm-hmm. i'm very excited for him very excited batman. for his batman they, it's amazing they've both gone on to have such great careers it's really surprising mm-hmm. Ali, any final thoughts? Can we move on? I just had a really weird watching experience with this because we watched it at your house and I had an allergy attack in like the oh, first yeah. 10 minutes. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. kept having to leave the room to blow my nose. So I finally just ended up That's sitting right. to the left of the screen. So I only saw the right half of the movie, like of the physical frame. <laughs> it was very weird. It's <laughs> the best way to see any movie. Yep. Just pick your favorite part of the frame. I feel like I can't say anything. I just need to rewatch this if I'm going to. Like, I, I only watch films in vertical iPhone format, so I'm just going <laughs> to. Get out. The Wind came out. This is a horror film. So that, yeah, we saw Fantastic Fest good. 2018. I really like this movie a lot. I don't like love, love, love it. I think the ending drops the ball a little bit, but I really love the mood. I like the setting. Uh, I think the sound design the lead is fantastic. Is so good. The lead is really cool. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I think it's this a really is, great uh, movie that more people should. This is one of my nominations for most underappreciated. Ooh, yeah. Is, but it's not the. I nomination came out of this like I want to meet this director and writer, and I want to be her friend, and I want to like just hang out and have conversations with her because I just loved how she took something as basic as the premise of this, like the way that she even describes how she came up with this story. Is she's like, oh, I used to read how. You know, the wind on the prairie, when the settlers were coming in, it would drive them insane because it was a sound that was constant and it was something that you could never get away from. And so they gave it such a life, but it was mostly based on stories. And so it was like, what's fact and what's fiction and what's just nature driving you slowly insane? And I just thought that to be able to craft something around that idea and to have it, for the most part, really work i thought that was a really amazing feat so that's my submission tom saw this movie yes i did <laughs> i mean it, I, whatever <laughs> tom <laughs> no i i mean i, I, I thought it was fine I, I found it a little bit boring i kind of admired it more than enjoyed it that's from what i'd say i like I mean, I liked her little book of demons and devils. Like anything that has that going on, I'm generally a fan of. I just think it was a little bit too quiet. I think I mean, it's probably I watched it too late at night as well. Probably like it's a very slow, quiet, you know, contemplative film. This is another film that had a terrible rebranding. Oh yeah, it was called like The Wind Prairies. Was it Prairies of the Plain yeah, or the whatever bullshit? No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's, I, I feel like I'm being harsh. Like it, it, it's a cool, small, little, quiet late night movie. Like, yeah. But so, not mm-hmm. too late because you, you might actually fall asleep. Not too late because you'll fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. something like, yeah, it's kind of like what you did with Dragged Across Concrete and that you have to kind of really mm. pay attention to it yeah. and don't let yourself yeah, yeah. get distracted with your environment to yeah. appreciate it. On the wind outside your door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. We had a sort of, well, no, definitely a reboot of Hellboy came out mm. as well in April. 
which was immediately decimated. People hated this movie. The box office flopped like it was yeah panned straight away which is kind of a surprise and i don't want to take glee over stuff like that but i am still very frustrated that guillermo del toro could never get the last chapter in his trilogy yep. done and that instead we got this and guillermo del toro is now an oscar-winning director so yeah. it's, it's like what the fuck happened there i think if, um, we, if we were doing worst movie of the year categories this would probably be my nomination this would be the nomination probably yeah. i mean it would be it would be up there yeah it's not great. Mm. No, it sucks. <laughs> and I mean that that includes that, that that factors in the fact that I was really excited about it, and I really like that lead guy. I, I can't remember his name. The guy from Stranger Things, David. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, you know, I I'm all for Hellboy getting a reboot because you know we need more Hellboy, but uh, it just it was such a disappointment. It was such a big steaming pile of shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, there it is. <laughs> oh, Tom's my new favorite. We, <laughs> Tom's film criticisms. Had, <laughs> right here. Uh, we had Her Smell. Came it's out like the worst well. title. <laughs> like, I don't care. It really is. It's so bad. <laughs> Sorry, so shouldn't bad. this movie be in a different list, Alice? <laughs> well, you just said steaming pile of shit. So. <laughs> just, you're, you're getting your favorite film list mixed up here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, this movie should be totally up my alley. <laughs> Because it's like a little like old, dirty, punk, rocky, like that's what it's going for, all that sort of stuff. Did you watch it? No, I didn't watch it. Okay. Because people, I mean, I know people who really love this movie. It's on their top 10 of the year. Yeah, so what, I, it's what, one what that it? has been for this entire year on my list of like, oh man, I need to watch that movie. Oh man, I need to watch that movie. Oh man, I need to watch that movie. And, and one of these days I'm going to watch it and I can form a better opinion about it. But there's also okay. something just with how it was advertise that's the word i'm looking for that i was just not interesting and you know what i think it's because of elizabeth moss is the lead in it and mm -hmm. i do really love her in handmaid's tale, tale but i don't i was like i'm not interested to see you play this type of character i guess so that that was like the disconnect of do i make the effort to go see this movie <laughs> For me. What's it about? I've never heard of this before. I'll read you the IMDb synopsis yeah, right now. Like a self-destructive punk rocker struggles with sobriety while trying to recapture the creative inspiration that led her band to success. Mm -hmm. It's like they picked the name out of a hat. Like they <laughs> mad-libbed it or something and just like somehow, I was like, how do you come up with this title? I don't, it's yeah. terrible. Okay. To be fair, none of us have seen this film, so we should no. talk about yeah, it. And Elizabeth Moss plays that character. She is yep. the punk? Yeah. 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 Okay, yes. interesting. Yeah. It also has my arch nemesis, the eyebrow lady. Oh, yeah. Cara Delevingne. Cara Delevingne. Oh, nice. That is also another reason why I was so uninterested because the casting for it made me go, ah, this casting is pandering. Not for mm -hmm. like, this casting is like, we're trying to get money, we're trying to get whatever, and not for who's actually right for this role. And to be fair, I have not seen it, so I cannot truly, yep. but no. just knowing that made me go, I'm not going to put the effort in to see it. I just feel and very oversaturated with Elizabeth Moss at the moment as well. Yes. It's just, it's like, yes, certain actors are just in everything at the moment. And I'm just like, I don't really care. We're going to punish an actor for acting a lot. No, no, though. no. But however, I, I don't feel that she's, first that yeah, I, was gonna say. <laughs> I don't feel that she's right <laughs> for everything. Like it's what Shannon was saying. I don't see. Well, again, we need to see the movie. We haven't, none of us have seen the movie. Let's all watch it and do a podcast next week on just her smell. Just on her smell. That is true. Okay, so. We're not being fair. I will just say the only, with her in that lead, I was like, great, I'm just going to see someone cry a lot. And that was like not interesting to me. Yeah. And that is that is a generalization of and not seeing the film and all of that sort of stuff. Yes. But that is my thoughts just from the trailer and what I was getting into. And I think that that's important to note 
is that you see people do the same thing over and over again, and then that's what you associate with them. Adam Driver did, what, fucking a million movies this year, and I feel like he was different in every single one. And I don't feel that way if I see him in a trailer. You know, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to see a different experience of Adam Driver. Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Moss, I feel like I'm going to see the same experience. Let's move on. Thank you. Vito. We had a horror film as part of the Conjuring universe that came out of nowhere. It screened out, was it uh, South by Southwest, I think, which then suddenly realized, oh shit, this is actually connected to the Let's Conjuring. Let's see if I can say the name which right. Is a curse of... Yes. Come no, on. I can't. Come on. I say can't. it. You can do yeah. it. I can't. You can do Don't. it. Look, I had a, we did a whole podcast on yes, this. Yes, we did. You can listen to two letters of the second word with a Y and you can do it. You can do it. Well, then it's Urona. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what it is. I thought it was like a roll. I no. thought it was meant to be well, a roll. Like, like, like the double L Yorona. is a Yor. Well, yeah, you're doing something to it. You're not just saying Yorona. Yeah, Yorona. but it's not Lorona. <laughs> no, you, you roll right. on the R, not the first letter. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's mean. why I said replace right. the first anyway, two well, letters. Those are double L. of that. The <laughs> curse um, of Yorona. Would you want to hear opinions on it? Myself, Shannon, and what? Alex tackled it for two it's just plus Katie hours. So you can, my go and listen to that. You can yeah, hear my opinion on it. what I hear. Welcome to my yeah. brain. <laughs> <laughs> you can dig it up. But we were much kinder to it than most people. And good old Michael Chaves, as we like to call him. Yeah. Uh, who is now actually doing The Conjuring 3. So, yeah. I like him as a director, even though I didn't love the film. I, there were some fun things in this movie, though. Like, they did some cool stuff. And it was just uh, what's his face that plays the like shaman guy. That was the most upsetting thing ever. Yeah, and that it. for oh it being God, the curse yeah. of La Llorona, it was very whitewashed. Yes, absolutely. Yep. David Robert Mitchell, the director of It Follows, had his follow up to that Under the Silver yeah. Lake, which yeah. really got, it got pushed and pushed and pushed and then buried. It was a film that, yeah, we saw at Fantastic Fest in 2018. I came out of it bewildered because I was expecting a David Robert Mitchell film and it was not what I expected at all, <laughs> even though I love Andrew Garfield. And then it was only, honestly, the second time I watched it where I was like, actually, I kind of love this film. Yeah. It's a hot mess. It's kind of like Inherent Vice meets Brick meets Big Lebowski meets you know, whatever. Meets Rear Window. Yeah. 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 Well, which all of those kind of are a bit of that. It's a very surreal trip across LA that feels very self-indulgent, has many, many pieces. I've now seen it four times, and I do think he actually thought it all through. I do think it's all there. He's just not telling us the pieces, which is kind of infuriating, particularly with the parrot, because he's constantly saying the parrot is the key to everything, but no one can fucking decide what the (laughs) fuck it's saying. But I, it's, I think it's a really fun, surreal ride that has failures. But it's, again, I'm just like, cool, let's make more interesting, weird shit like this. That's I'm fine. I love it. Andrew Garfield in this. Yeah. This is on my list for underappreciated. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, same. Plus, it's I on my like list for this movie, so I'm one actor. of the people who did not appreciate. Have you watched it only once, Sally? No, I'm serious. <laughs> only no, I once. mean, like the second time I watched it. It was a I watched film. it at Fantastic Fest, and then when you all played it at your house, I was like, I'm going to take a beer and go up to the roof until this movie's done. <laughs> <laughs> and I the second the time around, it's like beer. a completely different film. Mm-hmm. I will say that. I was really surprised. I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect Ali to, when you said that, because I didn't know you were going to do that that day, and you're like, yeah, bye, I'm, I'm going to go hide. Yeah. And I was like, really? What the fuck? Why would you hate it that much? Like, I don't get I just like, it. it's a movie that I just left being like, I'm not not only did I just not understand it, but I'm not interested in to then like go do research and try to figure out the puzzle. Like I just, it didn't capture my interest enough for me to want to watch it again or to go read interviews with him about it. Plus you guys have a great rooftop and I wanted to go watch the sunset. That was more appealing. (laughs) Yeah. See, this is just like, it's like old school Hollywood lore, like ridiculous stuff. And I am here for that. That is fun to me. Yeah. I'm not even that interested. I just enjoyed the ride. 
Just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's, like hanging out with a weird dude for a night. It's a fun <laughs> and you know, that like sparrow girl that comes out of the drawer or whatever. Oh, owl. Yeah, the owl. Yeah, yeah the owl. That's what it was. I couldn't sleep. That girl gave yeah. Sean nightmares too. Sean was like, that was a yeah. horror movie. <laughs> She's yeah. I completely agree. You know what? Nominated best horror. <laughs> <laughs> I do think there's like extra enjoyment you get out of it though if you do live in yeah. LA I do think yes. like it's it's more enjoyable for that and just because like yeah, nearly everywhere they went to we all go to at some yes. point yeah. and hang out so yeah. it's kind of you know all the bars and, I know, went to the, the Griffith places. Observatory well, the kids, shortly after watching this and it was amazing bunkers, mm-hmm. yeah well and I, as we'll get to with other way. films of this year if you don't understand the context for where this film is coming from then it's totally lost, right? If you enjoy the context and you understand the context of like old Hollywood lore, what this is and feel a part of that world, Mm -hmm. then I think it's a really fun ride. I totally enjoyed it. It is one of the most underappreciated films of the year for me for that reason. I just don't think it has a wide, like my mother in Missouri is not going to enjoy this film in any way, shape or form. (laughs) I would love to get our mothers together, watch this film and like have them try and tell us what it's about. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, my mom likes things that are, have like, that are a little sleuthy and thrillery. She likes horror movies, that sort of stuff. She'd probably love the owl girl in it. <laughs> and that the whole part of it. She'd love the like mystery part of it and horror part My of it. My mom would but not would... approve of the sex in this film. <laughs> She'd be like, no oh, yeah. one was married. You know, see, I don't like this. Andrew Garfield having casual sex with <laughs> with like an actor while they're watching the news yeah. Yeah. on murder. Yeah. While yeah. she's dressed like a Dutch Girl, what was that? She's yeah. just like yeah, a doctor yeah. or something at that, that point. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Anyway. All right. We also had another little genre film that was definitely overlooked and more people should have seen that we also showed at our festival, which is called Fast Color. This is essentially falling into that bracket of comic book movies that aren't based on comic books, but this is a really good one. Very sensitively directed, very emotional, very beautiful. Yeah. And it kind of goes hand in hand with films like Thelma that we showed the year before for me of female driven yeah, sort of comic booky movies, but that take it seriously and delicately. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I, I didn't love it as much as everybody loved it, so it's fine. Yeah, there was one person I can't remember. Was someone at office? Well, that was their favorite film that we showed the mm. whole weekend. Which I was like, was it the only one you watched? Oh, I think it was Justin. <laughs> was it Justin? I think it was Justin who Justin? loved Fast Color. I think it was I Laura as well. Actually, I know Laura. Really oh yeah, maybe it. it was Laura. I really like the lead. <laughs> girl i can't say her name yeah she was great i don't know but she's she's fantastic Gugu and Batha. Batha, yeah yeah Sorry. yeah Gugu and Ra. i do she is she is fantastic she's great then we had a little movie tiny out called avengers endgame what's that little teeny tiny movie which has now become the biggest film of all time, beating Avatar, yeah. despite James Cameron's snarky remarks. <laughs> oh, yeah, they can, oh, have, they can have their time. Yeah. It was basically saying, they can have their time. I'll be back with Avatar like, in a couple of years. Avatar 2, 27 years, I'll be back. Yeah. 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 Best comic book film nominee. Yep. Like, uh, Ooh, this is your official? This is my official best comic book film. That's mine as you're well. You're making my job much easier because you're choosing the ones I don't need to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's mine, too, because, like, I didn't have any other nominations for Best Comic Book Movie. Like, nothing comes close to it. Yeah. I, I completely like, agree. I don't think anything comes close to it. You, you kind of have to vote for something else, but it sounds like at the end it's going to be a pretty easy process. Is Godzilla of not considered yeah, a so. comic book movie? <laughs> Can we not? Come on. Yeah. I'll throw it in. I'm throwing it. There have it. been comic books <laughs> of it. 
I just think they did like it's an epic fucking end to this whole Marvel saga. I love where they started from. I found the end, the last hour to be so much fucking fun. Like it did all the things I feel it needed to do. And I was glad that it did it. I'm waiting for you to announce it as your film of the year. Also, I'm just letting you. So just <laughs> well, you and I—it's very that. weird because you and I are obviously like big MCU <laughs> fans, big like comic book nerds with that kind of stuff, and we haven't actually talked about this that much. And let's be clear, this was the best experience I've had at the cinema probably in my entire life. Like mm-hmm. the experience of going to the midnight screening of this with our group of friends yep. in LA, mm-hmm. with like all the nerdy people who went out. Yep. I couldn't hear 25% of the dialogue yeah. because yep. of the screaming, the gasps, the cheers, but I fucking yep. loved that. Like that was such an amazing experience. Like when you even get the thing at the beginning and it does like the five years later yeah. comes mm-hmm. up like slowly and everyone's like... <gasps> people just like that is true it was such a great experience Mm -hmm. Captain Um, America holds Thor's hammer and you hear the whole audience go like yep that yes completely agree and I've rarely been that excited for something like this is a combination of so much planning and so many films and I was so fucking excited I went in a little trepidatious because I came off the back of Infinity War loving the ending, and but that's the middle part. So I knew the next part had to be more, you know, positive, and that's always a problem for me. <laughs> so I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it. And yeah, I've now seen it, yeah, four times, and I've now know exactly how I feel about it, which for me is that first act is perfect for me. The first act is my favorite mainstream comic book movie ever made. And then the middle act for me, which is all of the time traveling stuff, yeah. to be honest, I think it's a bit of a mess and I don't think they do. It's, it's the idea I wanted them to do and I'm so happy they did it. I think they could have done a lot more with that mm-hmm. than they actually do. And they go into fucking, they choose like three previous films to go into and one of them's Thor The Dark World. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? And then in the last act, I think it has both great moments and pretty bad moments, to be honest. And they kind of like go back and forth from like, you know, females assembling in terrible cheesy CGI right. moments of embarrassment to, mm-hmm. yeah, like to cap grabbing the hammer like it goes back and forth a lot to fat fucking thor constantly being there in the background of every poignant scene making Uh. it hard for me to take it seriously so i i actually don't love the movie consistently as much as i think people think i do yeah i agree with everything you said apart from all the negative things you said which i don't agree with (laughs) and i think you're completely wrong so But other than that, I agree with you. Fat Thor was my least favorite part. I feel like Fat Thor was a huge oversight in terms of this film because he does. He undercuts all of the like poignant moments of the film. He's just in the fucking background, like, what? We was going on? Yeah. Well, and that feels egregious. And it also doesn't feel true to that character in any way, shape, or form, like how they would deal with this happening in a real capacity but like the like females assembling at the end like once you get to the last hour of the film i feel like all they're trying to do is like give the people what they want and i don't mind that because that's also a function of these films yeah that's because that's what i wanted and that's what i got so i was perfectly happy they just kept you know spooning it into my mouth i was like yes just give it to yeah exactly yeah but that's what i was like my mouth is open i will take this medicine all of it just put it all in yeah yeah. Alex, who sadly couldn't be here today, who's actually out of town, he really wanted to talk about this because he was a huge you know, fan of this initially and he still does love it, but he's since come to yeah, be frustrated with 
in the editing of it you know they leave moments for for applause like they purposely mm-hmm. leave mo- like this is a moment and we're yeah. going to leave a beat here to make sure you get through that applause before we can move to the next moment because they know what's going on and i think that's what this movie is this is like you know a very good freddy versus jason this is a party movie this mm-hmm. is a celebration we'll see that's, and it, that's what it should be but that, i can't yeah. then respect it quite as much as that, that's kind of why so this is my film of the year like on my own personal list but like when i've spoken to people about this i say like it's obviously number one by a clear distance, but but it's almost like unfair because it's such a unique film for like yeah. what one of the re- like what you're saying like yeah they're leaving in beats for applause because of course they would this is the culmination of ten years like it's yeah. not really a normal movie so it's hard no. to sort of judge it against other films because you know what other film have you ever see that has had ten years and however twenty x however many many movies have led up to it like it's so unique and the fact that it paid it all off. To such an extent yeah it's total fan service but like it was incredible like i mean i've seen it I think three times now and i absolutely love it but it's it is a, a unique thing it, it's hard to sort of stack it up against other films objectively because it is just so specific to you know that the, yeah. the build-up if you hadn't seen the other stuff it, it yeah doesn't mean which anything. is fair enough as a criticism you know well how can i enjoy this movie if i haven't spent all this time watching the rest which is fine but that's I, quite kind of why it exists in its own little world i had leaned over to sean when jeremy Renard joins up with the rest of them and i was like who is that and he goes an avenger (laughs) thank you all clear i got it now so tom just to be clear this is one of your two i've put it down now if you're not going to nominate it then yes this is one of my two yeah 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 Yeah. good for you Good for you, Tom. Well, for you. I completely agree. Locked in. Thank you. Locked I mean, I thought in. we all would. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. appalled and I think, you know, shocked no, no, no. that it's Listen, not a unanimous decision. <laughs> I, I'm playing I'm strategy here. I completely agree that this belongs in the top 10 of of our list, right? And I also completely agree it is difficult to judge this against the other films of the year because it is the culmination of so much. This, to me, yeah. is a cinematic event that I yep. can't, as you were saying, Al, I can't remember ever experiencing ever before this. Yep. And I think that it is a beautiful, wonderful thing that that is what Marvel is trying to do, is they are creating event cinema to better or worse degrees. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it's getting, I mean, line. it's getting people out of the house and into a theater to like experience mm-hmm. something together. Which yeah. a lot of people and argue he, like it's frustrating that only the blockbusters are able to do that, but at least there are still things that are able to do that. Yeah, well, and mm-hmm. like you know, movies are expensive now. It's difficult mm-hmm. to take a family to a movie and all that sort of stuff. It makes sense to me that if you're going to go to that expense in a way that you you could have easily done 20 years ago, it's different now. And that if you're going to go to that, it needs to be something worth it. And I understand Marvel trying to service that in a way that is difficult and frustrating for a lot of other films and I think is frustrating in general as an actress and someone who loves films. However, making event cinema is, I think, the direction that we're going in. And I I applaud them for doing it in the way that they're doing it, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm like so tempted yeah. to be too. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm really tempted to veto, just to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah just to be clear i'm, I'm the same it's like the yeah, it's the experience was yeah. one of a, one of a generation and uh, i love that but as an actual film i am quite like i think it's at like number 13 on my list of films actual mm-hmm. films of the year but i have quite a lot of films this year which i really struggle with because like i fucking loved that part of that movie or that half of that movie but then the other half i really struggled with and then it's like i don't know what the hell to do with this then yeah. like how do you judge that where do you place it when the one part of it you like more than anything in the year and the other part you didn't you know mm-hmm. yeah but anyway other stuff that came out, we had Long Day's Journey Into Night. Now, this is going to get my nomination for the most underappreciated mm. film of the year. Although, to be honest, it is appreciated by critics, but <laughs> not at all by the public. So. Uh, encouraged by critics, though. Who gives a shit? Here's, well, but here's the thing about this film. I love this play so much, I didn't even know this film came out. I didn't even know I this think this film. Is, this, isn't, this isn't based on it. Oh, it's not? Okay, great. Well, then no. that makes way no. more sense. Because <laughs> I Cause saw yeah, this I on the list and I was like, with... Long Day's Journey Into Night. I love me some Eugene O'Neill. How did I not see this? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, because that confused me to begin with. Yeah. But that's not what this is. Right. Um, and this movie, uh, this is a tricky one because I had been trying to see this for about nine months. It was really hard to get hold of. I eventually managed, like, eventually came out on Blu-ray in America and I ordered it and then it got lost in the post to me here in the UK and I got really frustrated and I eventually found a little Curzon cinema that I went to watch it at in a tiny, it felt like a screening room. You could fit maybe 25 people in there and it was like, it was really weird dynamic. And it was a weird way to watch this movie because it's like a little dark room, you know, like everyone's shut the fuck up because this is an art house motherfucking movie and no one's going to talk. It goes on for two hours and 20 minutes, uh, which doesn't sound that long compared to everything else we're talking about. But this movie, I came out of it and I think I had to bring up Katie to be like, I don't know what to do with what just happened. (laughs) Like, I have no idea how to process this. I think I fucking hate this film because for the first 50% of it, I just felt tedium. I was just like, I'm finding this so tedious and I'm very patient, you know, cinema guy. I like some boring ass movies, but I was like, I feel really just bored in this movie. And it was very, there were some beautiful shots. It was like exquisitely kind of made. And it was just this man walking around and doing some stuff on an investigation, trying to find someone, but none of it seemed to relate to each other. All the scenes just didn't make any sense to me. And I knew only one fact about this film, which I don't think is a spoiler because it's, you know, hinged on all of their trailers again and everything. The one thing I knew about this film was that there is a single take in this movie that finishes the movie. And the single take I knew was like an hour long, basically. And I was watching this film going, I'm so bored. When is this going to end? And then every scene of every time a scene cut, I was like, fuck, we haven't even started the single take. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I don't want to spoil stuff in the movie. You get to the point where that's about to start. And it's definitely a signifier of when you know, oh, okay, now that's about to happen. And it's the weirdest dreams like scape. I very rarely felt how I felt during that moment where you're part of my brain is just, yeah, as a filmmaker, you're trying to figure out how the fuck did they do that? How the fuck did they do this? Like there's so many impressive technical things going on there. It's insane. But then it was also just so dreamy that I was just like swept up into it. And I was just like, I feel like you're in a different alien world and I don't know how to process really what's going on. And then it just kind of ends. And yeah, just, I went out just not knowing what the fuck to do with that film. And then when Katie came over to visit, I was like, "We re- can we watch this film? Because I really need to see what you think about it. And as we watched it, having seen that second half, I was like, oh, 
now I understand this first half and all oh. the elements were there. Oh, this all actually makes perfect sense. And as soon as it made sense, it's like, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's like an absolute masterpiece of cinema. It's just so unique. Um, and I won't say anything else about it, but Katie's seen it as well. So you can. No, I, did, I thought it kind of like what you were saying about us, where you were talking about how you were just wanting to give accolades to writers and directors who are doing something brave and doing something different. And that is exactly what this was for me. And that I was like, yeah, maybe it doesn't land for everybody story wise. But what this guy is doing is on an incredibly other different level. And it's something that should definitely be getting some ovations from people just for the fact that he did it and like completed it and pulled it off and that this came out of his brain and he was able to translate that into film on this level was like mind blowing. The first half, it definitely struggled with and it helped having you there to tell me, oh, I didn't really understand this. And then to pay it more attention because we didn't know what it was supposed to mean and by giving it well we had the rule like we talked a little bit in that first half so i was like we can talk a little bit if we need to and by doing that we both discussed stuff and suddenly pulled some of the threads together and we're like oh okay and then when it hit that second half we're like okay now we shut up because you have to be along for that ride which was incredible it was like 1917 eat your heart out that this guy was able to pull what he did off because i mean without a battle sequence it's better than what 1917 was able to do in my opinion I can't decide if I really want to watch this or if I never want to watch this. I think you definitely <laughs> should. Uh, who's the director of this film? Because I'm trying to find it on IMDb and I just want to make sure I'm finding the right one. It's Gamby. It is. Okay, great. So this is the right one that I'm looking at then. Okay. It's extremely yeah. weird. Yeah. And again, like the first half is like, I don't know, you'll probably question the sanity of both Al and I for what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But... If you give it pay, attention. Okay, if you watch it in the first half, pay attention to the color of his hair. Yeah. It's something mm. I will definitely say. How old his hair it is. It expects dying. a lot from you as a viewer. So. As a viewer. Hmm. Well, and I guess that's a question of like, if it takes multiple watches for it to be appreciated, does that really make it a great film, right? Like, if you don't get it until the second or third watching... I think, though, there's a different... Like, for me with Under the Silver Lake, my problem with it wasn't the film. My problem was it was the baggage I took into Under the Silver Lake, mm-hmm. which is I know what I expect from a David Robert Mitchell film, mm-hmm. and, oh, this isn't it. Whereas with this film, I didn't know what to expect. And the problems I had with it the first time was, like, I've no, I just wasn't connecting the dots in it because I didn't know what to connect. But I came out of it knowing that was a different universe I just yeah. entered, mm-hmm. you know? And it felt very special. I was just like, maybe I hate this special. But I could tell there was something there that first time, which is why I was like, I have to go back. Whereas Under the Silver Lake, I was like, it's only fair I go back, Mm -hmm. which I think is different. It's kind of like, like to me, when people ask that question, it's, it's like when you're looking at a piece of art and you're like, yeah, I can tell that it's art. But then when someone explains why it is what, like how beautiful and why it is that way, like the technique that the artists use, the inspiration behind it. And then all of a sudden it's like it clicks for you and you're like, oh, my God, I'm seeing it in this whole new way now. It's like, Mm -hmm. does that mean that it's a lesser piece of art because someone had to explain it to you for you to really appreciate it? And it's like, I don't think that that's true. So for me, and it's also like reading a book. It's like the first time you read a book, you're like, 
I enjoyed it. I didn't really get every element of it. And then you go and read it again and you're like, oh, now I know because of what to expect from it, I can fully enjoy those characters and I can fully enjoy what that that author is trying to tell Mm -hmm. me. And I don't think that films should be held in a different thing. It's like, if anything, you should be watching films over and over and over again and appreciating them in different ways every time. And it's like... I will say this this is a film that, yeah, you go and you, you watch those making ofs with the yeah. director and interviews with him and you read about it and you're like, oh, okay, this guy knows exactly what, even if you hate it, this guy knows yeah. what he's mm-hmm. fucking doing. Like he has a very meticulous plan he's trying to do that he's very passionate about in this very meditative yeah. way. But, but yeah, anyway, uh, people should check Definitely. it out. The last one I want to talk about very quickly from April was a film called I Trap the Devil, which is actually done by a friend of ours. So I'm not going to talk a lot about it because if we really know the person, then I don't, I don't feel it's fair to go one way or the other but it's by josh lobo it's a really cool little film about i could read the imdb for this as well because i don't want to spoil it in any way but a man who descends into paranoia after trapping what he believes to be the devil in his basement but things take a dark turn when his family unexpectedly arrive for christmas and it's well worth checking out it's a cool horror it's film. one i've definitely been wanting to see i haven't gotten to it yet yeah you should watch it and it was a good one for christmas nice. time let's see you're too late damn it may for the first half of this year, I thought it was the worst year for blockbusters of my life. Or I was just so old, I'd finally just like blockbusters. Other than Endgame, blockbusters were doing nothing for me. Just about to say, Al, I was, I was worried you weren't going to say Endgame there for a second. That's okay, you said <laughs> <laughs> Before Tom just walks out of this house and never comes back, I was like, oh. no, I was like, we had Alita, How to Train Your Dragon 3, Captain Marvel, Captain State, Shazam, Hellboy, Detective Pikachu. We're going to get into some others like Aladdin, King of Monsters, Men in Black, like Terminator. Like There were just so many fucking blockbusters that I just felt so meh about. Uh-huh. Like, not that I necessarily hated, but I was just like, really? This is Does John Wick Chapter 3 count as a blockbuster? It, I don't know. That, that, that's why I didn't say that on the list. Yeah. And it's great. That dog's getting my best male actor award, by the way. Spoilers. Yeah. There, there were a lot of no, mediocre. A lot of mediocre. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that dog. <laughs> yeah, but that, P- Pikachu was one of those for me. It was just not a film. It was like, well, that movie happened. It didn't offend <gasps> me or anger me, but also. I thought it was so See, I love Detective Pikachu. I thought it was great. I love Detective Pikachu. I thought it was so much fun. I was in it. You know, the ending uh, made me cry a little bit. (laughs) Like, I did. I really enjoyed it. I think especially as, like, putting a twist on how do you make a video game. What'd you say? So twisty. So twisty. But uh, it's movie, like, how do you make a knows. video game movie? You know, if we look at it in terms of like a video game film, as that is what it is based on, I think it is really successful in that. I thought it was fun. I thought it did what it needed to do and gave me the feels and moments. I'm here for it. I thought for the trailer, all of those things, and at the beginning of the movie, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is gonna, this is fun. I just got really bored. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it might just be something about me. I got really bored in so many blockbusters, but I think I'm just like, I'm done with blockbusters. I'm just at a yeah. point it's like I don't the acceleration into just CGI fighting nonsense. Mm-hmm. I'm just done. I'm just bored with it. Like, I, I don't, don't disagree. I feel like uh, the second act of it really starts to drag and start and goes it it, it slumps hard, yeah. right? But I think the first act is so interesting. I find the third act like gives me the feels it's you know gives me the resolution that i wanted to have and this twist with ryan reynolds and all the stuff at the end i'm i'm here for it i love are we allowed to do a worst male actor for this 
though? Because <laughs> oh, Justice, be what's his face, was fucking awful. This kid, the, the lead, lead guy. guy. Oh yeah, he, he was abysmal. Like just mm-hmm. terrible. No offense, yeah. bro, but you're cute. But like, maybe acting is not your thing. Maybe be a model or something. <laughs> yeah, he was not. I'm yes. sorry, but like, not everybody who was on like Disney TV looking like should be an actor. It's like no. Mm-hmm. However, I'm, Ryan Reynolds' voice acting yes. here for all it. about that. So good. All about that. All about, in fact, you know what? I'm going to say it because Ryan Reynolds is also a very handsome man. I feel like I almost prefer his voice acting than I do his like actual <laughs> face acting in some things. What? Um, we'll get to it later. Wilder? We will get to it later. <laughs> will we get to Hobbs and Shaw later? Is that what you're talking about? No, we will get nah. to a film that he has face acting in. Yeah, so like, he's in Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. Yes. I haven't watched no. that yet. Yeah. He is. I was he just is. as surprised as you when he popped up in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. All right. We also had, as Tom just mentioned, John Wick, Chapter 3, Woo-hoo. Parabellum. Great. All those Latin classes I took in high school paying off, guys. Right. What does it mean? It means before the war. Mm-hmm. There you go. Which means we're barely getting started with the John Wick saga. Yeah. And how many people can die because of one dog? It's such um, a good job. Does anybody, <laughs> does anybody not like the John Wick movies? I don't know if I've ever met anyone who doesn't, doesn't like the Is John this where Wick you movies. tell us that you I don't love... like the John Wick movies, Tom? No, I, I fucking love the <laughs> John right. Wick movies. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love this movie. The other two, to be honest, I've felt I've not talked to people about because every time I watched them, I was like, I don't get it. Like, I was like, this is fine. I don't love the first two. I don't hate them, but I was like, these are fine. But I'm very, like, in action, I hate kung fu that's not done by real kung, like, people who can do martial arts. Like, I just fucking hate it. I hate most Americans, sort of. And kung fu was like, there are moments that were cool. This is the one for me. It was like, this is what I wanted from a John Wick movie. When other people have talked about the first two and they're like, it's also fucking cool. It's like, I didn't find it that cool. This one, I'm like, yeah, they're going audacious with it. Like the action I thought was fucking awesome. I thought the directing was much better than the first two. And it goes like really silly and comic booky, but I'm totally fine with that. I'm like, this is what I want from John Wick personally. Yep. See, I loved the first one. The second one was just meh for me. I really loved this one. If J- James Haggy could give you an hour long monologue about how much he loves... <laughs> All of the John Wick films, especially this John Wick 3 uh, film. So I will represent him and say that it's fucking great. Yeah. Are you? Oh, I, I thought agree. you were going to launch into an hour monologue. I was very excited. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, I won't subject any of our... I won't subject Justin to that. I was going to say any of our listeners, but it's, it's, it's Justin and potentially my mother. I won't subject her to that. <laughs> but it's great. I liked it. It is. Uh, this one's. It was really good. Uh, yeah. Then we had The Souvenir came out in May. This is a movie that's in, in many critics' number one film of the year. It's a British movie. Hard pass. Uh, Didn't we already establish earlier? <laughs> fuck critics or critics yeah. don't, like we don't yeah. care about critics. Like forget, forget critics. <laughs> well, our film is only beloved by critics. So I'm going to say <laughs> critics are more important than the general public. And uh... Fuck critics. <laughs> well, Ali liked the film. She had it on her list, but you, but you rejected it. She was literally paid to like that. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> she was paid to work on the film, um, not to like it. Yep. That is, that's very yeah, true. Uh, I've worked on things I do not like. <laughs> I do that every play. day yeah. from nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Including this podcast. <laughs> no, it's way beyond nine to five. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the souvenirs from Joanna Hogg is autobiographical, largely. 
It has a really great central performance by Anna Swinton Byrne, who's the daughter of Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton's in it as well. I struggled with it a little bit. Like, it's it's very ponderous. I thought it was a movie that definitely should have been made with a story that should have been told. I just felt that she was too close to it to know the best way to tell it. And so I kind of wished that she had written it and then given it to someone else to make, which is a rare thing for me to say because I normally like writers, directors when it's about personal stuff. But it's definitely one that's worth checking out if you want to see something quite different and very drama-based. If you don't want all those John Wicks and Endgames. If you want something with no action and a resolution that could have easily been sorted in like the first five minutes, <laughs> watch this movie. I wasn't crazy about so this. I wish John were here because he he liked it more than I did. I left being like, I didn't really love that. And he was like, I don't know if I did or didn't. And then the more he thought about it, the more he found things about it that he liked. But I can't mm. remember what those things were. <laughs> Probably because I just, didn't like it. I can understand why people, why critics love it, I can understand. It's just so stupid I to me when, like, don't you know. don't have to have ever done or been around someone who does meth or heroin to know the signs of what that looks like. And when someone obviously has needle punctures in their arm and then tell you that they fell and that's how they got needle punctures it's like girl run (laughs) but instead she's like oh it'll go away like which i get what that is trying to tell me but at the same time i'm like any normal girl would be like oh you're a druggie okay this isn't gonna work but i mean i mean also it's dealing with a different time but i just i needed to feel more in it and i wasn't in it like, I didn't fill in that relationship enough to necessarily believe or care the, the struggles of why she was staying with him. I totally believe that a woman, particularly in that decade, would, you know, potentially stay in a bad relationship. They had like just that, met, but, though. I don't anyway. Anyway. Nah. anyway, if you want a little bit more pep than the souvenir, then we had Aladdin, the second Disney <laughs> live action remake bullshit of the year. It's another story about oh. a woman who stays with a man she should not stay with. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually the image of our group text for this very uh, yeah. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> the funniest thing I find about this film is that the man that plays Aladdin, the lead actor, he has an interview where he's like, yeah, I thought this was going to like get me more auditions and that I was going to be a star after this, but it never happened. And I think that that's because... Like, he blames it on being discriminated against. And I would like to say right here and now, no, it's because you're bad, bitch. He is bad. <laughs> That's what I went to see this and was like, okay, well, there was, a, I mean, there was a lot of debate because Booksmart came out the same weekend and Booksmart did not do well at all. And of course, this is a Disney movie, so everybody went to see Aladdin. But there was a lot of talk back and forth about why that's also actually a good thing. And that, yes, even though it's Disney and a blockbuster, it's also one of the first blockbusters that's starring all minorities in lead characters. Yep. So I think yep. that's a conversation that's worth having. And I think that's a totally fair point to make. But when I did see this, I also thought I was like, Aladdin sucks. He's really bad. <laughs> He's so bad. And you know what? It's not fair to some degree. It's not fair because, you know, we're not a part of the editing. We don't know what is left on the editing room floor. We don't. And especially because it's Disney, they make the safest fucking choices so maybe they purposefully tried to make him the least interesting part of the titular Of the movie role. named after his character. <laughs> Correct. I don't know, but he is the least interesting part of this film. He was really bad. A hundred percent. And yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. 
Brightburn came out if you want a weird horror comic book movie that's not based on any previous existing thing, but is basically just somehow not litigiously stealing from Superman. Yeah, it's kind of based on Superman, really, isn't it? Absolutely it's, it's, based it's gobsmacking on that they didn't get sued. No one has any idea how they didn't. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. The most frustrating, I and mean, this was another meh film for me, the most frustrating thing about it was that I've never seen a trailer more where it's like, yeah, it's just a trailer, but longer. Like, that's what this <laughs> film is. Nothing. You think the trailer's going to be cool. That's the setup. What else? Nope. nope. That's the just, movie. That's it. That's the entire movie. Yeah, my problem with Brightburn was I love the setup, but it, my problem with Brightburn is similar to my problem with Superman in that it, it, it kind of loses any kind of tension when you realize he just he can't be stopped. Yeah. Like he's he's too powerful, and I kind of think they suffered from that a little bit. He's like he, I I did enjoy see, seeing him turn more and more evil and kill more and more people, but eventually it's just like, well, they're not going to be able to stop him. So what's Kind of the yeah, point. there's some stylish visuals and it's very violent, like it's surprisingly violent. Yeah, I like but that. they definitely think they're setting up for a franchise. Which I like, just yeah, took this as an luck. allegory for having kids. It's like you can't kill them, but they're just going to get <laughs> shittier. <laughs> I love you that. You just got to live with them. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we have probably the biggest comedy of the year, which is Booksmart. Yes. Big fan. I feel like there's going to be nominations for this, is there? Yeah, let's go around. You guys take it away. I saw this most recently. I only saw this a few days ago. So. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Who wow. else wants to say it? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I loved this film. Here's where... Hang on, are you fucking reclining on your sofa and holding your mic like you're a goddamn comedy yes, host? I am. I am living my best life. Don't be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not jealous. I'm judging. Listen, well, but here's the thing. I would normally have this at our office setup, but I decided to put it on our couch setup so that James could continue to play his video games and so that we could each have our own moments here. Is he still playing Jedi? No, he has beaten Jedi. Now it looks like he's playing Apex. I which is good man. James, we like should play Apex together. To just play anything. Hold on, wait. James, what are you playing? <laughs> Oh, no, he's playing FF15. Ugh. I don't know what that Never is. Never mind. Final Fantasy 15. Oh, yes, he is playing Final Fantasy 15. Because we yeah. were just talking about which games he needs to start now that he's finished Jedi. And it's Final is Fantasy it, 15 is what he said. This is a perfect time for me to promote. We'll be doing our best games of 2019 podcast very, very shortly. They'll be out in a few days as well. And James should be on it. Yeah. Hey. Well, listen, I'm running out of video game buddies. Uh, <laughs> well, and that is literally his job. It is. Anyway, tell us about Booksmart. And why you love funny ladies. I loved Booksmart. I also, what I loved about this is this is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. And I think that she does some really cool, interesting things. Like the Barbie like interlude that they have. I think it's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. I also love whenever they have their fight at the end of the movie, how she cuts the sound in that. And we go back and forth. Like, I think that she does some really cool, interesting things. And the thing, this movie was compared to super bad, right? It's supposed to, like, one of its uh, selling points is it's a super bad for women. I recently rewatched Superbad and comparing it to Booksmart and what it is, I and maybe it's just because I'm a lady, I don't fucking know, but I prefer Booksmart. I think it is so interesting and especially for Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, I think that she makes some cool 
fucking choices whenever like the deck is stacked against her you know what i mean like nobody expected this movie to be good or interesting in any way shape or form and i think it is a powerhouse caitlin deaver in it is a best actress nominee i think that she is great i am now obsessed with her and if you haven't watched unbelievable on netflix she is beautiful in it (laughs) um and i just think this film is all around fun it is in my top 10 for the year I don't know if I should nominate it for here because I do. I love it. I think it's great. Uh, I don't know because there are other things that I want to nominate as well. You can come back to it. You can okay, I'll to come it. back to it. You can nominate it. Great. I also Shannon, love it. you were the first person I know who really, really fucking loved this movie. So go for it. Sorry, not Shannon. Allie, sorry. Oh, I was like. You just you said too much, Shannon. Like, shut up, Allie. Uh, yes, I <laughs> saw this twice in theaters. I really, really loved it. As we were yes. going through... As I was going through and making these lists, I realized we don't have a best comedy section. And I was like, man, I would, we need to put Booksmart for best comedy. I agree with everything you said, Shannon. I loved the party scene. I loved their fight. I think both leads are very, very good. I do think I liked Caitlin Deaver a little bit more than Beanie. But they're both fantastic. I just thought they did. Su- she did such a better job of telling a story that wasn't one-toned for mm-hmm. where it's just like oh this is a, a high school party movie that happens over the course of one night it's like we've seen that before and you're kind of going and expecting it to be like oh but also women can be funny because that's what yeah we've been getting this whole last year is it's like we'll do the same movie but we'll put women in it but the women are going to act just like the men acted because that's the only way that women can be funny is to be the man yeah. and like that's why you know, like ghost, the new Ghostbusters like pissed me off is it's just like you're just making us try and be men and we are funny <clears> in our own right. And especially for high schoolers, like half the time I don't like I've reached that age where I'm like, I don't get half the humor. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about most of the time. But <laughs> this did such a good job of like giving it heart and giving it authenticity, mm-hmm. like real relationship that, yes, it can be ridiculous, but it can also be you know, personal and feel real, even though I'm not a part of that world. I also, mm. all the side characters were so good. Like every really yes. side character had plenty of moments to shine. And I think every actor did. It was yeah. really, really And so well many cast. of them are not, are not actors, are not like that is what they're chosen to do. Like the woman that plays Caitlin Deaver's love interest, if you will. Oh, she's right. Like, a skate- like what yeah, she does skate- is she skateboards, yeah. right? She is not an actor and she's so interesting and so great in it and one of the things that really resonated with me with this film was that the jokes aren't cheap mm-hmm. you know again i rewatched super bad because it was so compared to this and like some of those jokes are pretty cheap it's like oh she got period blood on me and all this you know like bullshit the jokes in this are rooted in relationship and i find that so interesting and to your point katie it's like yeah this is how women are funny yeah and it's not about just dick jokes and period jokes and bullshit. It is rooted in relationship. And that is what ultimately makes Superbad a fun and interesting film is that there's relationship involved. And so I understand the comparison. And I'm very pleasantly surprised in watching this film for the first time how much I enjoyed it. I also watched this one on an airplane and I laughed out loud on several occasions <laughs> yes. and also Which cried. Which version was <laughs> like, it? Because there was that whole drama of like all the airlines had cut 
one, the Barbie scene because you like saw nudity. Right. Two, the love scene in the bathroom. No, and they I had think the Delta love scene. Was the, Delta was the first airline to be like, we didn't realize that this third party was cutting out these scenes. We oh, it wasn't on Delta. Anymore. It was. You're on an Yeah, it was international. They don't give a shit. Yeah. They're like, show okay. whatever yeah. you want. Show the tits. Yeah, they show a lot on there that I'm like, I don't know if I should be blocking my screen. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I literally, I do. I block my screen whenever that stuff comes out. Yeah. I think I can't remember the film. Oh, we were watching Dolomite is my name oh, on right. a plane. Those are the words I'm looking for. <laughs> and there's a lot of tits in that movie. James kept pulling the iPad closer to us because <laughs> there were children all around us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Tom. I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, I, I, my, I, I love Booksmart. And I think, it, yeah, it comes down to what you guys were saying. It's the friendship really at the mm-hmm. center of it that was so realistic and genuine. And the chemistry between the actresses really carried the movie for me. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for those, like, just good teen high school movies, comedies are, like, you don't get them so much anymore. And um, when one comes around, it's as good as Booksmart. It's, like, it's a real treat. Yeah. I, I loved it. I don't want to counteract anything because I agree with pretty much everything you guys are saying, but I'm, I had a very weird relationship with this movie. I kept wanting to see it. Like I used to really be into the worst type of this type of movie, I guess, as, as a sort of contradictory part of my personality was like, I could just enjoy a really stupid American high school movie just because that was not my life. So it was kind of funny to laugh at. And Tom kept saying to me, like, you got to watch fucking Booksmart. And Ali kept saying to me, you got to watch Booksmart. I was like, yeah, I know. And I agree with, like, I really, I think it's directed really lovely. I, I think, yeah, I think Caitlin Deaver is, is fantastic in it. So, like, okay, my weird thing with Booksmart is I tried to watch it five times. And admittedly, every time I was watching it, I had just come off the back of, not every time, but at least two or three times, I'd just come off the back of watching something else that was, like, not a, you know, that was, like, a very somber sort of reflective film. And then I'll put on Booksmart. It's like, all right, it's going to be my late night film. It'll keep me going. Like, it's still going to have pep in it. It'll be fine. And the first scene of them when they're like getting picked up and outside and doing that whole thing they do where they're both like, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, blah, 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 and doing their dance and stuff. The things I don't like about Booksmart, I'd say more about me rather than the film. Like the things just like, I completely get it. But every time I was just like, I'm not in the mood for this movie. And that happened to me four times until the fifth time I actually watched it. But I literally watched that opening scene so many fucking times now. (laughs) And I turned it off each time. I was like, I'm just, this is not, I'm not in the mood for this at all. Like this is just like, it just felt obnoxious american to me in in the worst kind of way but not again because it was bad it was just like this isn't what i want and then eventually when i got through it i kept texting katie all the way through it because I'm, I'm watching this movie i really like this lead i'm not that keen on the other one i like what olivia's doing with this like i think the direction's really cool yeah the barbie scene was like inventive but i'm not like i don't find any of this funny and like for the entire movie like i went through that i was like i didn't laugh like once throughout the movie and I spent all the movie just trying to diagnose my brain of like, why do I, am I just too old now? Am I just like, what if I go back to the other ones I used to like, would I not find them funny anymore? And then it got to the actual party when you have about 30, 35 minutes in the party. Mm-hmm. And I had to text Katie of like, now I like this movie, <laughs> but there's no comedy in the party. It's actually very sincere. It's like the culmination of all these relationships and the stuff that's happening there. And I really loved the party. Like I really loved everything that happened there. Um, I did a tweet afterwards saying if if modern and I don't know I was like, I did a tweet saying if modern high school is really like everyone's as decent to each other as they are in book smart then you'll have it much fucking easier than I did when I was growing <laughs> up because everyone's so nice to each other in this film and so I understand even the assholes like everybody's still sincere and it's like that's a great example if that's what she's doing here that's a wonderful example and I'm so happy it exists if it's how the world really is now that's even fucking better but this was not a representation for me of high school in any way <laughs> whatsoever 
but I loved that party. And then the ending of it was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, that's what it's going to be. So it was just really weird for me. Just, for whatever reason, the comedy just wasn't, it didn't stick with me at all. Presumably because I hate women. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I was just going to say, know. I was like, it's because of your penis. Yeah. Mm, probably. <laughs> that's why. It gets yeah, in probably. the way. To be honest, this is what I mean. Honestly, I do. I should have done a caveat at the beginning of this list, but this was the year where either I felt really old or just like I'm exhausted with big, like I'm exhausted with the comedy that America's selling me and I'm exhausted with the action that America's selling me. I'm just mm-hmm. done. See, I just like, I'm not finding any of it enjoyable. I, I see. I kind of agree with you with the comedy thing, but I disagree in that I love Booksmart because of that. Like it felt fresh. The comedy yeah. didn't feel tired in that same way that we've had for years and years mm-hmm. now in that sort of post Judd Abatai period mm-hmm. like it felt it felt different and it felt genuine and yeah, that's kind of one of the reasons i did like it because it wasn't just no, I get it. another it's, tired it's comedy on the factory line you know well i could i could it had a slightly different flavor to it but for me it just still felt like this is american comedy and i was like that's fine and i normally would lap that up but for whatever reason again whether it's just this film or whether it's just this year or maybe now the rest of my life and i'm just past it i don't know but it's like this just doesn't work for me anymore well but i also cut to what you're speaking to i appreciated the fact that there wasn't like the high school villain there wasn't those sort of tropes yeah because yeah. i don't think i mean that's not accurate to my high school experience there was no high school villain you know what i mean there were moments where people were picked on in various stages of things but it was never like there's ye old mean girl or whatever like you see depicted over and over again so one of the things i really appreciated about it that was reflective of my high school experience was that by and large people could be shitty to each other sure but by and large people were overall kind to one another in general well this is what i'm saying i agree with you but for the opposite reason like my high school there were the villains and Mm -hmm. they were fucking terrible and people weren't just kind to each other at all but i'm tired of seeing that and i'm happy and i did find it refreshing to see a film yeah where people are just decent i want more films where everyone's just decent so i love that about it that's what i mean i love like so many aspects of this film i just didn't make me laugh yeah i also uh, went to an all-girls high school so you know shout out incarnate word being full of decent bitches (laughs) incarnate word (laughs) is anybody nominating this for anything no i know you guys all love it but is it going to get a nomination for anything I, I'm reserving my nomination to the yeah. end of the line because this and is like on the it. edge for me. Okay. All right. We're going to try and plow through a bit a little quicker because we've got... Yeah, uh, we're we've only got in June. Uh, we, had, <laughs> Anna, we, had Godzilla <laughs> King, we had Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, let's just fucking rattle through some. Yeah. Didn't see it. I found this one disappointing. Some people really loved it. I didn't think it was great. But again, I just said I found everything disappointing. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and I'm a big Godzilla Love fan. Yeah. I really Kojira. am. I fucking do. Rocket Man came out. I didn't see it. You guys presumably did. Nope. Uh, I did. I found it disappointing, mainly because for me, the theme of this film is you shouldn't allow people that are living still to be involved in their own biopic. The making of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at the end, whenever he hugs his inner child, I was like, go fuck yourself, Elton John. I feel like I said that out loud in the theaters. So, yeah. Well, he actually hugs his personification of his inner child. Right. And he hugs him and tells him he loves him and therefore is healed. And I wanted wow. to slit my fucking wrists. Uh, yes. Taron Edgerton, no. I think, is great. I love that he sings all of the songs. Yeah. I think he is fantastic. I think it is a massive Oscar snub that he is not nominated for that. However, I don't find him to be one of my best actors of the year. But I understand the role he had to take on. And it's a huge accomplishment for him. And he's fucking great. The film itself is 
so Elton John washed that it's obnoxious. I was just going to okay. say exactly what Shannon said in terms of Taron Egerton. I think he did a fantastic job. I love that he sings everything that is sung in this movie is Taron Egerton singing. Uh, and I thought he mm-hmm. did a great job at that part. Yep. Cool. Uh, we had a horror film that no one seemed to give a shit about called Ma. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. Didn't cool. See it. So we won't give a shit about it either. <laughs> Let's move on. Yep. There was the new film from the dude who did House of Flying Daggers called Shadow, uh, which I haven't actually seen it yet. It looks fucking gorgeous, as most of his films do. It's all, you know, waifu, fun, Chinese drama, action stuff. And then we have the third wife, which I do very quickly want to, want to talk about. It's a Vietnamese film, which me and Katie saw a few weeks ago. I fucking love it's this so movie. Pretty. And the more I kind of think about it, the more it resonates. Yeah, it's a very beautiful movie. It's nice and short, and it's kind of unusual. It's very complicated, very, very meditative. If you want to see an interesting, completely different way to talk about feminism or you know toxic male societies, then this is a movie for you, where a 14-year-old girl in, I think, late 19th century mm-hmm. Vietnam is brought in to be the third wife of uh, this lord, I guess. Yeah, he's a man Um, of notoriety and money. Yeah, and none of his previous wives have been able to bear him a son. So, yeah, she's the new one drafted in to do it, essentially. And what's really cool about it is, like, yeah, this is a male-led society where obviously some, you know, not great things are happening, but it never, like, plays into that. It never shows the men really being terrible. It really has very little focus on the men at all. It's just like, yeah, they're there in the background and this is what's expected of people and this is what's going on. And it's very just beautiful, meditative, and she gives a fucking great performance. Yeah, and she's um, actually 14, which... She's actually 14. So, as you got banned, I yeah. think, from some countries for being too sexual. Even though there's uh, not which anything... I mean, there is, like, a scene of it, but it's, like, there were people who were complaining, I guess, that it was, like, close to a rape scene and it's not at all. It's, if anything, touching and beautiful somehow. <laughs> It's and it's just, well and it's just it's you get like two suggestive shots. There's absolutely no sex shot in this film in any way whatsoever. It's all very like artistically done uh, by a female director, and it's it's a cool film. People should check it out. It would be my most underappreciated if it wasn't for the long day's journey in tonight. June Fox thought that they'd put out their last X Men movie with Dark Phoenix, but apparently <laughs> New Mutants is still coming out. So, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Yeah, this movie was not great, was it? How far yeah. has the X Men movies fallen? Like, what? How do they get it so? How do they get it so right to begin with, and then get it so wrong by the end? Well, this has yeah. got to be on like biggest flops of the list of the year, right? Like, because this was such a massive. Yeah, it's low down on it, but it is. But yeah, yeah. But it's such it a massive well. flop. I feel like. Yes, it did not do well. And it just, the worst thing about it, I don't actually think it's an absolute trash heap, but it was just so sad to see, like Tom saying, how far they've fallen and just how this is the, this was the last, you know, proper X Men film in it with Fassbender and people in it. It's like, really? This is your last yeah. one? That's really disappointing. Yeah. Well, people try to show them, even in Game of Thrones, that what's her face, Sophie Turner cannot act. And then they're like, oh, oh but instead, no. let's make her the lead. Do not hinge a film on her. <laughs> well, that's Do why I didn't see this oh, movie. That's what I was just going to say. Or Game of Thrones. And in the trailer, I was like, who is this girl? She looks awful. <laughs> and I think I was with you, Alan. You were like, yeah. she's in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And again, like, okay. If we slam actors in this, it doesn't mean they're not lovely people, yes. and it doesn't mean one day they might do a fantastic role. But from the evidence we're given right now, prove us wrong. Like them. Constantly. Yeah. Yes. Completely agree. Sophie Turner, I loved you in Game of Thrones. You're so pretty. No. You're so pretty. Oh, You're no. so pretty. I did not so love her in Game of Thrones. Sh- You're so pretty. You're so pretty. 
She's not pretty at I all. I like She's her hair. So disinterested. She looked disinterested in the entire world, which is quite an accomplishment. <laughs> Much like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a striking resemblance to you, Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. The last black man in San Francisco. Yes. This is one of my nominations for best movie. Here we go. It's locked in. I know, Katie and Al, I have been bothering you since June to see this movie. Have you guys seen it yet? Al yeah, has. Okay. I have not. Sorry, okay. Ali. No, I'm I'll do it. That's I promise. Okay. I will watch it again with you whenever yes. you want to watch it. Let me know. Okay. I've seen it twice now. Saw it with my mom well, as well. Good for you, Al. <laughs> Jeez. You can have one oh, of mine. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love this um, movie. Did you know Tom get to see it? I have not seen it. No, I it's on, it is on my extensive list of things where, especially like looking through the movies we were going to talk about, it's on my list of things. Where I'm like, God damn it, I didn't see that one. Oh, fuck. You, me, and Katie will all get together and watch it soon. I'm into that. Sounds yes. good. Okay. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a first time feature for almost all of them. For Jimmy Fails, mm-hmm. who's the writer and lead actor. For Joe Talbot, who's the director. It's a first time for the composer composing a score for a feature film. And all of it's amazing. The one holiday present I got for Sean was that score on vinyl. Uh, and the artwork on it is just as beautiful as it is in the film as it is in the actual score. I think Jimmy Fails as the lead is absolutely fantastic. His best friend, whose name I forget, is hilarious and I love him in the movie. There were a couple of lines that I wanted to be with Alan Katie when they watched it to see if they found as funny as Sean and I found, but I guess we'll just do that with Katie now and Shannon. <laughs> and I think everybody should go watch it. Yeah, I agree. The scores, the score is wonderful. It's a fantastic score, and it's actually it's one of my four best scores of the year. I think. Yeah. I um, wait. Is there a best score? And, I think I have this written down for yeah. best score as well. Yep, I have this written down yeah. for yeah. best score. This is your yeah. one. Okay, hang on, let me get that down. And that's mostly because I usually see movies and the score just kind of goes over my head. I rarely ever mm-hmm. notice it just because I don't I don't really have a musical background. Sean will always leave a movie and he'll be like, wow, that score was incredible. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't, I like forgot to listen for it. Like it just, <laughs> it just goes over my head, which maybe it's because I know. Sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, that's what's like, if, mm-hmm. if they do a good job, then it just works with the movie and I don't notice it. And that's a compliment. So I think for this, it depends. Because, yeah, well, because I knew how much he liked it, I bought it on vinyl. So now I've listened to it more. So maybe that's why I'm recognizing it more and remembering it. But it's very beautiful. I mean, this score sticks out. Like it's, it's there's a lot of silent points in this film, and the score is bold and, and brash mm-hmm. in a great way. Um, and it has a lot of the personality of the characters in, in it, which is what 80s films used to do. I mean, 80s films, they have some phenomenal scores and the scores were not subtle at all. You fucking noticed the scores, you know, like they were like boastful and a character in the movie. And I kind of missed that day. I liked scores being a character and not just background. But anyway, yeah, last night, I think it's a wonderful film. I, I have a couple of prom- problems with it, which is probably why I want to see it twice. Like there were some bits in it that that I felt got a little lost, but I really love how it ends. I really love the performances. Like he, the lead guy is fantastic in it. The directing is really assured, and it's a very sort of strange, lethargic, magical movie. Yeah, yeah, I really, really love it. I don't love it quite as much as Ali, but I do really, really love it. I did find it strange that three people wrote this and two of them were white, because it's so centered around some very interesting commentary around the particular, you know... Well, it's, se- just I mean, it's centered around the gentrification of this neighborhood that they grew up in, and the director yeah. and 
Jimmy, Joe and Jimmy grew up as very close friends. So they grew up in the same neighborhood, which maybe was majority black, but Joe is white. And I don't know who the third writer is, but I mean, it's it's similar to I can't think of the name of the movie, but it's similar in that in that like the main white character was kind of the minority in where he grew up and all of his friends were black because that's the neighborhood he grew up in and they were both kind of reminiscing on the old Oakland versus the hipster Oakland that they were currently living in. So it's, I see what you're saying. It is interesting, but it's also based on their real life. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I wasn't saying it in a pointed way. I just found it interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, a, I'm in no way, like I'm a big advocate for men can write feminist films and, you know, Asian people could write films about white people problems. Like, I don't think you have to, you know, um, and everyone's got their own background that makes their life unique and, and their perspective particular. I just found it weird when I looked it up. It wasn't what I was expecting because mm. it's such a, you know, bathed in black culture in San Francisco and it's very, very interesting with how it portrays that. I think it's cool. Man in Black International came out. If we want to talk about more meh films that flopped. <laughs> James and I watched this movie and it was a mistake. We both hated it so much. We were like, this will cool. be a fun, like, let's just, it's stupid. Let's, let's watch it. It'll be fun. Nope. Terrible. Not even fun. Hated it so much. Then let's move on to our first Adam Driver movie <laughs> of the year. Yes! <laughs> the Dead Don't Die. Yes! Uh, which, this is a weird one because yes. I remember when the trailer came out, at least in our bubble in LA, people went crazy. Yes. People were like, this looks fucking amazing. And I was not one of those people. I was like, this doesn't look very good at all. But it has Adam Driver and Bill Murray in it. so And it's Jim Jarmusch. So like, maybe there's something to it. I hope so. And then nobody went to see it. Nobody. All those people were like, this looks amazing. Mm-hmm. You're like, did you see it? It was at the cinema. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I think this is a classic case of like, it got buried by blockbusters, right? And, and just like other things that were more important and more interesting to see in theater. Yeah. Specifically. Like Dark Phoenix, Men in Black, right. and Child's Play. That yeah. We're talk about. Well, it just All wasn't one that like you felt like you had to see in a cinema. It was definitely one. Yeah. And especially right now, we're in this like weird tipping age of going to Netflix. And it's like, it's so at that point, we were like, it's going to be on Netflix in like two months. This feels like a movie that should have gone straight to Netflix. that's exactly what it was. I almost was confused when it did come out that it wasn't on Netflix. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I actually have to go to a theater to see this. And I was like, I don't know (laughs) that this is one that I have to go see in a theater. So it didn't make yeah. the no like no pun, but it didn't make the cut of me going to mm-hmm. the cinema. I completely okay. agree with that. I watched this on a plane and uh, loved oh, every it, okay. minute of watching it like that. And I think that it holds up for it is a personal viewing sort of film as opposed to a must see in cinema sort of film. Because right. I think that's the age we're in. It's like, does this need to be seen in cinemas? And if the answer is no, then I'm not going to. Right. Right. I okay. did. Love it so much, and it's so weird. And I fu- oh wow, I haven't heard anybody love it that much. That's I'm fucking here for it. It's so weird. Listen, there's so many problems with it. There's so many problems with it. There's so it's we're goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> but I am here for it. I am here for how meta it gets. That they're like. Didn't you read the script? But like all of the stuff, I am from the very beginning. Adam Driver's like, this will end badly, and then it ends badly. I'm like, <laughs> thank you, Jim, for following through. I thought it was hilarious for all of those reasons. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It is not a nomination for me for best film of the year because I just because I don't think it is that good. However, 
I love it being this weird film in a sea of blockbusters, right? And I love what it's doing. I love Adam Driver in it. I fucking, how do you never love Bill Murray? He's so fucking good. And Chloe Sevigny is yeah. great in it. Tilda Swinton is great playing a fucking alien as Tilda Swinton should. She is actually <laughs> an alien. Like, everyone knows that now, right? Yes. Everyone and knows. she's playing a samurai alien in this. It's so weird. <laughs> and I am into it. And I, I, like I already mentioned, I love how meta it is. And yeah, I love it. And Iggy Pop as a zombie, great. Give it to me. Give me more. The only thing no, I didn't I love about it was like anything that involves Selena Gomez. <laughs> there. Uh, and not because she's not good in it. I find her interesting in it, but just her presence in it. I'm like, why? <laughs> okay yeah yep. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna actually check it out now because i've heard no one be that excited about it so I'll definitely check it out I, it's so um, weird it's so weird it's not a great film but it is so weird i love it <laughs> we had toy story 2 which toy katie story brought up four. earlier toy story 4 yeah toy story 4 i haven't actually seen this one yet which is kind of <laughs> bewildering to me wow it's it's my nomination for animated film of the year Okay. Best animation because oh, there's no real competition. I agree. I mean, and, and it's great anyway. Like, I mean, I, I never thought I was one of those guys. It was like Toy Story three ends so perfectly that when I heard they were doing the fourth one, it was like, this is just yeah, this is going to end badly. Uh, but they managed to pull it off. I remember sitting there in the cinema watching it, just ready to be so disappointed and just constantly being like, they're actually pulling this off. They're actually going to get this away with us. And at the end of it was just, yeah, almost in tears again, like at the end of the third one. Like, yeah, I thought it was so like, bullshit uh, that everyone's like all excited about how to train your dragon. And, oh, they ended this so perfectly. And I was like, did y'all not see Toy Story 4? Yeah. I was like, they yeah. did an amazing, amazing job of just yep. fully forming a character, finishing his storyline appropriately to his person. I mean, I loved it. I loved Bo Peep in it. Like they gave depth and like, they got weird as they do and they yeah they had the yeah. typical like oh the person you think is supposed to be good is now bad and you can't trust that but yeah. it also wasn't 100% that it was just someone wanting exactly what your victor is wanting which is like to be loved to yeah. be appreciated and so it, it was it was so good like honestly it was so good well, one of the most impressive things about it for me was the fact that like it didn't feel tacked on like the, yeah. the, the first three feel like such a complete film and this felt like oh yeah no it's it's the natch like it is the like essential next part of yep. the film that i didn't realize we needed and it just yeah I, I, it was one of the most impressive things about it i really it was i was yeah, I loved like very seriously stunned by it when i did watch it because again i watched yeah. it on an airplane which in retrospect it was like i definitely want to go back and watch that on a larger screen because it was so beautifully done and it was such yeah. a good ending to that story. I know, but it probably isn't. Even the ending, they'll do a Toy Story 5 now and I'll I be like, oh, I don't want them to. Like, I honestly, like, they I did such Yeah, a but job. that's like Tom's saying. You didn't want to fall. Yeah, exactly. And they um, managed to pull it I off. Know, but so, fair play. I will, now, I will now watch this movie. It's just been so long it's since so I've done. It's really, so really been blown away by a Pixar movie. That, that's so, why I was like, honestly, oh, I was... Yeah. You can always rely on the Toy Stories. What? Um... Are there two of you just eating yeah, now or the other two having to say it's very distracting? I'm sorry. I did not see this film kind of for the same reasons that you were saying is honestly, I forgot this even came out this year. Wow. Yeah. It just it got buried for me. And it's one of those things where like I went back and looked at the list and I was like, how the fuck did I not? Because <laughs> I loved Toy Story 3 so much. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was mm -hmm. just 
I don't know. It got it got buried for me in a sea of other things this year. Mm. And I also wonder, because I don't even remember this coming out. I'm like, what was the marketing for this that I... There was a lot of marketing because even yeah. they showed the like behind the scenes voice acting of Tom Hanks and what's his face. Mm. Like they kind of spoiled it for themselves because they literally came out and showed them saying goodbye to each other as voice actors but for their characters and so it was like this really emotional thing and that's honestly why if they do bring a five and they do bring woody in i'm gonna be so fucking pissed because they did such a good send-off yeah and it's like just Mm -hmm. let it go yeah okay i gotta move us on i'm really sorry partly because we're not even halfway through the year and partly because i really need the toilet (laughs) yeah and like i Um, you haven't even gotten to irishman yet and i have feelings (laughs) they better not be good ones shannon Um, i'm serious it's not all right all right right. let me let's move on (laughs) we've got three movies in a row that were technically podcast (laughs) ones that we've covered we've got child's play the allison myself and alex covered you can hear all of our feelings on that show but shortcut, we none of us yeah. liked it. We, I mean, Moving I'm gonna, I disagree with you on your first comment. Not that we didn't like it, but that the next three are podcast movies because we did not podcast about the last one, unless you and Haruka did it. Without- that's, what that's what I'm trying okay. to say. I said that we, I said that we should have okay. done. <laughs> then, as Annabelle comes home, with myself, Shannon, and Alex covered, so you can hear all of our feelings about that one. No. <laughs> no. Okay. And then there's yesterday. <laughs> Which is the new Danny Boyle film that no one seemed to really notice existed that we should have covered because the only director retrospective we did was Danny Boyle, but none of you fuckers listened to it. <laughs> so we haven't continued doing any other director ones and we should have still done yesterday because that's a pledge. If we start a franchise, we continue with that franchise. But I'll be honest, if the film was a little more interesting, I would have made us do it. I would it. still do <laughs> it. I will be the driving force I would force still do it. Let's make we'll make the time. us to do it if you would like me to be. I noticed that this film okay. came out. I did not I see did it. I did too. On purpose. <laughs> It looks completely boring as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on then. July! We're into the summer blockbusters. We're kicking off with another MCU movie, Spider-Man Far From Home. The first film in the MCU post-Endgame. Although, weirdly, trailered before Endgame. Yeah. (laughs) Which caused some great, like, discussion amongst people. When the fuck is this even set? (laughs) What is happening? And what happens in Endgame? It's much more simple film than you might think. This yeah. is literally like a side story, National Lampoon, Peter Parker goes on a European vacation, basically. Yep. My mom loves this movie. I think she's <laughs> seen it like five times or something. I love that. She fucking loves it. And I'll be honest, I think it's the weirdest MCU movie out there. And I think there are a lot of problems with it and it's completely disposable. But I have a great old time with this. Like I just, it's just one of the films that's like... It's like what Tom's saying with Endgame and everything else with a part of this bigger picture. Of course, there is stuff like that in here. But for the most part, this is just like, you want to hang out? Cool, let's hang <laughs> yeah. out. And I'm fine with that because I fucking love Tom Holland. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love this world. And so, yeah, sure. Let's and Jake Gyllenhaal. Come on. It's super fun. I'm into it. I love how they're playing with the, like, passing of the torch. You know, we are in a post-Endgame world and all that sort of stuff. I love Jake Gyllenhaal in it. I think it's, uh, you know, it's fun. I'm into it. Yeah, I recently I watched it again. And I was like, yeah, still fun. Still had a good time. I yeah. agree. It was super fun. I think Tom Holland yeah. is the biggest reason that I love this, the current Spider-Man movies. I just think he is adorable and he has a lot of charm and I would watch him in anything. Yeah. Well, he's your He's cousin. my brother. 
Tom's about to shit on it. Go for it. I'm not going to shit on it. I just, I, I, this would probably be one of my least favorite MCU movies. Like, I just, maybe it was like a post-Endgame kind of come down a little bit, but I just felt like, yeah, I was interested to see what happens next. And weirdly enough, I think like the first sort of five, ten minutes where they deal with the time shift, you know, when they're doing that school report and they're like, oh, you know, the, the students just suddenly reappear. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. But then that's kind of completely forgotten about. And then it just becomes like a, a vacation superhero movie and i just thought like it just felt a little bit like the stakes are a bit too low or just i don't know i felt like it was hard to get the momentum going after what had happened in the end game and it just felt a bit kind of throwaway it survives it on, throwaway. The, on the charm of tom holland and the, the rest of the cast and jake gyllenhaal and all the rest of it but overall it's kind of quite forgettable i like i don't doesn't really um interest that's the thing i agree with what you're saying but i like it for those reasons like, mm. i love I, i've longed for them to have lower stakes yeah. and like in the end game infinity war films you have to have those big stakes but with the other films it's like i, I would love it just to get smaller yeah no i, I kind of agree with that that point i guess i don't know i just felt a bit yeah i, I call it a, a post end game come down just a bit like sure, sure. <sighs> yeah <laughs> and then we're gonna get into a couple of horror films we had first of all mid summer like we had us was a sophomore one we had uh, from Jordan Peele. This is a sophomore one from, fuck, I've already forgotten his name. Ari Aster? Yeah, Ari Aster. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's, got a, it's too good a name. That's why yeah. it's kind of forgettable. Because <laughs> it's too rememberable. I, I would like to nominate Florence Pugh as best actress. I agree. Good. Interesting. She's my, she, well, is she my pick? I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to give her my pick for best I would have been all aboard that train until Damn. yesterday when Al sent me a video of her really well- <laughs> Making ice cream, like it was an Insta story yesterday. I she makes ice cream she's as well. Not a, fucking allowed to be. It's probably still up. Good right now. at too many things. Like I'm sorry, that's my territory, and you can't be a millionaire making actors in 17 films in one year. Also, be adorable and cute. Just to be clear, also she's be probably really not a millionaire yet. Ice cream, like give me something. But she has terrible taste in men. <laughs> what? Who, really? Like in real life or in this film? No, in real life. She's... Oh, who is she dating? That is like so old and so obnoxious. Hold on. Now I got to look this up. <laughs> wow. A short <laughs> list. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anybody thoughts then other than Florence Pugh is great and too talented? Uh, I really like oh, this yeah, movie. Oh, yeah. Zach Braff. I... She's dating Zach Braff. That's who it oh, is. Wow. She's dating I, Zach why Braff. Why do you like Zach Braff? Oh, for all the reasons. <laughs> He's not Other than that he... Anyway. Uh, He's like our age. They're 20 years apart. So? They really? I mean, that's kind of normal in uh, the creative world. She must have never heard of the shins before. He put, like, pulled that old trick <gasps> out, of the, out of the back. Can you imagine if he's like, <laughs> made her, I discovered made like these a guys. Tip of early noughties indie. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. If you feel uncomfortable, just talk on something. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, Midsummer is great. Like, I again, he's another up-and-coming director that I think is really interesting and worth keeping. Like, I'm really, really excited for his next film. Thing about Midsummer was like it's nothing that you haven't really seen before. Like you can tell exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's just The Wicker Man essentially, or all yeah. those kind of cult movies. But the style of it and the feel of it is so kind of unique and sort of spellbinding. And I love that he throws in these just ultra violent flashes that just kind of jolts you out of your seat. And one of the things that really sticks with me about that movie is when one of the guys disappears and his girlfriend's like. Uh, where did my where did he go? We're about to go into town, and the guy's like, "Oh no, one of the other guys has given him a lift into the train station." And she's like, "What? There's no like, there's no way he would leave." And she makes a real big deal out of it. And like, so few horror films actually present that kind of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, "Oh, your boyfriend got a lift. Oh, I guess he probably did. Okay, I guess I'll go along with this." And like, 
you know, instead it's this actually realistic, like, what are you talking about? You know, he would never have left me. And it's stuff that you'd seen before, but it was done in a way that was more authentic and more realistic. And that was enough to kind of, you know, keep me along for the ride, despite the fact that you knew what was going to happen at the end. Yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was excellent. See, I, I kind of felt that way, but also I appreciated that in that character, but then he did the opposite with your lead couple. Yeah. That couple knew each other so well, and then our lead couple, who were supposed to really be along to ride with, yeah. did not act like a real couple at all. They acted like friends that maybe hooked up one time. But isn't that kind of the point, though? Like it's about their kind of failed relationship and how they're not really—they they they shouldn't really be together. They, and they should have never up the- been that close. Like they did not at all strike me as people who'd been in a relationship for as long as it said that they had been in a relationship. I mean, they'd been yeah, together I, for like I, I what, a year and like a half or something. But that kind of feels what the setup of the movie is. The whole first part is, you know, him deciding that he's, you know, he's not really into it. He wants to break up, and then, you know, because of her, her sister or whatever, like it feels like that's kind of the the point a wee bit. Like the relationship is this kind of flimsy thing. I think that he's so good at setup. Just it's the same problem that I had her with Hereditary. I thought the setup was phenomenal, and then the end goes very Stephen King, and that it just is like he just yeah. starts throwing shit at you. And seeing what sticks, and just goes batshit. It goes batshit, but not for the right reasons, in my opinion. And then for this, the the resounding theme at the end, and like why she does what she does, it doesn't land for me. And honestly, mm. I have this under my my overappreciated. Oh well, I would agree yeah, because everyone is yeah. just like <laughs> losing their minds over it. And I was like, yeah, it was a pretty film, but like you were saying at the beginning, it's not anything that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And I don't yep. think he's doing anything that is that interesting. Katie, so you're freed up for potentially a film that I think you might want to do that with later. I am nominating this for the most overappreciated All film right. of the year. Mm. Boom! Um, Double nomination. How kind of you. And this is this is the thing. I And I would, if Tom hadn't, I was also at the same time going to nominate Florence Pugh as potentially an actress for the year. She's definitely in my in my top contingent for that there's someone who i'd like to maybe just place above her i have her in my best actress but not for this movie right okay uh, okay i love ariasta and i love interesting movies i feel kind of like i do with jordan peel with us the same with this is sophomore thing too quick too many ideas too you know like too much power mm-hmm. essentially but, and I went into this thinking, well, I love him, but I really hate cult movies. So that is a personal thing. I like cult movies when they're about being deprogrammed and stuff like that. Like Fultz was a really cool one. But Wicker Man movies, I fucking hate. Like, it just doesn't interest me at all. It's just a bunch of stupid people being stupid. I, I really don't like it at all. But with this was like, this movie started and honestly, for the first act, it's a masterpiece for me. Like for that first act, I was like, everything about this is phenomenal. The way it's being filmed, the score, the acting, the setup, how complicated the stuff is trying to like deal with. And I fucking loved it. And then it gradually just went more and more. Once they get there, it gradually went more and more downhill to the point where by the end of the film, I hated the film. I loved wow. it by the time I was leaving. And it was such a weird experience because like, I don't know how I rate that movie now because literally the first act is a masterpiece to me. It couldn't be improved. And then I just hated it. Partly for what Tom was saying, it, it does nothing that I haven't seen before. Which is like, really? You're going to do this and not add something new to it? Yeah. But then the yeah, thing he was trying to add was his social commentary. I then had to go and watch interviews with him. I had that thing, yeah, where the lead guy was on stage, whatever, with him, where he's talking about 
how people are meant to kind of hate the guy and the guy was like i didn't think that at all like no one told me that when i was acting it i thought i was meant to be playing him as sympathetic as well and it was more complicated than that which is completely how i got it like i am very angry with people who see this as a like joyous fuck the guy by the end of this because he does some terrible things in this but it's also like you like Tom's saying. You start the film with him wanting to leave her. It's okay for someone to not want to be with someone anymore. Mm. That's all right. We shouldn't punish people because they don't want to like stay attached to a relationship. That's a and problem the we have in society. Terrible things that he's doing. He is high as a kite the whole time. So you can't. Well, no, but this. That's yeah. my point. That's my point. It's like so you have that set up, and that's and that's okay. And then in all honesty, in that first act. He's pretty decent to her. You know, he keep and then the terrible thing happens to her and he doesn't know what to do. And they're young and he's stuck in a relationship now that he feels he has to be in that he already didn't want to be in. And sure, she's obviously going through way more than he is. But it's not like you couldn't feel sympathy for both of them. And then they go to this place where, yeah, I agree with Katie completely. Other than the couple Tom's talking about, no one does things that I personally find believable. And the entire film is just them being drugged up for the rest of the film. Which means all the social commentaries he's trying to talk about, for me, mean nothing. Because it's like none of these are cogent decisions. Like women are like, like the amount of write-ups I've written, I've read about him then with the women, with the girl at the end and all this stuff. I'm like, did you ever see this fucking movie? Like they're all high for the whole thing. They don't know what they're doing. Like they're all just... Isn't that a commentary on life the world? Aren't we all going around high on various, uh, you know, ver- you know aspects of life isn't it a, me- a metaphor for uh... if you try well, it could be if he was trying to talk about that but then that's what i mean then he's talking about too many things it's like he's he's you know stated many times he's trying to talk about a relationship and the breakup of a relationship and i'm like that is fantastic and that's interesting and the beginning sets it up to be an interesting complicated relationship where we can see all the different sides in a very complicated situation and by the end it just gradually progresses to this is stupid like you're not even doing anything new with it and what you're trying to say by the end with her like smiling as her boyfriend burns means nothing like it means absolutely nothing and it really makes me angry but it was um, but, so I but it was pretty cool when the old couple jumped off the cliff though yeah it was really cool <laughs> no i don't i didn't find that cool i didn't like honestly everything at the cult. but again i just i do struggle with cult movies I, but so. i one one last thing i did think it was really cool that the whole movie seems to take like it's a horror film that is horrific in certain times and yeah yeah pretty horrific in various moments and scary and takes place not only in daylight but just full sunshine like yeah which is really unique you don't really often see that you know it's like everything takes takes place i got in a fight with a guy at an event because a server who i did not hire tried to tell me that it was the first and only horror film that's ever been filmed in complete daylight and i was like get the fuck out of my event <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> you don't but no, know but me. it is cool you don't like... know who i am and what i know <laughs> he's like oh it what, is cool what's your favorite us. horror film and i was like well it's a toss-up right now between the thing and the descent he's like oh what's the descent and i was like get out oh my god <laughs> you, get the fuck out <laughs> I do, I do want to just stipulate, though, to be clear, even if the whole film had been like the two acts that I don't like, I would still want Ari Aster to keep oh, making films sure. like this because yeah. he's obviously, again, incredibly talented. And I think it's a very interesting mess. Yeah. That for me, it's just sadly more of a boring mess than Us was. Like Us, I felt like it was throwing around a lot more. This, it was just like literally, I mean, if you, if you write down the synopsis for this film, the first act does a lot to write down. And then for the next two acts, nothing happens. Like nothing happens. Al, is it you that mentioned anyway. a while ago that his next film is going to be a comedy? Oh no! Really? No, I don't. Oh know. no! Is he doing an under the silver I lake? Re- <laughs> I can't remember. It's either a comedy or a drama 
or maybe a dramedy, but I can't remember who told me that. And I, it made me very happy just because the first 20 minutes of Midsommar are the 20 minutes that I love, which I also, I'm pretty much spot on opinion wise with Katie. We saw Hereditary together. None of us in our group liked the ending, but I loved the first three quarters of it. With this one, I only loved the first 20 minutes, which was partially the actors, partially his writing and directing. But if he were to do a comedy or a drama next, I would be very excited. I'm still excited for all of his future work. I agree. I, I haven't seen nearly as many horror or cult movies as you guys, but I, it just felt like they were just trying to shock us for the sake of like putting shocking things on the screen. None of it felt like it had a purpose in the story or in like two of these characters. Well, on the opposite end of that, a week later came out a fucking monster movie called Crawl, <laughs> which couldn't be more further removed from Midsummer. And, and this was the weird thing for me is like I've been longing my whole horror sort of life to get to the point where we get, you know, s- subtext in movies and we get more artistically inherent kind of horror films, which we're finally getting with us. And, and for the beginning of this month, sorry, beginning of this 2020, the loads that are coming out, you can listen to our 2020 podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, where there are tons of really cool RT horror films coming out. And so I was really shocked to come out of Midsummer and then go see Cruel and be like, I much prefer Cruel. Wow. <laughs> Just a straight up fucking monster movie yep. that I really fucking loved and I've seen three times now and I still absolutely love it. Still on my list. Isn't right. it interesting that like I'm sitting here talking about how I think Ari Aster is one of my most like uh, horror new horror directors that I'm most looking forward to. And then compare to Crawl with Once Upon a Time. Uh, shit, no. Um, what, what's, what's the... <laughs> I've totally forgotten his name now. Tarantino? Uh, Alexander oh, Aja. Aja was like, mm-hmm. once upon a time, was that director, you know, like the most exciting up-and-coming horror director. And mm-hmm. look where he went. But, you know, then comes out a week later and makes a movie that you prefer. Yeah, I mean, again, I prefer how Midsommar's made. But for me, this was a, not a return to his best form of Aja, but it was a return to Aja being relevant again. Like it was like, yeah, this is a, just a fucking simple, really tense, really fucking cool. Like the effects are fantastic. She does a great like performance. The script is not great at all. It's all very cheesy. But it's like, yeah, that's what I want from a monster movie. But this is done like really but it well. Does, he I builds suspense like so freaking well in this. I watched this with Al at a cinema and I was like grasping his arm at certain <laughs> points where he was like, ow. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> So, and it's been a while since I've been like ardently like jumpy, nervous for your <laughs> person while you're watching a film. So it was really good. It made me sad he couldn't bring us to Prana. You know? Yeah, I don't like, want to talk about that like, Prana. <laughs> don't like your Prana, bro. But your alligators are cool. Uh, you weren't a fan of Cruel Tom. Um, I, I I think I would. I, I watched it at home one night by myself it's on a crap tv screen uh, no i watched it with my flatmate who was just taking the piss out of it the entire time that's what it was mm. and it was i just couldn't really get into it, it was, so i was just yeah. it was okay is he a professional about alligators or something what does he know no he just he just was because it's because it is a bit of a silly movie right you know you do have to kind of leave your brain but what happened in that extent. actually yeah. happened in florida not yeah, to like good. not people being trapped by them but like there was an alligator farm that flooding happened and the alligators got out Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thing. I wish I had known that when he was making sarky comments. It actually can happen. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. And then on the opposite end of that, we had a kind of weirdly low key, unless you're, I, I don't know, like in LA, it was a huge deal and it's definitely big in the sort of critic community, but The Farewell, which yeah. is an incredibly beloved movie. 
but yeah, certainly not that big with the public, I think, which is a lovely true story starring Aquafina, and yeah, I mean, actually a lot of real people acting in it as well from her family, which was surprising. We went to see this back to back with the art of self defense section. Yeah, we and I actually yeah, had I, I, this I really tarnished like for me by a friend it, like because it. he said that Aquafina's Chinese is abysmal in this. Like to someone who actually speaks Chinese, her Chinese is <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah, right. which I was like, oh, that kind of makes it worse. Like it's not as good. I was because I have to chew up. on the other foot of like if I was watching somebody try and speak English and it was like really bad English, I'd be like, oh, the movie sucked. So. I anyway, sorry. was really hyped up for this movie. Just I maybe it is because we live in this LA bubble where we're lucky to have cool indie films like this be advertised everywhere. Right. And I was super, super excited for it. I didn't know who Aquafina was until watching Crazy Rich Asians, which I thought was horrible. And I thought she was the only good and endearing character in it. So when I saw her again, I was like, oh, that's that girl that I liked. And I felt kind of let down after I watched it. I felt like there wasn't much in the movie that wasn't in the trailer. Like nothing really then came and surprised me or like pulled on my heartstrings that I didn't already see in the teaser for it. I still enjoyed it and I would still tell people they should see it, but I wouldn't be super enthusiastic in the recommendation just because I I felt kind of disappointed when we left. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think it, for, for me, it was just, yeah, I feel somewhere. I really liked this movie, but I expected to love it. Like, it was just missing that extra element that made it really yeah. special for me. Instead, it was just like, yeah, this is a really lovely touch the and The food drama. looked really good um, in it. <laughs> I really want those old ladies to cook for me. <laughs> and then we had, oh, fucking hell, our third Disney live action remake this year, The Lion King, which is kind of staggering. I didn't realize there were three. They're just yeah. pumping them out. Yeah, and I couldn't be less interested in all of them. <laughs> this was the one right, I was the most on. interested to see, but only because of Beyonce. Uh, but still, like, I don't need you to remake these movies and make them live action. I just, I don't. It's so hard because, like, I agree from that standpoint, but I also have to question with myself is it, it it's just because I grew up with a certain Lion King in my head, but it's like, they're not making these for us. They're making these for the next generation. And so it's like, I get why it's happening, but I don't have to like it. The weird thing is though, it's like, I, I mean, I hate all of it, but it's, they're not live action. Like this is yeah. right. a CGI remake. This yeah. is animated still. Yeah. And weirdly, I'm slightly more okay with that, but like, I just want to do it differently. It's just like, just don't do the shot yeah. for shots. Like just do a fucking different version of it then. Like that's fine. Reinterpret yeah. yourself. That's the don't only reason just, again, why I'll be going fun. to, I will potentially see Mulan, but I will not see any of these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Billy Elliot was in a film called Skin. That's good. Sorry, Alex. I was just going to say, is anyone nominating this for best animation? <laughs> nope. No, you I are? said, is anyone? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Okay. Nope. I was thinking, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's in a film called Skin, which was, it's, it's fucking, it's a bit of a tough watch. It's, it's well worth watching. I know it's on a lot of people's end of year list. It's not on mine, but it is worth a watch. The Art of Self-Defense we just mentioned, we watched that back to back with Farewell. Good. I think it's most of us came it. out and preferred it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I love this fucking movie. Yep. It's really just, it's that kind of, I don't think you get films like this that often anymore. We've got mm-hmm. an identifiable actor in a small movie. Two identifiable actors. Doesn't need actors. any more budget. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Pootsie, Pootsie as well. 
Well, and oh, fucking yeah. uh, Alessandro Nivola, who I love, and he's having a bit of a resurgence right mm-hmm. now. And it's really funny. I don't yeah. want to spoil anything about it because honestly, the less you know about this movie, the yes, better. Absolutely. But yeah, it's really funny. It's quite dark. It's got a lot of saying, but isn't a very simple little mm-hmm. tied up. Yep. It's like, it's like reading a small novella that's yep. really good. Yep. It's not trying to change the world or anything. It's just like a really cool. It's wonderful. If you I like, like the I love film, it. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was so good. If you like the film Stranger Than Fiction, you'll eat this up. Yeah. It was very much like that sort of thing. Only, yeah, I don't want to give away stuff. Like a lot. Well, yeah, it's darker, darker. but like yes. it's yeah, in yeah. that po- sort of vein. It runs in there. So I would have put this in my underappreciated as well. But yeah, that's my, it. that's what my underappreciated choices i have i had a long list and this is. is the one i ended up picking yep i i completely Excellent. agree with that this is on this is on my list of unappreciative i'm not sure if it's my most underappreciated film but i loved it i loved it, it so much. doesn't need to be now <laughs> yeah. and then the the biggest film of july probably was once upon a time in hollywood tarantino's ninth film and now he's doing a spin-off series mm-hmm. from it, apparently. Oh, oh really? really? Yeah, he's, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's making... Well, he's actually making Bounty now. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> directing oh. eight episodes. He's making the Cowboy in it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, well, there's too much that could be said. <laughs> we could talk about this really. for a long time. I know. Yeah. Listen, I loved it because I was always going to love it, right? Like, I love Tarantino. I love Hollywood lore. I am so here for a Sharon Tate story and what that is i was familiar with that like as we're watching the film i was like oh this is the day like i know what it is building to but as we've talked personally about before in order to really appreciate this film you have to know that history right and if you are not someone that knows that about this film then like like james i don't we watched it together and he was like i don't understand anything (laughs) because he doesn't know the Sharon Tate, Charles Manson story, right? Me knowing that, I loved it. How did and you feel about them changing the end of it then? I thought it was fun. Like, that was where I was like, great, this is where Tarantino comes to play. I loved everything about, what is her name? Julia Butters. I loved everything about this story of these, like, down and out actors trying to, like, figure out where their way is and that journey. I felt like the story itself was convoluted because I was like, what story are you trying to tell me whenever it comes to the end? Or are we here for Leo and Brad Pitt's story? Or are we here for how the Sharon Tate murders could have been different? Like what could have happened? Because that's ultimately what this film is, is like a what could have happened, you Mm. know, and let's take a spin on that, which I think is just fun. It's not one of my best films of the year. I kind of think of it in the same way that I do like Marvel Endgame to some degree where I was like, okay, I'm into all of these things and it's fun and I think it's a good movie. However, is it like the end all be all of things for me? No, but that's also because Lena Dunham is in it and oh, I hate I forgot her. forgot about it, Shannon, <laughs> and then you much. brought it up. God damn it. I, I had um, wiped it also, from my brain. I know, I know. But then, but Margaret Qualley is in it and she's so fucking good. Well, the only one I'm all about is Uma Thurman's daughter in it. She is amazing. I, uh, I love her. Yeah, yeah I love her. Yeah, yeah. I, I love her too. I have uh, Leo, Leo down as my best actor oh, for this. Man. Yeah, I think he's great yeah, in it. Um, but Brad Pitt, did you I, I see when he took his shirt off? Driver, did, you, so. did you not see that so. part? Yeah. Does he take his shirt off? Brad Pitt. 
Yes, he does. No, I well, know. I'm I love that Brad Pitt is being nominated Leo for all of. <laughs> when you saw Brad Pitt <laughs> no, take his shirt off, I don't. But understand. that's a very valid thing. It's hilarious to me that Brad Pitt is being nominated for all of these things where I feel like I completely agree with you, Tom. I think Leo is the standout sure. actor amongst yeah. the two yeah. in this film. I think pe- I think Brad is just like a culmination of career and people are just happy to see him back with a shirt off. Like, <laughs> I, Brad's, I Brad's did one not tone get it. throughout the entire film, <laughs> which, which is fucking cool. Like, that's what his tone is. I am fucking cool for the Correct. entire film. But Whereas that's Leo been has, like, a lot of up and downs and a lot of different places he has to go to. Like, I think I, I have Brad Pitt on my shortlist for Best Actor, but not for this, oh. for Ad Astra. Which oh. was, hmm. Part of my problem with Brad Pitt's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the fact that he is played off as this character that's super cool and everybody loves him. And there's this idea that everybody thinks is most likely true and the audience is led to believe also that it's true that he killed his wife. And that's just yeah. like laughed yeah. at right. and accepted, and everybody still yeah. loves him. And yeah. I think that that's kind of problematic. Yeah. Um, Allie, she yeah. was like James. really annoying, so it was fine. definitely not yeah. everybody loves him. Well, people, yeah. a lot of people are but angry with him, or I mean, worse with a, him, or scared. Yeah, of him as or, an audience member watching that, that is laughed at in the story. Like it's, uh, it's right. like seen in a flashback, and it's like ah, and then but, you just move on. Like there's no. But didn't you see those 15 seconds? She was really <laughs> she annoying. She was super on the annoying. <laughs> right? Sean was in the same boat as James. He had no idea who Sharon Tate was. So we left the movie and he was like, why was Margot Robbie in that oh, movie? Oh, yeah, I remember she's that. She's not <laughs> even a real character. Like, she's hardly in it. I don't understand why they even cast her other than the fact that, like, it's Margot Robbie. But why was that character necessary? And then hmm. I was talking about this movie with someone else recently. And they were saying one of their big problems, which I hadn't thought about. And I know there's all these articles that Tarantino has got permission from all the families and talked to different people and said, here's how I'm representing this character to like give everyone a heads up and make sure everybody was okay with it. But one of his biggest problems is that Sharon Tate died. And this entire movie, especially towards the end, is leading up to that. Like there's even a countdown mm-hmm. of like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is the big moment. And he didn't even bother to make her a main character. Like the fact that yep. this is based on a real person who was killed, your entire premise is about that, and you don't even make her a main character is really shitty. Mm. And I had not even yeah. thought about that and was like, shit, you're totally right. That's mm. fucked up. There's a huge amount of criticism for this film that Margot Robbie and Sharon Tate as a character is massively underrepresented within the film in her speaking roles, right? Mm -hmm. Like she, her, she has maybe a page of dialogue in this entire film. It is ultimately Leo and Brad's movie, right? Mm -hmm. Which is fine. That's the movie Tarantino clearly wanted to make. But then why does it need to be wrapped up in the Sharon Tate story? You know what I mean? Like this could have been, I understand what he's playing on and all the things, but I completely agree. I feel like uh, Margot Robbie is underutilized and the Sharon Tate storyline is not made clear and also underutilized. However, well, do I still love it? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's be honest. So I've brought up that story, Ali, that you were saying about Sean. Like, because, yeah, we all went to see it together and we came out. And, yeah, Sean was like, why was she in this movie? And, yeah, a whole bunch of you might have heard of Sharon Tate, but you didn't know what the story was. Certainly had no idea the relevance mm-hmm. to this and what the ending was meant to be and all this stuff. And I've used that a lot. Because I was like, that's people in the film industry living in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
if anybody's going to fucking know this story, those are the people. Yeah. And I had to use this, yeah, in arguments I've had with people since then, where they ask me how I feel about it. And, and the more, to be clear, the more I watch it, the more I love it. And I did really like it a lot the first time. Like, I, I really loved it, just what it was. But this is the definition of an indulgent movie. Yes. And this is a hangout movie. And this is Tarantino saying, I don't give a fuck. Like, you fucking catch up to me. I don't care. Like, you are going to play at my speed with my knowledge. And that's incredibly inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Because why not be that way? He can do that. And yeah. I fucking love that. And for me, it works because I know this story. But my argument with people, and they keep misinterpreting me as, as me saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's nowhere near as, as smartly written as he used to write. And the reason for that is because he was always smart about Tarantino. Is he would always play into his nerdisms. But he would do them with pop culture everyone could attach to. What are we talking about? Elvis and True Romance. Madonna at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. The stuff they're talking about in Pulp Fiction. Like, it's stuff everyone understands the relevance of these icons he's talking about. He never got too nerdy. Like, I... Like... The people I hang out with, we could all write something about the rabbit hole of stuff we're into. No one's going to fucking get it in the main, yeah. like in the popular culture. And that's what he's doing here with something that's not even that far down a rabbit hole, but it's enough where he says, I don't care anymore. This is what I'm into. And I'm going to, you know, there are so many scenes in this movie. No, they do not need to be there at all for the story. Mm-hmm. At all, in any way. But if you're just enjoying hanging out, which I absolutely was, it's like, I fucking love this. We get to drive around old LA, which he's done an incredible achievement in in recreating like it's fun it's just feels phenomenal the flavor of this movie and just hang out with these people love it mm-hmm. like it's an absolute joy but yeah i do think there's a big problem with sharon tate even being anywhere near this movie and how they attribute that like uh, and, and how they deal with it and don't give her any proper presence in the film i have no problem with the ending and fucking with it i mean he did inglorious bastards you know it, but if, if anything again that's just kind of yeah it's tarantino like he changes history sometimes and does what ifs and it's a little lazy to be honest but but I love this movie, but I just don't think it's... I don't think he made it for anyone but himself. So I think it's maybe the most expensive self-indulgent movie ever made. Because this movie cost $92 million yeah. to wow. make, and that's before marketing. Wow. So it's like insane. Uh, and I'm just going to go there because I feel like my top two films are going to be covered by this group. So I'm going <laughs> to nominate as, this as a best film for me. Okay. All right. Katie. <laughs> Katie's making yeah. a very angry face. <laughs> yep. Listen, you look at me with that. You, but this movie has all the things that I like. Like, there's this weird... Topless Brad Pitt. We got it. Or fuck, topless Brad Pitt. It's old Hollywood. There's the Sharon Tate, like, Charles Manson story, which I am in, too. You got Leo. You got a little girl acting her fucking ass off. Yeah, why is it? She is I was best hoping you were going to nominate her as best female actor. That's what I was hoping you were about to say. <laughs> Hey, we've got another good dog actor in this one as well. That's true. Uh, but anyway, let's move on, guys. August. Fast and Furious finally gets his first spinoff with Hobbs and Shaw. Finally. Yeah. <gasps> uh, we've all been waiting for extra Fast and Furious films between the regular installments. Here we go. I used to watch all these films. I haven't seen this one, so I can't talk I about it. I started. It's so I'm much fun. Though. I got halfway through it on the plane, and then my plane landed. It was very annoying. I was like, excuse <laughs> it's me. It's so much fun. Trying to watch Hobbs and Shaw I over loved here. I it. It's it is exactly what you want it to be. It is so much fun. Jason Statham, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I mean, you get to the last act of it, and James and I were watching, and we're both like, this is the most absurd thing I've ever <laughs> fucking watched. The like stunts and bullshit they are doing, like pulling 
<laughs> the fir- they link all these cars together in order to pull the helicopter down. And James, they're like, how are these cars just automatically linking? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but I don't care. I accept it because ultimately them pulling this helicopter down is fun and re- goddamn ridiculous and Idris Elba oh my god oh my god he is <laughs> I, ridiculous in this film like just the yes. 20 minutes I saw of him I was like okay calm yes. down I think it, listen it's one of those movies where it serves the purpose it is meant to serve and it does it really well and you know it's not it's not a best picture of the year it's not <laughs> anything other Are you sure I think Adrian f- sure. probably nominated. Let me, just, Adrian. let me just yeah, let me just check Adrian's list that he sent me. Yeah, um. fuck you, Adrian. I'll say it right now. It's not. <laughs> and you get Ryan Reynolds it with if it's the on his list. Dwayne the Rock Johnson chest tattoo. Come on, right? Come on. Yes, but it it is. It's just it's fun. Like great, great, grand, wonderful. I think there is a place in the world for just fun fucking movies, and it's fun. Is that Dwayne Johnson's actual daughter? Do you know? Because she looks just so, like him. I don't know. He's in a movie with her. I can't. It's an older movie. I don't know if it's this one or not. Let As I was it watching it, I maybe was making it up in my head that I was like, oh, I heard that his kid was actually in this with him. But I mm-hmm. could be wrong about I that. I don't know that. I did appreciate that whenever they go uh, to Samoa, those actors that are playing Samoans are actually Samoan, with the yeah. exception of, I believe, the man that is playing his brother because he is a well-known actor that plays many many ethnicities because he's just very ethnically diverse himself Mm -hmm. but i did really appreciate that in this film that they made an effort that the people that are playing samoans are samoan (laughs) yep sorry i just quickly looked in adrian's list and it's not actually it's been ridiculous obviously if we're doubling down on nominations for things then that means we're gonna have clear winners for stuff at the end so i'm just i've been Mm -hmm. racking those up as best as i can Uh, adrian for best horror put down midsummer brackets if this class is as horror mm-hmm. that makes sense so, yes it does uh, no i'm not falling for that fucking oh it's too good to be uh-huh. hot. and then he said if not cruel uh. um, and then he also said florence Pugh for midsummer that's his best female actor nice with a special mention to aquafina for mm. the farewell mm. just so we know just so we know so i've tallied those in good all right let's move on from hobbs and Shaw. we had scary stories to tell in the dark uh kids horror movie that came out we had the peanut butter falcon. I know a lot it was of really, love. really good. It was really good. Also in my short list of underappreciated. Mine too. Nice. We had good boys if we wanted an alternative to book smart, but with small obnoxious no, children. <laughs> it was fun. We had Light of My Life. We actually showed at our festival. I think we opened with that. And we Mr. Casey Affleck went straight to digital oh, pretty yes. much. Uh, yeah. Post-apocalyptic film. He directed it as well. It doesn't really do anything new, but I do think it does it. It's not incredibly, but it's like a really good film. I yeah, um, I liked I it. Again, it's nothing to like write home about, but it also is problematic because Casey Affleck. Right, we had a pretty mm-hmm. extensive conversation about that yeah. after watching it. But yeah, yeah, yep. I think as a movie, the old it's separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think as an actor, he's yeah, good, yeah, but as a person. Yeah. Where'd you go, Bernadette? So okay, disappointing. Yes. The book is amazing. Nightmare. The book is so good. Everybody Maria listening, has just probably, read the book. Has, yeah, please. Like, they just bastardize a beautiful book. They really do. And they tell you everything in the trailer. It makes me so mad. They give away <laughs> the most important so things. Ugh. And I love Kate Blanchett, and I was so mad the whole yeah. time. 
It's just pathetic what they did to that book. That book was um, so good. Like the book is amazing. She was a com- one of the original comedy writers for SNL, and she is so funny, like so fucking funny. All of her books are, and she writes yeah. complex, beautiful, layered women. And then they just are like, oh, you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna like Disneyfy that, and we're gonna like <laughs> just make the daughter this adorable little caricature of a person. Is so it ugh, made me so mad. She's one of the writers of Arrested Development, oh too, isn't she? Yeah. Maria Semple. Yeah. She's so She's good. amazing. Well, don't worry, because we had a sequel to a horror film that was kind of surprising. Got made 47 meters down, <laughs> uncaged. <laughs> came also, out. Why are you just naming movies that made me angry? I mean, watching it, I was like, I, I want to go swim through fun. that little <laughs> set. Can I, I go there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally had disposable, stupid fun with the movie, but no, it's not a great movie. terrible. <laughs> The Nightingale came out, which is one, again, that I'm sad I didn't get to watch before compiling my list. It's from the director of The Babadook, which me and Katie are the only two people in the world who do not like The Babadook. I don't really like The Babadook. Yeah, I think it's massively over. It's going to be my club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. If we weren't friends it's a, it's before, okay. Tom, now we are. But, yeah. yeah, it's okay. But The Nightingale does look really cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't get to see that one yet. And there was one other little film that came out in August, which was also a horror film that I know Tom might want to say one or two words about, <laughs> which is called Ready or Not. I'm going to nominate this. This is my other film of the year. Veto. Oh! oh you're going to want to use a signature select can, on it, Tom? Can I do it? Yeah. What does that mean? That I, it has I mean, you've got two things, which, was, which was basically... What are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah. It means you'll only have one left, but it means then it'll go to a vote from the other well, three no, of us. Like, this, is, this is the film I feel most strongly about. So, yes. Okay. Well, so she's going to use this thing to select, and now you've got to make your case to the three of us for why it should go in. Well, I mean, I, I, I just I don't know about making a case. I just thought it was... I, I, Not a very convincing start. <laughs> well, I came out of this... I went to see this knowing absolutely nothing about it other than it was a horror film was getting good enough reviews, which is, you know, is rare enough. And I came out of the cinema so pumped, so charred. I was in such a good mood. I was totally caught off guard by how funny and original and fresh and interesting and gory and silly and everything about this film it just totally took me off guard it's a horror comedy that's actually funny from the very first scene which is pretty difficult to do but i think it's pretty successful that it doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time it treats the situation with enough kind of seriousness that you kind of believe in the horror of it and the kind of the the danger in it i like the fact that she goes through the absolute ringer in it. She's a really a fun character. And then they, they put her through the absolute ringer with the shotgun through the hand and everything like that. I like that it is ostensibly set in the real world that has supernatural elements. I love the style of it. I love the, the attitude of it, the attitude of her, the attitude of the filmmakers. It's kind of like a dark, cynical humor. And I love the fact, and this is I'm a sucker for this anyway, but it, the fact that it follows through with the premise to the very end, without spoilers, like I'm, I'm a total sucker for that. Like as soon as it did that, I was like, I'm sold. Because if I had a bitch out at the end, I would have maybe wavered on it. But I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think she, as a lead character and lead actress, holds it all together and raises it to a whole other level. And yeah, I thought it was superb. All of that without admitting to your undying love for Samara Weaving. There it is. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> like that is what you're holding it together with. Is Which, that like she's hot? Yeah, because she's which, not... Which we have a friend who's working with her right now. So, so we were... But, uh, look, the, the, I, I honestly... I, but I think the way she behaves in 
the first opening act of the movie. Uh, and I'm talking about the character here, not she's necessarily. She's a cartoon. Is, but she's not though. She I, I really she's didn't, like, I didn't oh, blah, 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 blah. No. like I'm so funny. I'm gonna talk in this voice, but I'm also really sexy, and you want to have sex with me right now, right? Like none of that. And then she's like, oh, blah blah blah, and it's just like she's just this for the whole first act. She's just no, I didn't up get that down. at all. She no, but because she deals with it with the situation with a with a sense of humor that I don't think most other writers would put into that sort of film. The way she handles that first act and deals with the whole game thing. It, it just felt fresh to me. It wasn't just the same old... Because, I mean, it's a fairly standard horror setup. But I think the way their character is written, the way she plays it, put, it made it feel slightly more fresh than usual to me. Mm. I don't know. It just felt very, like, in the Clue universe to me. And it felt... What's, what's the Clue? Like, the what's game the Clue. Clue. Like, the film oh, made after that. the game Clue. And where it's just like, so, oh, we're going to make it sort of old-timey and... I didn't find it fresh. I don't know what I did. Maybe I watched a different mind space of a film but than you did. An important question that will be the decider of my vote. Is there a Tim Curry character in this like Clue? Yes. Who? Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, I just said that. I mean, is a Tim character, Curry character in Clue? Uh, he's oh, never mind. He's, I voted down. I voted down <laughs> based on that response. I voted it's down. It's not like a detective down. film. Tom, it's more me. of like because there's not a who done it element. It's it's a very obviously telling you what's happening. It's like this girl who is married into a family and th- they have to play a game of hide and go seek where if they find her she dies. Like mm-hmm. that's the whole premise of it. So there's not a like, oh, what's happening here? It's like it's spelled out for well, there's you. A whole, that this there's is a happens. whole supernatural. Right. Supernatural but there's this whole idea of, for them, for their family, that if they don't kill her, then their family bloodline will become extinct. Like they will die, basically. So it's either them yeah. or her. Mm-hmm. So it's that element. Al, have right. you seen this movie? I have seen this movie. Shannon, you have not, I take it? I have not. I will say based on the trailers of this film that this was one that I have actually spoken to James about. Then I'm like, oh, this is a horror movie I feel like I might like. It seems fun. You'd be fine. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I think Shannon would enjoy this movie. Um, I don't you. I don't think you'd love it, but I think you would get some enjoyment out of it. There it's is the right definitely kind of one scene of the like right kind of female lead that gore, I think you'd enjoy. But yeah, there's a couple. Of, well, there's one yeah. bit with a hand. That scene with a hand was brutal. But other than that, I was like, Meh. I'm right in the middle between the two of you. I enjoyed this film. I don't love it like Tom does, but I certainly didn't have really any problems with it. I'm more just vetoing because I don't think it deserves best of the year by any means. I don't (laughs) think it deserves best of the year either, but I know how much this movie means to Tom. It it may not deserve best of the year. It deserves best 12 of the year. Fine, but that's not what you voted for. No, but it will end up on a list. You're voting for it. He's voting for it to end on our list. So I'm going to vote for Tom mostly to be honest, because I, you can vote, I know how much it means I don't really care because nothing can take away my love of this movie. <laughs> your love of Samara Weaving <laughs> is what you're telling me. Al, did you, no, no. Did well, Tom, you say I'm giving you're you one vote. Bl- so yes? you've got two more votes. I'm voting for Tom just because I don't hate the movie. I enjoyed it and I know how much it means to Tom. I'm in the same boat. I <laughs> enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fun. I agree that a lot of that stems off of the supernatural element and the end of the movie. I wouldn't put this in my, it's probably, I mean, it's definitely not in my top 10 of the year, but I do think it was a lot of fun. And if someone asked me if they should see it, I would say, yeah. So you also have my yes, Tom. Thank you. Which means Tom, it's on, it's on. 
the best films. I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't need to be unless it's, it you know can stand on its own merit. I mean, really, we you know, everybody can choose now. too. There's room way for to all stir of us the to pot. You can't unstir the pot, Tom. Oh, it's also yeah. sorry. It's also the best horror film as well. I'm so going to stab you. I will come over there and hurt you. <laughs> yeah, I got you down for that. What's going to be funny is I don't think it's going to win best horror, but it's going to be the only horror on the best movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Shannon, out of curiosity, what was your vote going to be? I haven't seen it, so I don't feel like I can comment. No, no, no I said earlier, that doesn't matter. Hearing both pitches, which, oh, then my vote case. would be no, that I don't think it belongs on the best of list. Thank you. I understand. I think it's fun, all the things based on what I know of it. However, I do not think it belongs on the best of list. Agreed. Okay, there you go. So my vote would be no. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> Thank you very much, but it doesn't matter. Already on. Yep. September, we're into autumn at last. It Chapter 2 came out, which was another film that would have been on my most overappreciated films. Of the yeah, year. this should not yeah, I was like thinking that too, but then it wasn't really overappreciated. Yeah, I think we, it depends what bubble you're in. Like in my mm. genre bubble, it really, really was. Really? And I just, I, I really didn't like this movie. I liked the first one quite a lot, but not as much as everybody else. I don't love it. And this one I hoped was going to get better, and it still got a lot worse for me. But yep. I've said everything I think I need to say about this one yeah. on the podcast, so I don't really need to say anything else. No. Didn't see it. Never gonna see it. I did not nope. enjoy Don't it. Don't need scary clowns in my life. Yeah. I did not enjoy not it. Happening. Sean did not enjoy it, which Sean doesn't like horror movies, but we watched the first one together and he enjoyed that. So he actually was the driving force in us going to see this together. And I, I'm in a different circle than you are, Al. So most of my friends that have seen this agree that it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. No, I do think it's a bad movie. Satanic Panic came out, which is also one uh, a lot of people yeah, in, in my circle really enjoyed. I haven't actually seen it. The Goldfinch came out. Shout out to Caroline Day, who's in this movie. <laughs> but I didn't see go. it. I read the book. <laughs> uh, I don't. I didn't see the film. Uh, Hustlers came out. It was really good. Uh, I just watched this recently. Oh, I didn't like it. J-Lo has still got it. I mean, she's gorgeous. Well, she's amazing. She's like, I more am just like a sucker for burlesque strip club stuff like i just watched the awful film called burlesque with Cher and lady gaga that's terrible why would you ever watch that fucking worst film ever (laughs) awful but the burlesque scenes loved them like i watched the whole thing because i was like more burlesque burlesque." well but the movie burlesque has a lot of performing in it and hustlers doesn't you have it at the beginning and then you don't really get it at all it's mostly like following yeah. their stories. You don't like watch like Cardi B's in it just to get Cardi B's name on the roster. She's in it I for know. like five seconds and she's like, well, here, do this. And then she never comes but, back. But she's Hold also well bill, known <laughs> as being a high end stripper. Right. Yeah. So right. She actually it is in and of this world. And she was actually a consultant on the film. Right. For their stripping stuff. But I think they didn't utilize her as much in the movie as they could have. And I wish there was no. more performance. No. I would have liked to see them performing more because I think that's the most fun yeah. part of this movie. Yeah. I think this falls into uh, a category of films that is new for me, which I'm going to say these are films made for Instagram to some oh, yeah. degree. Uh, in the sense that you are pandering, your celebrity pandering. You've got, you know, JLo, Cardi B, Lizzo in these like bit parts, right? You even have Usher. Not, yeah. Like, and Usher. All that, which is all like fine and good. And th- that makes it fun. I really enjoyed the film. That Dancing with J-Lo is fucking amazing. <laughs> she is incredible. However, her throughout the entirety of the film, her acting is what I like. It is J-Lo's acting, which is like, yeah. where's my light? I am beautiful yeah. in every single fucking thing. Yeah. And 
I hate that so much as she both elevated the film and destroyed the film for me for that reason. But what I found the most interesting about this film was I thought the director made some really interesting choices. I love the scene where they're in that dream sequence and the sound cuts out and the car is like going downhill and she can't stop it. I thought Constance Wu was okay. I liked her better as like the present version of herself as we're going past. And the big problem for me was that I didn't feel like the relationship between Constant Wu's character and J Lo's character was really fleshed out enough. And that their big conclusion and the resolution to it was boring. Yeah. I have this in and my most overappreciated, which again I think this comes down to my friend group. I have a lot of people who have this on like their best end of year lists. And I left being like, and eh, that really wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. And the more I heard people talk about how amazing it was, the more it made me like hammer home why I didn't like it, which just like, I hate that that happens because then it makes you end up hating a movie more than you left initially hating it. Mm-hmm. But when it's getting all this love, it, it makes you feel more passionate about the things you didn't like. But yeah. I didn't like, I, I mean, I don't think Constance Wu is a great actress. So I agree with you there. But I didn't like the part where the director chose to cut the sound out because she cuts it out at the time when the reporter stops the tape recorder. But we were never listening mm-hmm. to the sound from the tape recorder to begin with. We hear them talking mm-hmm. before the reporter even like comes in and sets down the tape recorder and starts recording. So we're never led to believe that that's what we're hearing is like the voiceover from the, the story reporter. that she's telling you is what is on the record. Right, but it's what you're learning. It's weird so that when they, she like, knocks choose out the to sound, time it that way, as if that's the sound we've been hearing the whole time, is her story from this tape. It's not like distorted and any or like it doesn't have like right type of fuzz. Mm-hmm. So it was like a moment that like several people in our theater were like, "That was so weird." When like the theater speakers cut out and they thought it was a mistake, mm-hmm. and I think it was like a weird timing choice. Plus, I also yeah. just struggled with the morality of it all as well, because there's a point that Julia Stiles says, like, I don't want you to think that I don't think what you did to those men was wrong. She's like, I, I agree that they deserved it. And I was like, uh, no, it doesn't <laughs> matter how fucking shitty someone is to you at your job. Like, you don't get to go and then drug them yeah. and steal 50 grand off of them just because you decided that how they made that money isn't moral. So it's then okay for you to do something Robin Hood immoral. to come and take it and go buy fucking Milano Blonics with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, that's not, that was, I, I like didn't agree with them for anything they were doing. I was like, you guys are awful, awful fucking people. Yeah. And then you just like, oh, because now we, it's Christmas and we're all family. I'm like, you're a family of assholes. <laughs> like that's, you're being terrible people. Mm-hmm. So it was I, a struggle. I agree. I agree with all of that. I think the most interesting part of it, like I said, was some of the directorial choices. I feel like this, to me, was an Instagram film, like I said, that it's meant to be flashy. It's meant to like, we're banking on J-Lo. We're banking on these cameos and all that sort of stuff. But yet there was some, like, whether you liked them or not, interesting creative choices that were made. And so I'm interested to see what this director does next. The film itself. I found fun. I covered James's eyes during the J-Lo scene for uh, appropriate reasons because he does not need to compare me to that because <laughs> <laughs> I will lose <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> so, ridiculous, uh, Shannon. A hundred percent. We were in the theater and I looked over and I was just like, maybe we should not have come to see this film. 
You're weird. You're a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. Pretty sure like, yeah. that James is not with you because he thinks in his mind that you resemble Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You get, to watch, you get to watch Brad Pitt with yeah. his fucking top no, on. Is he, no, is he meant say- to expect that that's I- how he's meant to look when he's in his 50s? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. All I, Like, that scene is fucking amazing, and she looks incredible. And I was like, don't enjoy this too much, James Haggie. <laughs> what I will say is it totally was like, maybe you I want to go take some like, needs, stripper Shannon. workout classes. Like, yeah. maybe I want to go do that. Yeah. That'd be fun. That would be yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I found. All right, no one's nominating this for anything, no. yeah, other than most yes. overappreciated. Yep. <laughs> Which I will say is valid because this is very beloved. Um, yes. and people love this movie. So. Yep. All right, we had a film called Munus, which also came out. It looked very beautiful. I still haven't seen it. Which is most colloquially called Monos by us heathens, apparently, because I kept practicing the word as I was saying it in the film, so I'd try and say it right on this podcast. I saw this today. And I've been trying to see this for a long, 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 long time. And then I left my fucking Blu-ray somewhere else. And then I had to search it out in London and cram it in before I did this podcast. Because I thought this might be a contender for my best film of the year from the trailer. That's how like cool it looked. Tom, now you've seen it. How did you feel? I thought it was really good. I think the main, my main takeaway from it is how good it is at establishing a sense of place. Like the movie's split into two distinct parts and two distinct locations that are very different from each other. And it's so successful at conveying that sense of place and everything that it represents. So the, the, the start, the coldness, the bleakness, it's they're in the wilds in the middle of nowhere. And then the flip side of it, you've got this real sweaty, intense, muggy jungle at the end. And I think the, the way that sort of played into the character mindsets was really interesting and how they frayed and got more and more pulled apart as the movie went on. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So this is a Colombian Argentinian movie that's set in a kind of they don't really get into place yeah, then, too much yeah. in this. It's kind of almost it's very otherworldly. It's kind of wonderful because it feels incredibly present as okay, this is a very, you know, an accurate war movie in a way, but about waiting. But then it also feels like it could take place on a different planet mm. at the same time. It's really cool. I mean, uh, on IMDb here, the summary is on a remote mountaintop, eight kids with guns watch over a hostage and a conscripted milk cow, <laughs> yeah. which is literally yeah, like that's what it is. Yeah. And they're all sort of young teenagers and it's been compared a lot to Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And for the second half, for sure, I get that. And it's sort of descent into madness a little bit. It's incredibly evocative. Yeah. Like Tom says, incredible place and flavor to it. It's the soundtrack is sparse, but when it comes in, it's like very arresting. All the performances are phenomenal. There's bits towards the end where it's like, I don't know how they shot this because they just fucking did it. Like, there's things where they put people in situations, which I don't want to spoil, but I'm like, there's, there's no CGI here and there's no trickery and you just did this. And it's like, that's fucked up. But I guess maybe you're in a country with no laws and <laughs> certainly no unions for the actors. But even though these kids are like 15 years old, it's really weird. Definitely a film that people need to see. It's not my not my favorite film of the year, but it would be, yeah, it'll be in my top top 10 probably um it's a very uh, very unique and very powerful movie um a little bit long i think about five five or ten minutes could have been trimmed down maybe but it's um but it also like yeah what i really love about it the most actually i think is you never really know who you're following and it keeps very organically moving protagonist until you kind of settle and realize oh actually i think this is who i'm kind of backing and it does it very subtly yeah it's fucking cool one Cut of the Dead finally came out. This is a yes, film that's been so trawling good. around for ages on the festival circuit. Again, the least you know about it, if you haven't seen this, the less sorry, the less you know about it, the better. Best horror nominee. 
best Shannon's best horror nominee. Agreed. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's won a lot of awards now. Do not if you start watching it, don't stop watching yep. it. Basically, yep. <laughs> does that Stick happen often? With it, the payoff is. Oh so yeah, yeah. No, good. quite a lot of people. Quite a, quite a lot of people stop. It is not what you think it yeah. is. Yep. So just keep going. And then keep going and then keep going because it will defy many of your expectations and it is incredibly smart and very funny and just a real achievement, like a real achievement. Yeah. Check out that one. Best Horror nominee. This is also like, in my personal, one of my favorite films of the year, 100%. I I fucking love it. Agreed. Then we've got, all right, let's tidy away some of these other ones before we get, we've got Downton Abbey came out in the movie. Oh. No one was talking about that. Go ahead. Cool. But we'll also, I feel like the collective sigh is a review of it. <laughs> That's not. Rambo Last Blood came out. Uh, <sighs> it's collective sighs now, all right. Yep. And then two films that we will talk about. One is Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is my nomination for Best Horror of the Year. I mean, if you're going full-out horror, then yes, Cruel would be my nomination. But if we're going you know, for not just full-out... This is set in Mexico City. There's a story about a bunch of kids who are... It's on Shudder, by the way. You can watch it there. And I don't know if you can watch it anywhere else at the moment. I think just on Shudder. Uh, yeah, and these these kids are basically part of like the drug cartels are kidnapping their families, kidnapping their siblings and their parents, taking them away and selling them and abusing them and killing them and doing terrible things. And it's about, yeah, these kids who are trying to survive on the streets. And there's a lot of surreal imagery. There's a lot of very cool use of CGI to do some great stuff where you get into the heads of these kids. It is shocking. It is genuinely spooky in ways I didn't expect it to be. It takes risks that you wouldn't expect. It's been heralded by a lot of people as like this director's, this female director's debut, and it's certainly not. It's her fifth film, I think. And she's now signed up to make a werewolf movie with Guillermo del Toro, which is, uh, it's, makes Sounds perfect amazing. sense. But this is a fucking cool movie, and people should absolutely check it out. It's, it's, I, I, uh, again, some people really lost their mind over this, and I get why. I don't think it's quite that good, but it's definitely one that people should watch because it's very sincere, very heartfelt, and very sad, um, but also genuinely quite spooky and, yeah, imaginative. It's, also, it's very short as well. It's like one hour, 20 minutes or something. And, yeah, last one for September is a movie that Tom is going to want to nominate, apparently, uh, for something, Ad Astra. I just thought I had Brad Pitt. Well, no, I, I nominated Leo, but this was on my short list, Brad Pitt's, and mm-hmm. this was my other my short list for Best Actor. Okay. I just like how sort of understated it is. I mean, I, just, I think I just watched this in the right headspace at the right time to watch a two-hour movie of sad Brad Pitt traveling across <laughs> the solar system, being moody and not really saying a lot. And I just mm-hmm. kind of like the ice. I just I like the tone of it. I like the isolation of it, and the kind of underlying melancholy of it. Just I just thought it was really cool. And he doesn't really, yeah, he just kind of looks moody throughout the whole film, but you know, manages to act at the same time. So I love I love all that stuff, and I really really hated this movie. Yeah, see, but, um, I, I know, like no, unfortunately, is not, there no. anti gravity mm. penis? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Then that's called an erection. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but if it's in non-gravity, then it's just like always erect. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, to be clear, this is on a lot of people's list. I'm, I'm definitely in the vast minority. This is a time of the year where I felt like, oh, I'm disconnected from everything in the world because Midsummer had come out and I didn't understand. It, it Chapter 2 had come out and in my bracket, at least people were loving it and I didn't understand. And then I had it with this film as well. And I was like, what has happened to me? Like, I can't connect to any of these movies. And this movie, I really like. I love the idea of this. This is exactly my type of thing, like left field, sort of contemplative yeah. science fiction. 
I fucking hated this film. Oh. I thought it was like I thought I hated the voiceover. I thought it was like sixth grader mm. philosophy bullshit. It just like made me roll my eyes constantly. <laughs> I just didn't think the writing or direction was good enough. And then they just shoehorn in these action sequences that just didn't fit in the film. I know, but the monkey scene was pretty cool. Though. I thought that was so weird <laughs> when that happened. I was like, what the what That's like bizarre. the. I'm kind of in between both of you. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was pretty to look at. The like main bits of the movie that I didn't like were like the moon chase sequence, the monkey sequence. It just yeah. felt like things weren't yeah. happening and then they would stop. And it had nothing to actually really do with the story. The characters were never really in that much danger. Like I never feared, actually feared for them. It was like they would come across mm. an obstacle, get past it in a couple minutes and then just like move on. And it never like came mm-hmm. back. But Sean's biggest uh, issue with this movie is very funny. And for some background on Sean, he has a PhD in planetary science. So when we left that movie, he was like, I don't understand why they had Brad Pitt wait in the room to hear back from his dad. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, it would take hours for that to even get there, let alone travel all the way back. Why wouldn't they be like, go sleep, and then tomorrow we'll let you know if we've heard something. And I was like, these are things that I don't know. So great question. Maybe you should have been a consultant on the movie. (laughs) For me, it was one of those movies where it's like, this is why Terrence Malick should make Terrence Malick films, Mm -hmm. and other people should not pretend to be him, basically. Okay. Yeah, we're in October with a film that I really have no energy to talk about called Joker. It's the first <laughs> one on our list. I've already done a big podcast with this the first time I saw it at TIFF where I have a great conversation with Mary uh, Mary Beth about... Mary Beth McAndrews about uh, her... She was one of the first people at TIFF who wrote something about it which was really talking about what a terrible toxic movie it was. And I disagreed with her but didn't like certain things about it for a very different reason. So we had a... And she got a lot of death threats online because obviously there were a lot of stupid people online and they were not very nice that's a valid reason that threatens someone to end their life is over a fucking movie well done humanity (laughs) well actually well uh, sorry i maybe shouldn't have said death threats i don't know if she actually got any actual death threats, but she got things that made were very very aggressive and were not pleasant so i apologize for that i'll take that one back but yeah so we tried to do a podcast where we're like yeah we have different opinions on this movie but we can talk about it and not have to be mean to each other I've since seen it like three times and I just saw it recently with my mom who really fucking loved it. And I have a lot of a lot of problems with this movie and a lot of things I love. And it's definitely the film this year that has mystified me the most where I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this because I'll try and sum it up into like four sentences for me. I love the acting. I love the intention. I love the score of this movie, like those things. And this is everything that I would normally want from a comic book movie. But I am not convinced in any way whatsoever that the writer and director are smart enough to understand the stuff they're dealing with when they're talking about mental illness through a character like this. And as much as the more I watch it, I can let them get away with that. There's one simple thing in this that for me tells me everything about them, which they have a terrible, terrible relationship with him stalking a woman who then finds that romantically cute and wants to date him and fuck him. And then obviously they subvert that later and the problem is they subvert that with this scene that is Fight Club where you go back and you see all these scenes. And go, oh, she was never there. It was in his head, which is cinematic language to tell us this is a twist. We thought we had you fooled. Mm. And if you for a fucking second think <laughs> that I found it satisfactorily okay to accept that relationship to the point where you thought all you had us fooled, then you're terrible people. <laughs> terrible fucking people that you thought that was an acceptable relationship to give on screen. 
Uh, everything else about this movie I can forgive and I can understand the accolades for. But that is enough for me to know these these people don't know what they're trying to do. Which scares me. I would like to nominate the Oscar the Grouch version of this from SNL. If anyone has seen that, it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. it deserves recognition. <laughs> I double Shannon's nomination for the score though, which is actually by a female composer, which is quite rare for films of this stature. And it's a fucking phenomenal score. This is my nomination for most overappreciated movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. All right. Well, everyone loved it. Let's move on. <laughs> No, but this is no, but this is the thing is I kind of do love it, but I just have huge problems with it. It's a very difficult film. Like this is the last time I watched it with my mom. I said I finally figured out what I think about this movie, which is that I think this is the best impression of a great movie I've ever seen. They just wanted to do what they thought was cool, like, and I accidentally touched on things that are incredibly important to talk about, like mental illness and how they're going to do that, and then did it with an iconic character that people already kind of worship and want to dress up as, and it makes a lot of tricky situations, and then now making a sequel to it. And all these things in this film, which they could get away with right now, because like, did he kill that girl? We don't know because we don't see that again. Like, what does the ending really mean? I, are we really saying that the only way, male or not, doesn't matter? I don't think people are putting too much on these white male. It's Joker, but male or not, is mental illness only overcome when you stop taking your medicine and then you start doing giving into your mental illness, and then the world's going to pay attention to you and worship you, which is what this movie is telling us. Like, there's so much stuff it's discussing. And now that they're making a sequel, guess what? We're going to fucking find out because they have to answer those questions. Well, and what they're also saying is that the only way to progress when you're up against a wall is through violence. Yeah, not completely. We had Gemini, ma'am. Ang Lee, apparently not relevant anymore. I didn't see it. It was on as a choice on the airplane. I did not choose it. Yeah, I wouldn't. (laughs) Not interested. I've heard some people like... I'll be honest, the effects really look jarring as fuck to me. The whole face mapping thing, I did not like it. Zombieland Double Tap. I haven't seen it, Tom has. I saw it. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. On yeah, the like- airplane. <laughs> I watched a lot on airplanes this year. I mean, it's just more of the same. It's just, it's just Zombieland continued. I mean, yeah. if you like the first one and you like this one, it's all the same characters doing all the same character things, more yeah. or less. Just with Elvis. Yeah. But yeah. it has Allie's boyfriend in it. Which one? Not your actual boyfriend. Your curly haired oh, nerdy one. Do you like, yeah, he's in it. Yeah, he's precious. <laughs> he's precious. <laughs> he was in Godzilla King of the Monsters as well. Jojo Rabbit came out. Taika Waititi's yeah! much loved movie. This um, is amazing. It's caused a real storm. This is my film of the year. This is my film Boom. of the year too. <laughs> Mine. I no, you can it. have it. I just mean like in my list, my top 10 films, this is my number one. But you can have it for your nomination. This is my number one too. Thank you. I like how you turned a negative into a positive there. Well done. Alex. Like you can have that. So well, I've no, still got I, I'm happy to take it. If there's more that you would like to nominate, it just makes me happy that it. more people no. love this film. I mean, there are Tom's others. the only person to use both of his nominations so far. Well, there are others it. that I liked, but I this one I just was like, I love that movie so much. I so. immediately wanted to turn around and walk back in and watch it again. Such an amazing balance of being very serious, very funny, very charming, very dark, and very moving. Yeah. I will say, like, when I'm watching it, it was such a struggle because he creates really good worlds, but at the same time, I was like, this almost feels like you're trying to be Wes Anderson. And so that was my only criticism of it, really, as I was watching it, is I was like, this kind of feels like you had a story to tell and Wes Anderson had started building a set 
and you were like, I'm just going to borrow your set for a day while I shoot my movie in it that happened. And like, but he wasn't. So that was my only thing is I was like, he was almost like stepping out of what he really does best for me. But it was like so close still to what I love about him that I was still able to be like, no, I really still love it. So it wasn't it didn't quite fall off the cliff for me. But I would say I got a little scared that how close he was getting to it. So I was like, just stick with you. Because he was he's so good at just like personality. And he toes this line of like, dark and funny and heartfelt. And yeah, so it was great. Yeah, that that was my thing with it. As usual, I'm going to be the fucking downer. Well, I really loved it. I thought it was a wonderful, lovely movie with wonderful performances. And I love Taika Waititi and I love the kid in this. And like, I thought it was everything that it was. It was just, I, yeah, I mean, Katie took me to see it and I, and I, I came out and I was like, it's kind of weird because it's like, this is a lovely movie. I didn't learn anything from it personally. Like I didn't like really take anything personal away from it that made me think about anything in my life differently. And for me, for it to be the movie that, every, that everyone else seems to be seeing with it. Yeah, I, I, I was just like, if Wes Anderson had made that movie, then I would probably love it because there would be this extra level of what I want from how it's directed that would have made it really special for me. And instead it was like, yeah, that was a lovely like, like I think, I, and I think he's incredibly smart because he yeah wraps up in things that he wants to talk about in joyous and entertaining moments, which is incredibly hard to do. So I admire the hell out of it. It just didn't really affect me, if you know what I mean. Like it didn't. I, it, I didn't come away from that with anything that I didn't go into it with. Basically, was all. I laughed so much during this. I loved it. I did so too. When I say effect, I don't mean like I laughed. I and, laughed I know. and I cried yeah. No, I don't mean I wasn't affected out. like that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't mean I wasn't affected like that. Like I felt like I, I felt know. things while I was watching it. I just didn't leave with any feeling changed in, like, any, in any way. Well, no. I mean, it's like, yeah, I know Nazis are bad. I get it. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. There wasn't much. Like it's like I don't know what you want me to think now. Like different, but but it was a lovely movie. The Lighthouse came out. I still haven't seen it. Get to see this. It was yet. one I was really eager to see. That was one Ali most yeah. wanted to see. I know. I thought it was an immaculately beautiful film. I think the performances, yeah, are very, very good. I, I felt nothing in this movie. Like, I didn't connect with the characters because it's essentially just, yeah, two people going mad. And they do. And <laughs> I guess you kind of feel a little bit like mad by the end of it. But the imagery is awesome. But it's like, I don't really care about either of them. But it's definitely, definitely worth checking out. Like, it's a very unique, very beautiful movie. But yeah, I didn't, again, connect to it. Did you like The Witch? No, I really don't no. like The Witch. The Gallows Act 2 came out, which, by the way, no one seems to notice, but these movies are, like, in the biggest returns of, of the last, like, 10 years. These The Gallows movies make right. tons of money. There's a film called Harpoon that came out, which I can't talk too much about because I'm actually quite close friends with the director of this, who's Rob Grant, but it's got quite a lot of accolades, and people should check it out. It's a very simple, sort of humorous take on a Hitchcockian sort of thriller horror. Mm. Pain and Glory came out, the new Pedro Motivar film. Yeah, I just saw this the other day. You guys saw it a while ago, didn't you? Yeah. I think Antonio Banderas is beautiful. And <laughs> it was a little bit slow for me. But I don't want to oversimplify it. It has been a really long time since I've seen it. I just remember it being a very kind of sleepy film. But okay. a beautiful one. Allie, do you see this? I did I not. Katie... We hung out, you, me, and Sean, and you were saying you had just seen it and you thought it was very beautiful right. and recommended we see it. Sean ended up seeing it when I was at work one day, so he has seen it and he did really enjoy it, but I still have not. 
I really like this kind of movie when it's, you know, an older person, particularly who's been in a creative world, telling their stories about a creative world. And it's obviously very personal and a lot of it's autobiographical to his life. And I think Antonio Banderas is great in it. I really, really liked it a lot. It wasn't quite, it didn't quite get to that. This is the masterpiece. Like I think a lot of people think it is for me, but it was a very lovely movie. And then there was a film called Sweetheart, which a lot of the genre world liked. Katie did not like I it. hated <laughs> <wasn't> it. Grumpy. <laughs> Uh, this Fucking is a movie ridiculous. I don't really say too much but about a shipwreck um, it's like what Shannon was talking about with J-Lo where she's always trying to find her light and look pretty you're not meant to look pretty in this film and this girl has lip gloss on and she's supposed to be <laughs> freaking Tom Hanks in Castaway, and she has fucking lip gloss on the entire time. And every time she needs a wardrobe change, a suitcase just happens to appear on the beach. <laughs> it all fits her perfectly. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Especially because the monster is really cool. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? It made me so mad. <laughs> so mad. I agree with those things. I thought the film was fine. I quite liked it. <laughs> I actually really liked it at the beginning. The opening of it, I was like, oh, I really love this movie. And then it went more and more downhill for me. All right, guys. We're nearly there. Two more Are we? months. Are go. we nearly there? <laughs> we had Terminator Dark Fate, which me and Tom actually went to see. Mm-hmm. Aww. I think, yeah, you liked it more than me. I came out of it going... Did I like it more than you? I don't know if that's an accurate. <laughs> you uh, definitely did when we came out because I was like, I did not really. Again, I didn't hate it. It was just now the film was like, oh, it's fine, but that's disappointing for a Terminator movie. Yeah. I, I think what, what I actually because people were really loving it and then people were really hating it. And I was saying, I thought it was directed much better, but I thought the story was absolutely no better than Genesis, which was a piece of trash. Yeah. Like the general story was really bad. It just was performed better and shot better. I think it was the best one since T2, but then that's not really saying a lot, to be honest. I, I kind of like yeah. comedy Schwarzenegger in it, despite myself. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. It was all right. What else we had? We had, well, we'll skip that one. We'll get that one to that one at the end. <laughs> we had Marriage Story, which went to the places. More driving. More yeah, driving. I saw, yeah, I saw this when I was at TIFF on my own in a really beautiful cinema. And I had to go to the bathroom afterwards and and have a bit of a moment to (laughs) figure out how to continue with my life because it really affected me. And then, yeah, I recommended it to loads of people. And then I had a bunch of people come back to me and go, and I did a podcast on it recently, so I won't get into all my thoughts. But I had someone, like a bunch of them just be like, yeah, like I liked it, but it didn't do anything for me. And they were saying they preferred Blue Valentine and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, but what I like about marriage stories is that it's not overly dramatic. Mm -hmm. It's not all the tempestuous young 20-somethings. It is people trying to be decent to each other. And that's not always working. And I really love that about it so damn much. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be laugh yeah. out loud funny. That was really took me by surprise. Yeah. The only, my, my bad my bad thing about this is I want to, <laughs> one of the worst scores of the year. Randy Newman. I quite, I so quite like this one. Randy Newman. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Randy Newman, so Randy Newman in it. It really annoys me. It's like we have the Toy Story theme over the top of <laughs> it. Beautiful. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Kept it nice and light. I'm standing by what I've said since I finished watching it, which... Adam Driver, you dodged a bullet. Your kid was shitty, and you should have just stayed in New York. Like you should have been like, sure, fucking take him. Bye. Sean and I both really, really enjoyed this, and we both want to go back and rewatch it, which we haven't done in full. But we have gone back to rewatch each of our favorite scenes. Which my favorite scene is Adam Driver singing, and his favorite scene is their fight in the apartment. Which I actually I. Don't think Scarlett Johansson is super great in that scene, which we've been Sean for some reason. Sean and I have been talking about like little mannerisms a lot in acting, and I think 
Adam Driver's amazing at that in this whole movie. And mm. if you go back and rewatch the fighting scene, Scarlett Johansson does the same thing over and over, which this is very well probably what people do in real life. But she's just the whole time using her hand and like putting it on beat with the words that she's mm-hmm. saying, pointing at him, whereas he like has a whole range of things that he does, whether it's in the singing scene, he's like messing with his pants, messing with his hair, tucking his shirt back in. And he's just like, he's much more physical and he'll like walk around the apartment and like touch different things in the room. Whereas she's just like, I am angry. So I'm yelling at you and I'm directing it to you with my hand. <laughs> but I do think yeah. it's, it's a very good movie. And I understand why it's probably, I have some friends who love it and some friends who are like, I don't get it. It's really boring, which I think it's just not everybody's mm. taste, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it depends where you are in your life. Yeah. But yeah, I'm nominating him for best actor of the year for this role. Um, because somebody has. <laughs> and he's wonderful. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. What other films do we have? We had Doctor Sleep, yeah. which luckily I don't I don't know if anyone here is going to argue too much. I think people will like it more than me. But again, in my genre world online, I had to leave Twitter for a bit because people fucking love this movie so much. So much. And I had real, real problems with this. Just to be clear, like Flanagan, I think, is a, is a director who... I'm not going to be a dick about it, but as a genre fan, I think all of us genre fans were really into him, you know, many, many years ago. And we're like, why is he not doing bigger things and have more opportunities? And then suddenly he was. And, he, and Horning on Hill House, ex, you know, exploded him. And that was such a huge hit that then, yeah, now he's getting to do all this stuff. And I'm really happy about it because from what I've heard, he's a very lovely guy. And I do think he's got talent. I don't think he's as talented as everyone says he is. Like, I think now it's gone too far the other way, if you know what I mean, with how much praise he's getting. And Dr. Sleep, I had real, just real problems with. I was like, I think it's a decent X-Men movie with terrible villains. I think it's a terrible Shining movie. I didn't realize he directed this one. Yeah, Hmm. he did. He did. I love you, McGregor. I like Mike Flanagan. When I saw this trailer, I was like, I don't really want to see that. This is what happens when you let Stephen King near his own books and movies that are representing his books. I don't know if he had anything to do with this or not. He definitely know. had input. Like This reeks of know. him. <laughs> I like it. Where it's like, every time you watch something that he's touched, you're like, this is obviously a Stephen King. And that's why he hates the original Shining so much. It's because he didn't get a mess with it. Yeah, which I get, but it's just like then don't you know? I get if you want to do something from the book and not from the original Shining, then don't try to do anything from the original Shining. But the stuff they get to do here, even with like the Jack Nicholson stand-ins and stuff, it's like don't even sound remotely or look remotely. It's like then do someone cast someone completely different. Yeah, like don't. Uh, I don't know really so much about this film bothers me. But anyway, Honey Boy came out, which yeah, I saw. I thought it was a very lovely movie. It was a great drama based on Shia LaBeouf's childhood, where he plays his father in it, which is kind of weird. He's fantastic. I mean, he's another one who should be nominated for Best Actor, mm. really. He's brilliant in this. And the kid is fantastic as well. I mean, this affected me more than Jojo Rabbit, to be honest. But it wasn't one of my very favorites of the year. But. I've been wanting to see this for a really long time and still haven't gotten around to it. But it's I remember like seeing the first trailer and being super, super excited for it. I know. You're making this face. I keep like two <laughs> of the movies that I've been most excited for this year. I still haven't seen or last year. The lighthouse. And- no, no, no. What I was gonna say is, what I was gonna say was, what's weird about Honey Boy is the trailer. Most of the trailer is from the first five minutes of the film, and it makes you think this film is gonna be really weird and surreal. It is not. It's a very pure drama. I mostly movie. mean just based um, on because I, I, 
I've seen Shia LaBeouf in a lot of interviews. And once I saw that he was coming out with something, I did a lot of research and watched him in interviews. And those are the things that made me excited to see this. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw him, the, the, the film, the director was there and she was telling like some stuff about it. And it is pretty like it's pretty crazy how they had to get him to that place to play his father and the story of how yeah, the song got made. where he wrote it and all that. Yeah. Dark Waters came out. I didn't see it, but some people would love it. It's that Mark Ruffalo one. Ford versus Ferrari, or if you're in England, Le Mans 66. A better yeah. title, yeah. you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Charlie's Angels got the <laughs> reboot we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. No. Nothing? No, that's on. it. The Report came out, also starring Adam Driver, which I think it's not a great film, but I think it's a fantastic story, and he gives a fantastic performance in it. So of course personally, he does. it's one of those films where it's just like every American, I mean, other people should as well, but every American should see it because they need to know that story. And not just for that normal thing of like, you need to be ashamed. Yeah, you do. But you also <laughs> need to be proud because there's some really like wonderful moments that happen in the Senate with people that I didn't know really stood up and tried to vote for this thing, which I think is great. And people didn't know that story. It's a shame. It's not written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by David Fincher because <laughs> this could have been a masterpiece, I think. But there's still a great story and a great, great actor. It's hard to make a movie out of a, a boring report. Like it's, it's I disagree <laughs> completely. Completely. I mean, it's I just like it, it, a I few got, presidents, men, the, uh, social network. I just want like, that to be the first make... sentence of your film critique. So. But that, it's but hard to make a movie not... about a boring report. But it, I, I came, I came out away from the movie going like, I kind of just, I could have just, just read the report instead. I don't really feel like it was a, a worthwhile film. <laughs> but I love that shit. But I watch loads of those things, like about just, I love just reporter movies. Frozen Two <laughs> came out. Anybody? No. Nobody. No. This is. I mean, luckily, it didn't seem to spur a song that I yeah. had to fucking listen That's to. That's what it I is. Went, kind so of weird nice. about this movie, which I've been a lot of people that i work with have kids and they have all been talking about how their kids don't listen to the soundtrack the way they listened to the first one which is interesting but it's, it's because they're fickle kids so they're like six years older yeah, now I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. so for unfortunately this is apparently the only animated movie i saw that came out in 2019 so I have nothing what? else to nominate for that category. <laughs> what? And I wrote down. And for the love of God, nominate I wrote nothing. Down, Can I vote for Fantastic Mr. Fox instead? Because I saw that for the first time last year. <laughs> yeah, you watched it with me. I did. It was great. So that's you my nomination just because. What did you say? Pokemon? You didn't see Pokemon? Oh, I guess I did see that. It's not out. It's live there's action life. in there, though. It's, it's a live action movie with animated characters. Otherwise, madness yeah. ensues. <laughs> Endgame is an animated right. movie. Well, I would rather her nominate Pokemon than Frozen 2. <laughs> well, she's nominated the Fantastic Yes, Mr. my choice is okay. Fantastic <laughs> Mr. Fox. Allowed. Sean told I me I wouldn't it. be allowed to vote for that, but everybody, Sean just walked back in for the listeners who can't see him. I'm just going to let you know everyone agrees with me and they're letting me vote for Fantastic Mr. Fox. (laughs) (laughs) It's him. Atlantics came out, which I know a lot of people love. I haven't been able to see that one. What was it? Atlantics, anybody? No, Atlantics. Nope. I've never even heard of this. It's going to be great. (laughs) In a popular suburb of Dakar, workers on the construction site of a futuristic tower without pay for months decide to leave the country by the ocean for a better future. Um, It's going to be great. Anyway, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood came out. For you Americans, mm-hmm. means nothing to anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the movie just because I loved the documentary, and I was like, I don't need the movie now. Yeah. Then we had Knives Out. It was fun. Which I'm going to immediately get a nomination here <laughs> from Adrian. Ooh. Oh, 
for most oh, overrated. Yeah, well. <laughs> is it overrated? Brackets. Brackets. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> is what he said. I like liked aspects of it. I think it's a little too long for me. There were parts that dragged. Yeah. But it was fun. It was an enjoyable movie. I thought it was fun. I mean, it's good for Daniel Craig's accent. I mean, alone. That is reason <laughs> yeah. alone to watch that movie. I thought. Yeah. Well, it was an enjoyable The highlight movie. is Chris Evans, like, mouthing the word wow in his eye roll as he does that, which is in the trailer. That's the best part. <laughs> Chris Evans, he's having yeah. a ball. He's <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. He's like, and his sweater. He's his like, finally. <laughs> I don't have to carry around any. I don't have to work on a green screen. <laughs> I can... He's like, you're you're yeah. all really here. Yeah. Are you real? <laughs> um, Parasite came out, which in the UK we're not getting to the beginning of February. I have seen it. Tom, have you haven't seen no, this I haven't yet? Seen have it, no, unfortunately. Okay. No. Let's everyone be very careful with spoilers for this one because it's not out in a lot of the world yet. Uh, obviously, hugely acclaimed, Oscar nominated now, and quite legendary Oscar nominated. I tell you what, this is my bone of contention: is they've accidentally done such a big middle finger because this is nominated as best foreign language film, but it's also nominated as best film. Which is essentially saying that for decades now, the Oscars have been saying, oh, yeah, we were counting foreign language films, but none of you were good enough. Right. <laughs> Which is the biggest fuck you. It's a really good movie. This director, really I'm just happy this director's getting known now. It's great because this director has been fantastic since the beginning. Memories of Murder is a phenomenal film. And yeah, it's just nice that people are noticing Korea who have for the last 15 years have been making some of the greatest movies in the world because they have the wonderful combination of we have lots of money. But also, we take all the risks. So you get the best of, like, not top tier, but, like, mid-tier expensive blockbusters. But also, you have no idea what's going to happen at any point. Because they'll just be doing a drama and then suddenly there's, like, hardcore violence. Mm -hmm. Or they'll be doing a comedy and suddenly there's, like, inappropriate sex. It's, like, all over the map. And I fucking love it. Train to Busan was Korean, Uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good example of that. I mean, honestly, like, yeah. So many Korean films. They renamed the Alamo Draft House in Austin on South Lamar, which is where Fantastic Fest was held for you guys after Bong Joon Ho. So it's now Bong Joon Ho Cinema instead of being called Alamo, which is really cool. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's great. Queen and Slim, which is the film that I'm the most frustrated I haven't got to see because it's not out in England until the end of January, which is very frustrating. But you guys have seen it, or at least two of you. I have seen it. So I was very cool. well, no, no, no. I, I was very excited for this. The, I heard about it first through a photographer that I love. His name is Andre Wagner. He's a street photographer in New York. He shoots entirely on black and white film. He is the one who took the photo, which is now used as the main poster. And in, when you see the movie, that photo actually is it plays a very, very big role in the story which made me very happy because I love him. I think this movie is really, really great. It's definitely in my top five. I would like to nominate Daniel Kaluuya in this as my best male actor nomination. Agreed. Okay. I thought it it took a very, I wouldn't say like the, the phrasing is hard for this, but it took a very risky subject and it handled it with care and the respect that it deserved. And was able to both like bring personality to it as well as to bring the horror of consequences of where we are. Mm -hmm. Like it was able to show you both sides of a tipping point with respect on both ends, which I thought was extremely well done. Like I was kind of just baffled after it finished to how they were able to do that and just like how well they wove the story throughout and how like, 
the actors were sensational and like it was just yeah it was a very moving affecting film yeah jody so they did an incredible job her name jody turner smith is that the lead i think that's right but she kind of in the middle of the movie like in the first half i was like i can't decide if I like her or not, like I really liked her, right. but there's certain parts where when she's delivering lines, it almost feels like she's reading poetry to you, which there's a yeah. scene where she's there in the car and it's like one of their first more intimate like scenes together where mm. they're really getting to know each other. Oh, it's more. such a beautiful film. And she, like the colors. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. Great. And it's at that moment that I was like, oh my God, she's like, re- she's reading a poem. That's her yeah. performance this whole movie, which it's. Yeah if I see her in more movies and that's just how she acts, I don't know if I would love, but if it was a decision either by her or the director of how this character should be handled, then I think that's kind of cool. Well, it was also really interesting because it keeps getting pitched as like a Bonnie and Clyde film Mm -hmm. when in reality, it's more of a Thelma and Louise film. Yeah. It's definitely almost like beat for beat, even though it's a couple, but it's very much like this thing that wasn't intended that we've done has kind of pushed us into a life that we would never have imagined nor are we prepared for and like but it's a fish out of water let's just keep moving you have to keep moving Mm -hmm. and to me I was like it's such like the way that they construct the story is it's just really well done I agree okay any nominations other than best actor can we do best poster Andre Wagner (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could say you love it. But yeah. All right. And last two films in November, Waves, which I just saw a couple of days ago, and I fucking love this movie. And it's going to get my nomination for Best Female Actor of the Year, which is for Taylor Russell, who was also in Escape Room, um, shockingly. And she was, yeah, good in Escape Room, but it's not a role that demanded much of her. And in this, she's fucking amazing. Yeah, this is a movie that could so easily, with worse writing and worse directing and worse actors, could just be a fucking melodramatic soap opera on midday TV. It's just about a regular black family, well, I guess fairly well-off black family, who have some interesting pressures in their lives. And that's really all I want to say. I will say it's a little longer than it needs to be. I think it's about 10, 15 minutes longer than it needs to be. But it's one of those films I was watching, I was like, I really like this movie a lot. And then I thought it was at the end. And I was like, yeah, I really like that movie. And then suddenly it changes a bit. And I was like, oh, I love this movie. And then it kept going. I was like, where is this movie going? (laughs) What the fuck's happening? And then it kept going. And by the end, it came away just like just really affected by it. And I think it's one that sadly I was looking at the blur. Because it's got quite a lot of accolades. But I was looking at the box office and it did nothing. And it really breaks my heart because this movie should be seen by people. The fucking, the way the opening title comes in it's so fucking cool it was one of those films as soon as it started i'm just sitting there like yes <laughs> that's how you do an opening title it's just really nice and- i didn't love it as much as you did i definitely preferred the second half not to spoil anything but it kind of shifts perspective and you're following one sibling and then you switch and you start following the second sibling and i much prefer the sister not just character but i think she, i think she's a phenomenal actress so i just was much more interested in watching her and following along with her because I found her to be more believable. Sean loved this movie and he we were texting a couple of our friends about it and he wrote a very beautiful review that I will read against his will <laughs> if people are interested. 
He said, I liked the movie. It achieved what anything can hope to. And that it <laughs> the, the end. end. <laughs> I liked the movie, exclamation point. It achieved what anything can hope to and that it made me want to connect with and hold on to those closest to me. The way it does that, though, is super intense and difficult to watch and can feel in some ways like a horror movie as you watch kids and teenagers in the throes of emotion make ill-informed decisions. Parentheses, the director's previous films were horror, I think. Close parentheses. But the direction was so engrossing, I felt like I was a main character or one of the main characters. Unlike Allie, that's me. I did not have problems with the character's motivations or believability. The anxiety, loneliness, and ecstasy of youth in the digital age were at full volume, which we had both compared it to Euphoria. I don't know if people have seen Euphoria. There's definitely a lot of similarities. He said it could have used more levity in the first half and some slightly better acting and writing in the first half. But overall, the mood that the movie captured felt authentic and whole. I would recommend it, but I would not see it again. I'm really desperate to see it again. And he is right. The director did It Comes at Night, which is a horror film, which I didn't love actually before. But you can tell because there's some real bite in this film. And the filmmaking techniques he uses are really impressive. There's some really fucking cool, brave stuff he does with the camera. And yeah, I, I very nearly gave this my score nomination because it's by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. But what they do with it, it's not really the score. I presume they let Trent Reznor have control over this because he does something similar to what he did with Natural Born Killers, where he uses the sound of design in the film, as well as the music, as well as the actual soundtrack in the film to all bleed into the same thing. So like someone will open a car door and there's like, you know, that bing, bing, mm-hmm. bing that goes off in the car door. And then that bing will like go bing, will like warp down into like part of the score. And it's so fucking subtle and it's brilliant. Like it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, my nomination for best animation of 2019 and actually one of my two best films of 2019 is I Lost My Body, which kicked Marriage Story off for me, kicked the standoff of Sparrow Creek off for me. It is a French film, which if you watch it on Netflix, which is the only place you can see it at the moment, make sure you change the audio from English to French, please. It's a very French movie. So go in there and switch that over, even if you hate subtitles. There's not loads of talking in it. It's a very um, short movie. It's incredibly cool. It's got basically a romantic half to the story that's interwoven with a very tense, surreal half to the movie, which I don't really want to spoil. That was the most yeah tense I'd felt all year. It's got excellent score. That was one of my nominations for best score of the year. Yeah, this is my nomination for best score and underappreciated. So it's getting like four nominations, this film. My ye gads. Yep. Ali, you should watch this one so you can have a, a best animated film no, i need to up my numbers on the animations yeah it, it's it's honestly it's it's really it's a very special movie and it's it's yeah. the most soulful movie for me this year mm-hmm. um it really kind of affected me not in a just oh i'm sad or i'm excited but in a way that i went away and rethought a lot of things to do with my life <laughs> which i love <laughs> but it's also very buoyant and just enjoyable so yeah great great movie then we're into yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Let's do it right. Um, we should say we had we had a little bit of a digital problem. We lost some of this, so we're recovering some of these <laughs> films. So if that energy that's been waning for the last four and a half hours seems extra waned, <laughs> that's why. Yep. So waned. Oh, waned. What we didn't talk about in November that we meant to is a little film called The Irishman. Uh, I think this is my, I think this is my point of departure. Irish. <laughs> <Tom's> gone. <laughs> 
Goodbye Tom, to the Tom has to fucking get up for work in five hours, and he's been sticking around. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I don't. I honestly. Don't. Is it just because you don't want to talk That's, about the Irishman? Well, we, you could have watched. You could watch the <laughs> Irishman one and a half times in the time we've been doing this podcast. This right. Is, uh, That's this true. <laughs> Yep. That's, that's valid. Yep. But you know what? I would still say listen to the podcast. Well, yeah. Well, if it's, oh, yeah. for sure. Tom, Tom like Tom liked this movie. Yeah, I do quite like it. But I'm, well, much like you could do with this podcast, it's you can watch it in chunks, like a mini series. <laughs> you know, maximizes the parts. Right. I gotta go. All right, buddy. Thank bye, you so Tom. much, bye, everybody. Bye, Irish Love you, Good night. All right, The Irishman. Someone speak. Most overrated. <laughs> I have not seen yeah. this, and I don't really want to. I mean, I was abysmally bored for three hours. That's how well, I felt. Well, here, like, it is beautiful in moments. It's shot beautifully, I think. The characters could be interesting, kind of. However, <laughs> like, I, what I was interested in was what we got to at the end, which is, like, what happens whenever you're an old gangster and there's no one around anymore. You're the only one that's left, where Robert De Niro it gets sort of left just by virtue of old age and all that sort of stuff. But I agree. I I could cut two hours out of this movie, and then I think it would be great. I, like, at least an hour and a half I could cut out of this movie, and then I think it would be great. I did think Joe Pesci was awesome. And also Al Pacino. I'm just, I'm not here for him because I know he has an actress that he acts with an earpiece. He has an actress that is telling, feeding him his lines as he works. So anything he's saying is not coming from Al Pacino. It's coming from this other actress. He just mimics her. (laughs) And Jimmy Hoffa is an interesting story. All that stuff is interesting. And it was told in the most boring way it could have possibly been told yeah. it was like when your grandpa who you can barely understand is like telling you the story of his when he was growing up and you're just like i can't like and it just wasn't i don't know i don't really love gangster films at I all would, anyway yeah, i think I agree with that the idea of gangster films have always like to me they just seem so simplified where it's like hey we got guns and like i don't like that guy and you're on my turf and it's just like so childish to me like the whole gangster mentality and the whole mob mentality. It's never been something that I find scary. Like the only thing that they have to back up family or quote, like any of that stuff is like, I'm, I will shoot mm-hmm. you or I will kill you. And it's just like, that's it. Like that's as inventive as you can get. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just have never found it interesting. And I felt like this whole film was like, oh, but what if one of those guys actually survives? And then what happens to him when he's old? Guess what? I don't give a shit. He was a terrible person. Like, I didn't like the story at all. I thought it was so, it was so boring. Like, we stopped it at one point because we, Al and I were watching it with his mom. And one of us had to stop and, like, leave the room for a minute. And it was, like, an hour in. And I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God. There is no way that I can watch two more hours of this. And I somehow survived through it. But it was, like, I, it was so I, I agree with all <laughs> of that. So and the thing is, is, I was interested at the beginning when the title cards come up of, like, he paints houses. I was like, ooh, Scorsese. Are you going to, like, do something different and interesting with this one? And was, nope. no, it felt like, again, I recognize there are moments in this that are beautiful. Some of the character development and things like that is beautiful. Some of the shots are beautiful. All of those things. However, Mm -hmm. you made it three and a half fucking hours long so your story and your characters are so convoluted. I can't possibly, like, 
and you threw so many characters in there for no fucking reason. I don't know what I'm supposed to focus on anymore and in not a way that creates tension, but in just a way that makes me go, huh? What? What is the point? And then I am exhausted by the end of it. Yeah. And here's the thing, Scorsese, I want to work with you. Like, everything's fine. (laughs) Put me in your movies. And you know what? I will. I will show my tits for you. But um, it's extra. (laughs) You might not. You probably don't want me to, but I'll do it. (laughs) Um, And it's not to. He's clearly one of the greatest living, if not the greatest living director of our time. You know what I mean? However, Katie... Go fuck yourself with this movie. Everyone it just feels assume so... Katie's making a face yeah. anytime someone laughs in this entire podcast. <laughs> but it, it feels so indulgent and not like the, the Tarantino Once Upon a Time in Hollywood feels indulgent, but at least feels fun. This is indulgent and like yeah. of an old man's boring story. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to say at the beginning. It's like when your grandpa's telling you a story and he falls asleep in the middle of his story and then wakes up and keeps telling you the story and you're just like, I felt like he just kept dozing off and then I would like just have to be there. And I was I was yes. so bored, you guys. I don't understand how it's number one on so many. I don't understand. Yes. It's so boring. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how many angry people there are listening right now? I know, now? there's so many I don't angry give people. a shit. I don't, like, explain it to me. You get at me. <laughs> explain it to me. Well, I don't understand. read the reviews. No, um, I want someone to specifically there. get mad and come and tell me why I should like this movie. <laughs> I do not want someone to get mad and come around to my house and tell me. No, I don't mean um, physically, like it, over the social uh, media, like a normal person. Okay. Now, okay. Now that you two have <laughs> tirated. <laughs> yes, we've had our moment. Yeah, I don't. I agree. And I do not like this movie anywhere near as much as other people do. But I don't agree with you both for really the reasons. I do think you can make wonderful movies out of gang stories. I do think I have no problem with the time length of it at all. I did find it a bit boring. My problems with it was that I didn't actually think it was. I didn't think the direction was very interesting. I have a huge problem with the de aging that they do in it. It's distracting. Like it's massively distracting. Unlike Samuel L. Jackson, Captain Marvel, I could tell it in almost every scene of this and. And it didn't even work for the scenes. Like, he's meant to be, like, 30-something when yes. they start. And it's like, he looks in his 50s. Yes. It, like, it just doesn't work. And that really frustrated me. And then just, obviously, the body movements and stuff don't work for it. Yeah, I'm not, these aren't my favorite types of gangster movies. I've always respected Scorsese, but not really loved his work. But I can respect things in this movie. The problem is, is I have two problems with it. For me, the more interesting stuff is when it flirts with the politics. Like, I'm really into uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and JFK and all that stuff fascinates me and I love it. And I love watching films about that. And Hoffer is a character that uh, there's not been much really done about him in film. And I do think, actually, regardless of now in his older years, he's got someone shouting at him in his ear or not. I think Al Pacino does the most captivating, the only energetic performance in this film, like which which I enjoyed whenever he was on screen because Hoffer's an interesting Mm -hmm. character. However... It flirts with that in the middle of the film and then it shies away from it because it doesn't really want to get into the politics. And it does this frustrating thing for me where it's showing the gangster life, but all it's trying to do is deglamorize it. And I think that's great. But in order to deglamorize it, you have to end up where it does end up, but you have to start by showing why they're doing it. And it never, ever shows you the joy of being a gangster or even the money of being a gangster or the fake glamour or Mm -hmm. anything. So it's when you've got three and a half hours and you don't show me why you would want to be a gangster to why you'd end up miserable and alone. And you don't tell me, because they, they very purposely, their central character is a blank slate. Everyone around him is the personality. Mm-hmm. But you don't tell me in three and a half hours a single thing 
about his past other than one shot of him. One shot in a war. That's it. And that's unforgivable because I don't care about him at all throughout this entire movie, which is really frustrating. And what's worse is when you study up about it and you listen to podcasts and you read articles and you learn it's a lie. This is based on his mm-hmm. book that he sold to news uh, to like newspapers, basically, and articles and journalists at the end of his life because he was left with yep. no money and he wanted to leave money to his kids. Now, sure, he was a bodyguard to Hoffa for a little bit of time, but all of these details and really the key premise of the film, which is why and how did Hoffa disappear, it's all fabricated. It's just stuff that he clearly made up at the end of his life because he wanted to make money out of stuff. And you can argue against that, sure, but from the evidence I've read and the people I've like listened to who are historians like this is clearly not true and for me i have big problems with films that will this will be his legacy now i have no problem if you've gone like done all these terrible things i still think we can tell a sympathetic story about you like i think monsters and all types of people you know that we portray as monsters can be seen as sympathetic and we can try and understand them and see where they came from because everyone's just a person at some point but this is now his legacy and it's probably a massive percentage of it is a lie so, yeah, I have big problems with The Irishman, but not in the same ways necessarily. <laughs> as, I, I completely agree with what you were saying. One of the big problems with it for me was like, what is the point of Anna Paquin's character in this? Like, she's the only part of his yeah. family. Like, I understand why she is upset with her father. But like, what would have been interesting is, as you were saying, Al, is like, there's this money coming in. That is a personal conundrum of, you know, my father, the gangster, funded my life and gave me this opportunity and gave me this chance, but I don't agree with the way in which he did it, right? And we're not really getting into, I think that's really my issue with it, is I don't think you really get into the meat of any of it, is that it feels surface. And and that, exact, well, and that's my problem. That is truly my problem, is that it, it is three and a half hours and it feels surface. I leave it going i spent three and a half hours watching this movie and again i recognize the beauty there right but i don't know what i'm supposed to be left with and there is no excuse for three and a half hours and i don't know what you're trying to say to me as a director and as a filmmaker and that is really my problem with it and if it wasn't for the fact that it is being so hyped and of course it's Scorsese and all that sort of stuff, I would maybe not feel as strongly about it. But that is how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move in now that we've ostracized yep. everybody. Let's move into December. Uh, our last few films. Daniel Isn't Real came out. This is a film that has done really well in the genre circuit. I have hung out a little bit with the director, Adam Egypt Mortimer, who seems like a lovely guy. And I hadn't seen this film at the time, and now I have. And I do really, I do like it, actually. I don't love it like everybody else seems to, but I do like it. I thought it was an interesting movie, and it was very stylish. So there some cool shots in there, and I'm interested in what he does next. Uh, Jumanji, The Next Level came out, which, spoilers, we recorded this a minute ago, and Tom enjoys these movies, and Katie <laughs> does not. Uh, I think they're fine. There is not Jumanji films, that's all mm-hmm. I have to say. Tom's not here to defend him, so that's the last word. His response to that was, it's a new Jumanji film, and then I made a face. <laughs> that was it. 
you did make a pain. Black Christmas came out and yeah, I just want to make it crystal clear the messaging behind this and what they're trying to achieve and what they're trying to do with changing how slashes portray women and do the conversation with women. Fan-fucking-tastic. I hope more films do that. That's brilliant. Anyone slamming this movie for that stuff, you're stupid. And anyone who's listening to them slamming them, slamming this movie for that stuff, don't listen to them. Like, they're really, they're irrelevant. When they're that stupid, you don't need to listen to them. You're feeding them energy. You really are. But I fucking hate this movie. This is maybe the worst film I've seen in a decade. I think this movie is terribly written. I think it's terribly put together. I think the directing is is all god awful. The slasher elements are laughable in it, and it really breaks my heart that Pussy is in it. Oh, hurts. And it devolves into just to, in just to the worst, most embarrassing finale of just just oh, oh, I really hate it. Really hate it. And I know some of our listeners like it, so I apologize. But seriously, like. Uh, this is one of those apologize like, for how you feel. Yeah. No, but stuff it. like Doctor Sleep where it's like, I don't understand why people love it so much, but there's competency there at least, you know? And the same with, you know, Terminator and like Midsummer, definitely. There's like, it, there's excellent filmmaking there. I just don't like where it goes. This movie, I'm like, really? <laughs> like, I don't, have you, you have seen other movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. But anyway, Uncut Gems came out. Um, and did all of the stressful things yep. and people loved it and ate it up. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so stressed. So stressful. Just give me um, a wide shot. Give me a fucking wide shot. <laughs> yeah. When we talked about this before, we basically agreed. It was, obviously, it's trying to be stressful. I think me and Ali on roughly the same page. We were like, it's it's a well-made film, but is this an off flavor of stress? We prefer yeah. Good Time. Oh, well, I still haven't seen Good Time. I would like to. But yeah, this okay. is this type of movie is just not for me. And Shannon was too stressed and wanted yeah, to get too out. too stressed. I wanted to get out. I wanted to get... And, like, whenever the twist happens, you know, thank fucking God was my response. And my favorite part was Bogosian. <laughs> oh, I love the acting of Bogosian. Just I want to stare in his eyes all day. All day, every day. You nominated this, didn't you, for something? Me? I not... You nominated him. Eric... B- oh. Bogosian? Did you not nominate... Oh, no. No, 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 no. I thought you nominated Uncut Gems for most... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, it's on my agreed, list though. of most overrated. Irishman is my top most overrated. Okay. But this is on my list of, of most overrated for sure. Mainly because Instagram desperately wanted me to see this fucking movie. <laughs> and so we did. I think from what we're... What we're learning about you is that you spend too much time in it. You know what? I don't spend that much time, but their ads are uh, very annoying. They are. Hmm. I also I heard before walking um, into this movie, my friend Meredith told me that it's ranked, I think, number seven in the list of movies that say the word fuck the most just after Wolf of Wall Street. They say it something yeah, like 408 you know, times or something like that. James said yeah, that, yeah. leaving it, he was like, they said fuck, so I didn't even notice it because it felt natural to me i guess in that <laughs> film but james was like they said fuck so many times it was like get a different word yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's what i was saying which i just wanted to use again like i hope the safties do some other stuff because i think they've proven they're excellent at creating stress i'd like to see them do something completely yeah. different now a hidden life came out which breaks my heart because that and queen of slim are the two i know would end up on my list and this is going to be the best film terence malick has done in a decade but it just came out here and it's three and a half hours long and i didn't i had to fit in the other films so i didn't get to see it uh, none of us have seen it, though. Mm-hmm. No, it's I don't know movie. if I really want to. I know Sean wants to see it, but... Why do you hate beautiful movies? It looks very beautiful scenically, but I don't know if Terrence Malick is for me. Mm-hmm. Do you like Terrence Malick? I, not, I mean, I haven't seen all of his films. Uh, Tree of Life, I saw, I've seen a couple of times. I don't love it. I don't hate it. 
it's just kind of like, eh, I probably, I don't, like, even the fact that I've seen it twice, thinking back, I'm like, why did I see that again? Hmm. Is that the only one you've seen? Yes. Okay. We've talked about seeing song to song, but I think that's pretty unanimously disliked. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, about, I mean, people didn't even know they existed. <laughs> yeah. Like... I mean, they were shooting it when I was living in Austin, in Austin, but it didn't come out for, like, several years after that, so... Who knows what's, what was going on? What's the thin yep. red line and um, and the new world extended edition to see how he does not narrative basically normal. Okay, narrative. the thin red line is my really only film of his that I like truly love. Hmm. Ip Man Four came out. God bless you, Donnie Yen, still doing awesome martial arts movies. Tiny tiny movie called Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker came out. No one really wanted to talk about it last time because we've already done a big ass podcast on it with me, Alex, and Christina. But you guys had anything you wanted to add? No, just it was so Disneyed. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's all. So so Disneyed. Katie looks sad now. I like. I it. mean, I liked it. I, liked it I didn't too. not like it. It was just like let's put a bow on everything. That's what I mean by Disneyed. Oh well, yeah. You know? But well, it was like I don't know. I would, it was more. Like, I'm, let's not, forget I'm the like the Jedi. worst person to talk about Star Wars though, with because I'm just that person who walks out. I'm like, that's a good yeah. movie. <laughs> like that, I just like I just enjoy them, and I don't expect lore to be upheld and storylines to happen. Yeah. So I'm just always like, I mean, yeah, I know there, there is not a trilogy. It's a whole yeah. other, but thing, as but. just as a film, I think it's an enjoyable yeah, film. I can agree with that. Cats. Cats. <laughs> Worst thing to happen to That's cats and dogs. On. <laughs> Done. Memories. That happened, and then some guy took shrooms and watched it, and everyone wanted to interview him for some fucking reason. I listened to Jennifer Hudson singing that, and I was like, "That's all I need. I don't need to see it." Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm just really sad that we I missed the chance to see it with the original yep. CGI before they rectified it all. I didn't um, even how, know that they went back and yeah, rectified it. they did. They The reviews are so immediately scathing, they sent out digital versions to replace all of the hard drives in all the cinemas that yep. over three days replaced everything Well, I worldwide. guess, uh, the, wow. I can't remember the director's name. Wait, replace it with what? What did they change? They just updated it, I think. they like The director said that he was scrambling to finish it in time uh, to get into theaters, and then reviews came out that was so scathing that he was like, I have to go back and make this CGI better. But unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily make a bad film better. So Yeah, I don't, right. I don't think the CGI no, was the biggest problem. I don't think problem, so either. I'm very excited, actually. But I had no interest in that film whatsoever until I heard how porny it was. I'm like, I'm totally interested in that <laughs> I'm down for that. Little Women came out. Greta Gerwig. She made a movie. Ali saw it. Yes. I, I want to um, see it. I'm so... I kept trying to get Ali to, to see it. I want to see it again. Sean wants to see it again so the four of us can all Great. go see it. Have y'all read the books? Yes. The I book? love the books. I have uh-huh. seen the all the iterations of Little Women. It is a... Tr- a it, like, this is the film that I'm like, oh, I'm so sad I haven't seen this yet. But I just, I haven't, you know, there's only, it okay. just came out. There's only so much time in the day. What are you going to do? I haven't read the book. I knew who passed away because of friends. But <laughs> I, <laughs> at the end, I really, really enjoyed it. I think all the acting was phenomenal. At the end, my biggest complaint was that Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh's relationship just came out of absolutely nowhere. And we... We're walking out and Sean's mom has read the book and she was saying that in the book, there's actually a lot of time for that relationship mm-hmm. to develop and it feels a lot more natural. So that's one thing that I kind of wish there was more time spent on. But I do, 
I think she made a lot of really interesting creative decisions. Uh, Lawrence Pugh and Saoirse Ronan were both phenomenal. I can't decide which of them I would like to nominate for best female in this movie, mm. but one of them. Uh, I even had Timothy Chalamet on my shortlist for best male actor, and I really enjoyed it. Cool. Al, you have not seen it either? No, I haven't seen it. I was actually excited about it, and I was literally about to uh, go to see it when I was trying to like. I had to. I had a very small amount of time to compress a lot of films into, so I had to very specifically pick which ones. And then I was reading like it's an excellent like classic adaptation of it. Like it doesn't do anything weird with it. It's just like this is an excellent you know classic version of it, which I think I'll really admire for it when I saw it. But for some reason, because it was from Greta Gerwig, I was like, oh, I wanted this to be a bit weird or do something. You know, she messes with the format yeah. of how the story's told a little bit. Like, okay. in, I don't, if you haven't read about it, then just, I won't say anything and go watch it. Mm-hmm. I won't say anything. I won't. I'm done. Seems fair. 1917 is the last movie that we have uh, to talk about. Well, there's one more we need to God talk about. God damn it. What else are you fucking adding to a list? <laughs> just Judy. Huh? It's Judy. Judy. Uh, I, oh. I didn't realize it wasn't on this list until we got down to it. But well, Judy, this is why you have to Renee Zellweger as Judy Garland is a Best Actress nominee for me. I don't even know. I never even heard of this movie. I don't find the movie good. I find her performance incredible. Who is, who is it? Sorry, who? It's Renee Zellweger as Judy Garland. The movie is Judy. Are you sure? Renee Zellweger? Yes. I am yeah. positive. She's nominated for an Oscar. She probably will win. She is does a great job. And I do not care for Renee Zellweger in any way, shape, or form. And the fact that I watched this movie and was like, okay, you good, bitch. Uh, that seems, like, uh, seems yep. Bad. It's like, all right, I didn't want to like you, but I now have to like you in this film. Hmm. Hmm. You need to watch Texas Chainsaw 4. No. That's a solid no. Okay. There we go. We did it. 1917. We didn't do it. There's another. <laughs> all the numbers. Yep. Oh, all the energy has left us. Uh, who's seen this movie? Me. Allie. I I haven't yet. I'm desperate too as well. This one and Little Women I need to go see desperately, but that's it. What was what was the movie? 1917. I'm losing it. I am I'm I'm checking out mentally. I'm yeah, trying to sort out these fucking lists for the end of this. I'm I'm completely I'm losing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, like out of it. About to fall asleep. Yes, I saw it too. I know Tom wanted to nominate this for best score. Yeah, yeah. he did. I'm nominating it uh, for one of my best films. Well, actually, I say that, but yes, I am. <laughs> I say that, but I no, mean sorry. It. I was trying to juggle because I had Adrian's votes came in and they were overlapping with some. So, Shannon, you've now got all three of your choices because Adrian did Marriage Story as well. So, I've used oh, this great. in there. So, you are now in the clear, but we'll get to that in a second. So, sorry, that's why my brain was jumbled. Yeah, 1917. I'm kind of ashamed because it's such a big movie, but it's my film of the year. I have a couple of problems with it. I do think I think one of the two main people isn't that great. I think it's a little bit theatery, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way to theater acting. I just think it's a different type of acting. It hasn't necessarily got the right cinematic presence, but not to a terrible degree, just like a little bit, you know. But it makes sense because there's a lot of single shots here, so I'm sure a lot of these people have theater backgrounds. And I do think, yeah, that it is a very simple film that doesn't do really anything that you haven't seen before other than the gimmick, essentially. But that gimmick to me is everything. Like, that's something I've longed for with the war movie and with the war game. I've wanted a game set over uh, real time while you're playing the game over one night. So to get that in a movie format, I think it's fantastic. I think it's phenomenal what they do technically with it. Like, as filmmakers, it's just in awe of it. But as a movie as well, I just I, I love it because it doesn't, 
lean too heavily into the miseries of war while still being obviously miserable and terrifying and tragic. But it's not, you know, making that entertaining for the most part anyway. Yeah, the seams are very, like, I think the seams are just immaculate. I love the lead guy in it. I think he's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, the score was excellent. Um, I just think it's it's one of those movies where, sure, it didn't maybe speak to me as personally as my second choice, Solace My Body, um, or Marriage Story, but it's one that I'll remember for you know the rest of my life. This will be a tentpole film that I go back to. It's like, yeah, that's one of the greatest films of all time, and I really, really love it. I had I had no interest in seeing this initially just from the trailer, which obviously the trailer is cut, so I just saw it and was like, ah, oh, it's a war movie. I don't really like war movies that much probably won't see it and then everybody i found out it was you know a one take war movie with like you know follows real time over one day and everybody was talking about how magnificent it is so i was like okay maybe i'll maybe i'll go see it and i also really enjoyed it i thought you didn't like the brother is that who you were talking about that you said is too theatery uh, no i don't want to talk of, like i don't want to give things for for shannon and other people but one of the main two okay. Okay. i didn't like as much as the other one Okay, I liked both leads. I thought they were very good. I will say one of the (laughs) main parts of the trailer, I was just, I'd seen the trailer so many times and that was one of the big parts in the trailer that like throughout the whole movie, I was like, well, I know we still have one scene left like this because this hasn't happened yet. So I was kind of just like waiting for that to happen because I knew we weren't that close to the end without it. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very beautiful. I don't really know much about how on the technical side of things, how that's accomplished. And it makes me want to go do some research and, you know, hear about the magic tricks that they do to accomplish that. And I would recommend it. Katie, anything you want to add? Need just a little snooze. (laughs) I'm with Allie and that I more than don't like, I kind of avoid war movies just because it's a whole other moral compass thing, but I'm like, I am anti-war in general. So it's like, I hate the idea of being along for the journey of someone who feels helpless and they don't even need to be doing the thing that they're doing. And then their life is at risk and you're just watching these children die for, in my mind, no reason. And I'm sure that there are lots of nationalists out there who will tell me like I'm anti-country and all that. And I completely appreciate that. I have relatives who have been in multiple wars And it has not changed my mind. But this one, I think, was one of the easier pills to swallow when it comes to war films, just because it does have that grittiness of it. But for the most part, he is kind of this calm in a storm. Like, he is such a a smooth presence throughout, sometimes, in my mind, even too slow. Like, he's just such, like, a continuous force, but without being violent. It was an interesting war film for me to have to kind of digest. And I still felt very stressed throughout, but without the actual panic that I felt in other war films, like Cold Mountain, I think is probably still the worst one that I've had to go through where I was just like, I hate this. So mm-hmm. this not in a way that it was like a terrible film, but like just it made me feel too much like I was a part of that moment. So this one was, again, yeah, technically beautiful. And I really liked the lead and the score. Guys, we did it. We uh, did it! Now, Katie, you actually what? owe us one more selection for best movie of the year. You're the only person to only give one. I know, I can't decide. You did Jojo <laughs> Rabbit. So I'm going to tell you what we... You have a little think about that. 
Our best male actors, everybody voted other than Katie. That's all for that. We should really get rid of this nominating bullshit. <laughs> yep. I mean, I can tell you the ones who are definitely... Uh, again, Katie hasn't done for female actor. Um, <laughs> Katie hasn't done So it's all the, Katie's fault. Yeah. There's a lot of categories Katie I'm hasn't go voted sleepy. in. I'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. We've said stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking through them. There's too many where there's just one vote for so many things. The only one when we have multiple is we have a couple for Best Female Actor for Florence Pugh for Midsummer. I know a lot of people said they like Adam Driver and Marriage Story, but people voted for different things. Other than that, it's all singular stuff. So, fuck it. People heard what we like. I still just think that we <laughs> yeah. should have voted for the Best Adam Driver. Um, you know what? Maybe we like, don't need of a the Best, best male I feel like I, t- I mean, I want this list. I want Katie to give us one more film because then we have our 12 films, which uh, is yeah. the most important thing. While you're doing that, Katie, I'm going to... Can you read the 11 we have? Yeah. Yeah, but then it would spoil it for everyone listening of what we like. I want to like reveal our 12. Mm-hmm. Does Katie not remember? Okay, people don't remember. We really, we're going to figure this out. No, it's fine. Year. I'm fine. I, I know the one that I'll choose has not been chosen. Cause, oh, really? Yeah. Which is fine. What is it? I don't know. Okay. I'll probably say piercing. Piercing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I really like that one. Okay. All right. So I'm going to reveal in a second. I'm going to quickly tell uh, you guys what the box office said for this year. And number 15 this year was actually Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Oh, This is the worldwide Vito. box office, by the way. <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon in the Hidden World was at 14. Vito. A film called The Wandering Earth was at number 13. Then a film called Niza, which is a Chinese film, was at number 12. Uh, number 11 is Jumanji, The Next Level. And number 10, we had Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> hey yo this is a huge year for the rock oh my god this guy yeah i swear to god do you think he like bench presses his money i named my camera so. after him you did yeah because he's really big <laughs> just for content the, format baby <laughs> the top nine films all made over a billion dollars worldwide oh my wow. god which again, cinema is still not doing great at the moment, <laughs> but these yeah. films did. Rise of Skywalker is at number nine. Uh, I guess it's pretty recent, but also has not performed quite as well as some of the others. And number eight was Aladdin. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh, number seven is Joker. Uh, number six is Toy Story 4. At uh, number five is Captain Marvel. At number yeah. four is Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm. And the top three movies worldwide of 2019. At number three, Frozen 2. <laughs> <laughs> At number oh. two, The Lion King with wow. $1,656,000,000. I mean, you wonder why they keep making them. And right? with a billion more dollars, the number two is Avengers Endgame with two billion seven hundred and ninety-seven million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> damn. It's just like not even a real number. No, yeah. it's not. Which, when you count in that top ten, how many of those are Disney? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. that's insane. Avengers, Lion King, Frozen, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Toy Story, not Joker, Aladdin, Star Wars, not Hobbs and Shaw. That's eight wow. out of the top ten films, which wow. nine of those made over a billion. One made nearly three billion. God damn, Disney. Insane. Disney owns us all. It really do. It does, and that is a sad thing. But more important than that, what were the flops? Uh, 
And, yeah. and I did some math for this, by the way, which I haven't updated well, for a couple of weeks, well but I did math. I didn't know you could do that. I know, neither did I. It took time, believe me. <laughs> because no, we had this sort of, because I had to look up how much they'd lost, because it wasn't how little they made. It was, you know, obviously how much they lost compared to their budget. Right. We don't know the marketing, obviously. So at 16 was Terminator Dark Fate. That actually made $70 million, but not great, particularly when marketing was included. 15 is Dark Phoenix, which made $52 million. 14 is Gemini Man, which made $35 million. 13 is Charlie's Angels, which made $3 million. Again, <laughs> not including its marketing. Oh, my God. And then we're into the actual losses. This is after you did the math and subtracted their budget, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 compared to, wow. yeah, yeah. And then the, now we're into the actual losses, again, not including the marketing. So they yeah. could have lost an extra $100 million on top of this. Yeah, yeah 100%. At 12 yeah. is Hellboy that lost $6 million. Dang. At 11 is Where'd You Go Bernadette, which lost $10 million. <laughs> Oh, my God. And number yep. 10 is, all right, all right, all right, Serenity, which lost $11 million. Forgot about that movie. At 9 yeah, is The Kitchen, I. that lost $22 oh, it million. Was so bad. Thank oh, God. It was so bad. Oh, talk about gangster boring movies. It's like putting well, it, women in, it doesn't make it better. Well, and Still also talk boring. about like Tiffany Haddish, overrated. Oh. I love her, just not in that. Everybody's yeah, like everyone's woken up for this bit. At number eight yeah. is Ugly Dolls, which lost thirteen million. <laughs> At number seven is Captive State, which lost sixteen million. Twenty nineteen was the year of Keanu Reeves, but no one gave a shit yep. about him in replicas, which at number six lost twenty one million. <laughs> Don't worry. I forgot about that movie. He was in uh, John Wick 3. He's fine. And he's going to be a tumbleweed in SpongeBob, so it's all good. Yeah. At number five, The Kid Who Would Be King lost 27 million. At number four, The Goldfinch lost 34 million. Wow. At number three, wow. a film apparently called Arctic Dogs lost 54 million. Animated movie. Guess what? They're the biggest losers almost every year because they cost a shit ton to make. So if they don't land, right. you're fucked. Number two, Missing Link, the new film from Ardman, lost $74 million. Which is interesting because I got so much, you know, it's nominated for an Oscar and it won the Golden Globe. Mm -hmm. I bet they're praying this gives it a boost. Oh, yeah. The number one loss at $75 million. uh, It made only $656,000 in cinemas is a Lego movie ripoff called Playmobil. I don't what? know if you guys had it in America, but in England, if you're young, too young for Legos, you play with Playmobil. It's a similar thing. You should go and watch the trailer for it because this movie is a legitimate movie <laughs> and I never even know it existed. It. And go on to IMDb now, actually, do it Playmobil without any at the end. The poster is in fucking sane. Absolutely insane that they put that out for what, the, for what this movie is. Although actually the poster on IMDb now has changed. Uh, but still looks like shit. It's got Anya Taylor-Joy doing voices in it. It's got Daniel Radcliffe doing voices in it. It has some actual people involved with this movie. And crazy. that's probably why it lost all that money. <laughs> so, yeah, I downloaded that immediately on iTunes. Like, I must see this fucking movie. <laughs> they were like, we got one. And right? oh this God. movie's terrible. I have to see it. No, I mean, it's it's very strange. Yeah, it's like a live action and then going into animation and everything. It's crazy. There you go. Those are the biggest flops and the biggest box office. But what were our 12 films of 2019? For anybody still with us, we have The Standoff at Sparrow Creek, Avengers Endgame, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, 
Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood, ready or not, yeah. <laughs> Jojo <laughs> Rabbit, yeah. Marriage Story, Parasite, I Lost My Body, 1917, Honey Boy, and Piercing. Adrian, Woo. by the way, said Honey Boy. So, I, I feel like that's a solid list, y'all. Yeah, solid good. Nice and list. Diverse. That's a great list. That's a great list. I think that's a good representation. It is nice and diverse. Different things. Any of those, uh, any of us should see, we should check them out. Yeah. And there you go. I am not going to do my top films of the decade. You can find because who cares? And I don't have the time. Yep. And you can find all that stuff out. <laughs> You're like, right. <laughs> if this podcast hasn't convinced you, please subscribe and rate us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of the episodes are shorter, but not by much. I do feel that's <laughs> the point of these yearly ones, though. It's, to, it's just to hear people break down over many yes. hours. Just gradually broken. break down. I am broken. You have more I'm, energy, Shannon. I need food. I am bro- well, that's because I, I always do. But this is me broken. I need food, too. It's one one fifteen in the morning here, and I am uh, dying. 5.15. I had a headache for like four we hours. started at 10.15. <laughs> well started. So everyone that's made it this far... And Thank those, you. And those two hours of prelude before for us with IT. <laughs> I know. Right. Adrian did the right thing. He got out. Um, well, we didn't yep. decide to do a happy hour, Allie. I know. that. Well, that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm going to have um, nappy hour. But we did it. Nappy hour. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can uh, find our actual personal top lists, and I'm going to do my decade one as well, as well as I'm going to do games and music. We're going to be doing this for video games. It will not be this intense because video games is much easier to talk about, and that will happen eh, in a few days to a week's time. Alex is going to be involved with that. Maybe we'll be able to get in Shannon's older ego, James. We'll find out. Yes. And if you go to Instagram, Twitter, whatever, I'm there as Mr. Al White. It's also on Xbox if you want to play video games and on PSN. What about you guys? Where can they find your personal lives? I'm Shannon Hollander on Instagram or my fave Shannon on Twitter. But I don't really use it, so there's no fucking point. (laughs) Also, like, IMDb me. (laughs) Hire me. (laughs) I am my dearest Watson on Instagram and at Watson Dearest on Twitter. I am Ali Sue on Instagram, and I made a new Twitter to use, and I don't use it. So, again, like Shannon said, it doesn't matter. Worth it. <laughs> Excellent. We'll be back. I, I like forget to even get on and read it. So glad I made one. If you haven't heard enough <laughs> of us, Shannon, myself, and Katie, we'll be back on Friday to talk about some slasher movies from the 80s. We'll have a little bit more energy than this, we promise. And in yep. case this podcast hasn't been punishment enough, as promised, here is the first chance to listen to the new single from Ghostlight called American Salt, which we'll be playing now. Geeks! Yes! Geeks! Geeks! Oh my god.
That was the stone That was a copy Of sailboats and bone I wanna see shorelines I wanna take snow I 